target of a meat mix at going 150 miles an hour per car. That got really <laughs> exciting. <laughs> I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Lott. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Yo, what's up, uh, interwebs? Whoa, holy cow. You didn't tell me there was a playlist. Uh, there's a playlist, Mr. P. It's called an album for a reason. Got it. Got it. I'm all over it. <laughs> yeah. So, Jeremy, be patient with us. There's a lot of new things going on for us. This is actually Word. episode nine. This is the ninth time we've been dumb enough to try this. Awesome. Uh, for people listening at home, people watching on Facebook Live, I have, a, a to me, a very special guest. I, I say it every time but I just keep inviting my friends to hang out with me. Uh, Jeremy Foster, I met you 11 years ago? 11 years ago, yeah. Yeah, get that mic all up in your mouth. Dude, yeah, you, yeah, I mean, I know how you're used to this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I met you 11 years ago. You were uh, 18 then. Yeah, 18, yeah, 19-year-old skydiver. Yeah. Fre- fresh out of uh, high school and just really, really uh, loving life and getting into skydiving. It was, uh, it was, that was crazy, yeah. You, you stood out to me right away because we see so many people come into our sport and come into our world of skydiving, and they all say, I'm going to do this. I want to do this. And two things that you said is you wanted to join the military and work in that direction. You did, and you were very healthy and big into fitness, which a lot of my young friends are, but they become fat slobs like me right away. Um, but, dude, you're still in really good shape. I mean, I invited you over here for a reason. How right. you doing? Yeah, I know. Yeah. You've always but been... That got kind of weird there. I'm just going to... Was there a little bit too much truth? DJ, DJ hits on me uh, on, on the reg, so I, oh, just, yeah? I just kind of accept it now. And now now I'm feeling a little jealous. <laughs> I don't feel like I get hit on we, all that much. We have history. It's all yeah. right. It's, it's, it's you you realize fault. I am a man whore. <laughs> have you kissed DJ on the mouth? Uh, not on the mouth, no. All right. Yeah. Still ahead. Yes, still. Oh, but damn. have you looked me in the eyes when you've kissed me on the mouth? Uh, I don't know if that's happened or not. Adam. Your eyes are always so squinted. I don't. I don't really know. Ouch! Ouch! <laughs> <laughs> Come on, sorry, man. It, I, I'm cutting your pay in half. All right, your your pay pay is half cut. of zero is still zero. Zero. So by the way, I told you, Mr. P has a shirt. Oh, that nice. is I, nice. I actually was gonna wear that shirt today, and then I was like, is that just like shameless self promotion? No, to dude. wear a shirt. With my face on it while we do the show? No, no. That shirt was made for fun. Okay. This shirt is fun. Um, I didn't wear it today because I got home too late to change. My goal was to wear that shirt. So, um, See, I, I saw it in the in the laundry this morning when I was getting dressed. Yeah. I saw it and reached. And I was like, eh, maybe, maybe, maybe that makes me a douchebag. Tomorrow. Let's go Mr. P tomorrow. I'll, I'm down. Okay, cool. Um, a lot of our friends have asked us about T-shirts. We've actually had people ask us. So if you're listening to this and you're interested in, in T-shirts, check out Ben Nelson. Check out Nick, uh, myself. You'll see us every now and then wearing a Mr. P T-shirt. Go to Gravity Lab Radio Facebook page, and you'll actually see we created a shirt. It's all for fun. We only have a handful of these, but there's been an interest in buying the shirts. So if anybody's really interested, go check out the picture. Let me know. We can reproduce them. Um, we do have the ability to get more made, but I want to make sure you guys are interested. What's What's the story behind the Mr. P? He's our producer. Short, sh- okay, uh, it's a really short story. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, our good uh, friend Braden. No, no, who, no. Big Smitty. Big Smitty. Big Smitty. Pardon me. 
uh, our good friend who I think we all kind of shared this love for uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. So he's Braden's the one that got me listening to Joe Rogan. I think you're the one who got Braden listening to it. Yep. And it's so our man train. He's just like our honorary. Like he's he lives in Saipan. He, he's a tandem instructor in uh, the drop zone in Saipan. So he's not here. But uh, I think that I certainly feel like he's partly responsible for us doing this. Dude, and he straight up is. Him and I talked about doing this for a long time. He just, for no uh, reason that I know of, just used to call me Mr. Penis. <laughs> and oh. It's mildly inappropriate. Cool. So Mr. P is what it became, because that way he could just say, hey, what's up, Mr. P? And it didn't sound abnormal. Right. But uh, yeah, Mr. P. So cool. that's, our, that's our homage to, uh, to Mr. Uh, Big Smitty Braden. Yeah, Word. and he, dude, he's part of the show. I, uh, you, we've said this before, uh, Braden. I hope you listen to these one day. If Braden ever moved back to town, we'd actually have two co-host chairs and then our guest because Braden is. You'd love him, dude. He is a total bro, straight up, man. I mean, I, f- I feel like there's a pretty good chance I would just fully be ousted, and I, oh, I would yeah. say rightfully <laughs> so. No, man, triangle, man, triangle. <laughs> you in? Yeah, you can't. You can't take one of the legs off. I mean. Tripod. It doesn't. It doesn't stand on two <laughs> legs, you know. So, back to to what we got you here for tonight is, you've always been into fitness, man. And I just one of the reasons I joke around with you. I look at you, dude. I just want to lick your abs. Oh man! I mean, oh my god! <laughs> you I'm might glad be the only you one. Said abs, <laughs> dude. It's uh, I if you know me well, you'll hear and you know my porn is looking at CrossFit girls. I can motorboat abs all day. I can long. get down with that. Yeah. 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 Props. Yeah. Um, you have always stood out because you're super into fitness. And a lot of my friends have said something to me like, like, bro, you look good. And it's been nice because people are complimenting me. I've lost weight. One of our friends said, yo, dude, you've looked like shit lately. I'm like, you're an asshole. <laughs> and that's coming from me. But I got up to 199 pounds, 198 pounds. And I've always had this thing in life. If I ever hit 200 pounds in high school, I was just over 200, but I played football and I carried 205 for football. As soon as I stopped playing football, I went down to 175, 170. If I ever hit 200 pounds again, I'm going to lose weight. This is too heavy for me. This is too much for me. I sat at 199, 198 and danced there for like six months going like, oh, I ain't at 200. I ain't got to go on a diet. And one day I said, what the hell does one pound make, man? And said, I just need to get healthier. And the first thing I did is I stopped eating sugar as far as added sugars, candy bars, cookies, ice cream, soda, I'm a fat boy. I will eat 12 Snickers right now and wash it down with 10 Mountain Dews. No problem, dude. I love junk food. So I cut out all added sugars, and I lost 15 pounds. And, and Mr. P, you've talked about ketogenic diets with me, and, I've, and uh, not only do we listen to Joe Rogan, but Fighter and the Kid, they also talk about the keto diet. And I've become very interested, so I've dabbled. And you've seen some of my meals lately. I, I play with the idea of keto. I don't quite get there because, you know, I'm afraid of commitment took me like four years of living my wife wife to marry her and i've lost another four pounds monitoring that diet i've done no extra working out by the way i'm too lazy i've always thought fitness and health and skydiving i've always thought stretching and we'll actually talk a lot about stretching because we, we have a good story about that one mm-hmm. uh baby yeah, gap we do um Fitness and, and health and nutrition and skydiving is super important. When I'm coaching people, they're not nourishing their body. They're not fueling their body or their mind. The caloric burn when you're learning is extensive. You've got to fuel yourself physically and, and mentally. And you've always been a good, healthy guy. What, what's your fitness background? 
So uh, I actually graduated with an undergrad in, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> in uh, physiology and human performance from University of Houston. Uh, currently, I am actually in my master's program. Really slow, though, obviously, being in the military. Can't take too many classes at once. So <clears throat> in a master's program for, for the same rough uh, reason, you know, uh, human performance, injury prevention uh, course of instruction. And, uh, yeah, I was a fitness trainer for about four or five years there before I joined the military. So a little bit of a background uh, in, in training people and, and working with uh, clients from all age ranges and uh, walks of life in, in both uh, fitness and nutrition. So. So you studied it in, in school? I did, yeah. I was a formal schooling uh, with the uh, the program there in University of Houston. So where, where did your initial interest, like uh, as a younger person yeah. before school, like do you remember the first time you thought about fitness or the first time yeah, uh, so, that, that appeared in your, in your mind? You know, it's funny. Like uh, I think when I was in junior high, I can remember this very, very specifically. Uh, going into high school, you know, obviously you, didn't, you wanted to, you know, main thing was to avoid... Uh, the seniors and uh, and and get <laughs> girls, you know. It's like, oh, you got to work out, you know, for both of those reasons. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I started working out, and then uh, obviously I played sports throughout high school, and uh, yeah, I j- it just got into. Uh, I just really wanted to take care of myself. Um, I really enjoyed it, and I really enjoyed working out. And uh, I wasn't super like good at sports. Uh, I played through high school, but you know, wasn't gonna go anywhere after that. But like, I was pretty good about working out, and you know, that just really took dedication. So I could. That's something I could get into. So has there been a time in your life where you haven't uh, really engaged in fitness or exercise? I I wouldn't say so. I mean, it's 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 part of my daily daily life now. Yeah, it's just it's second nature almost at this point. That's actually for for me one of the hard parts. I had a shoulder injury a few years ago. Uh, went through serious physical therapy and rehab. I spent six days a week in the gym during that process. I actually was in the best fitness I've ever been in my life during that process. Uh, I actually got to the point where I could actually see more than an ab. I could actually Ooh. see a little bit coming in. Like There was no definition. I'm like, oh my gosh, I actually have a muscle somewhere besides my jaw. Hell yeah. <laughs> and then do, I Do you remember stay. when you were a little boy and like you first started like seeing the signs of becoming a man? Maybe you're getting some armpit hair. Maybe, you know. I'm Asian. We don't grow hair. No, not at all? No, oh, just man. on my face. <laughs> All right, never mind. That that uh, that ruins my question. What's your question? Oh, I just remember like the first when <laughs> I found out as a kid, like a thirteen-year-old boy, that I had armpit hair. Like I was becoming a man, and I was super psyched about it. Yeah. And I was just gonna ask you if you had a similar experience of seeing like definition in your stomach, like seeing some abs. Like, like I've made it. You I'm, know, like I'm, I'm there. Yeah, I'm there. I'm a man. That's it, dude. It, it actually jokingly uh, joking aside, I did. I I saw. I looked at the mirror. I'm like, dude. Like, my abs are lower than my pecs, which is something that's not been common in my life. I was in eighth grade, and between eighth and ninth grade, I'd moved from Japan to Hawaii. And I moved to Hawaii, and it's the summer, and I meet this kid, and, and you know the military. In military families, the guy my dad replaces is his sponsor. And commonly, they're the same rank, they're commonly similar age, and they commonly have similar backgrounds, in other words, family and kids. And myself and his son are the same age. And we both ended, we're both skaters. We both into skating. Dad's like, hey, man, come hang out. We're living in a hotel in Waikiki at this point. Dude, life really sucks for me. Mm-hmm. He's like, yo, come hang out with this kid. He's a skater. Skate with him. I told him you don't have your skateboard. It's still shipping from Japan. He's got one for you to borrow. I'm like, hell yeah, man. I'm in. So I go skate with these kids. We're skating a little quarter pipe. We're having a blast. Hey, bro, we got a homie who's got a half pipe. You want to go check it out? 
I've never seen a half pipe, dude. I want to go check this out. Let, let's go skate. I'm in. We skate. There's probably six, seven of us. We get to the top of this hill and everybody stops. And my buddy looks at me. He's like, yo, man, just so you know, this is the biggest hill around here. And most of us are going to lay down on our boards because this is a really steep hill. I recommend you lay down and you just kind of have a seat and you ride down it. A couple guys are going to stand up. Why don't we let some guys go first so you can see where the lines are at? I'm like, yo, dude, I'll watch. I'll watch. Four or five guys go. They all stand up. It's the last uh, two or three of us. Two guys go ahead of me, or they lay down. Two guys go ahead of me, and they stand up. I'm like, I'm the new kid. I ain't no wuss. I'm a man. I'm going to stand up, bro. I ate shit. <laughs> Dude, I went for a tumble. I'm going down the hill. I come around the corner. I hit a rock. I go tumbling right into the curb. I break both my legs and my left arm all in one accident, dude. I'm now in a wheelchair. I put on 200. I, I put on a lot of weight. So at the end, at the beginning of ninth grade, I'm over 200 pounds. I have not been below 175 since, and I spent my entire high school up till 10th grade close to 200 pounds, just because it worked for me. It, it was good. I enjoyed it. I didn't mind it. I lived in Hawaii, so at 200 pounds, I was skinny, bro. <laughs> like I yeah. was shredded, right? Um. So when I saw my abs, Nick, for the first time, you say it like, dude, go ahead. Wash your clothes, sweetheart. You, <laughs> w- w- wash the laundry right here. You let mama enjoy it a little bit too, huh? Ah, uh, dude, she made fun of me. She says there's not <laughs> enough to love on. <laughs> Val actually enjoyed it. And, and now I want to get healthy again, but you said it. For you, it's natural. It's a lifestyle. So many of us in the world cannot commit to that lifestyle. How, how, does this, how do you do it? Uh, well... <clears throat> I actually feel bad if I don't work out and I, if I don't eat healthy. Um, and, and of course, in my line wait, of work. Wait a minute. Wait, you mean you feel bad? Like emotionally, physically? Me- I, I, I feel guilty, you know, like um, and I, I don't know how where that comes from. But, uh, you know, if I don't if I go X amount of days, a couple of days without working out or if I eat a, a bad meal or whatever, like I don't beat myself up over it. Um, I'm not that bad, but you know, yeah, I'll, I'll start feeling, I'll start feeling pretty bad, you know, and yeah. then physically, I also will feel bad as long uh, as well as mentally, um, for obvious reasons. If you're not used to, you know, eating uh, a bunch of sugars and stuff, and you start ingesting all that at once, like obviously your body's gonna react to it, and it's gonna, it's gonna tell you, hey, I don't, I don't really like this. Um, this is not, this is not right. So, yeah, I, I, uh, <clears throat> I just feel like that's just something that's always been uh, part of my life. It's, it's not. Uh, it's just not natural for me not to do that now. And that's that's where I would hope most people can get. And it, it takes it takes years. It doesn't happen okay. overnight. I mean, just like with anything in, in diet and nutrition or health and, uh, and and working out, nothing happens fast. And that's what I try to explain to people. That's what I try to explain to my clients. Like, hey, like I have you now. You've paid for X amount of months. But like really, this is going to take years or more because how long did it take you to get to where you were at before you started to try to reverse the process? I mean, years, right? You can't reverse candy bars. You, you can't reverse that in a matter of months. Your years of damage to the body. It doesn't happen over over a matter of months. It just doesn't. It logically, if you just think about it that way, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I'm still struggling to get where I yeah. want. I don't know. Struggling is the right word. Uh, I'm still working on getting where I want. And for me, I, I don't know what smart workout plans necessarily are. I don't necessarily know what smart nutrition plans are. I have sounding boards like Mr. P that help me. And, and tonight, you're one of my sounding boards. And one thing that I figured out that's worked for me is big commitment equals big failure. I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to work out. And I make this massive change. And when I quit, I quit it all at once. So this time around, I tried something different. I'm going to change one thing 
and one thing only. I'm going to get used to that commitment, and then I'm going to change the next thing. I mean, you look like you have something to say about yeah, that. Yeah, I want to no, hear it. So, and that's it's really funny you say that because that's exactly how I used to tell my uh, my clients or people that would ask for my advice. I'm say, actually hey, doing the right thing for once. I said, "Hey, man, look, let's just do this for the next two weeks. I just want you to I want you to get up and I want you to eat breakfast. Like, because hey, you, you know most people don't actually do that. You'd be surprised how many people just get breakfast, and that's one of the worst things, by the way, that you can do uh, for your for your nutrition. Why? Um, well, <clears throat> one based off of so many studies that show that, hey, the, the people that wake up and actually eat breakfast are the ones who are going to actually end up keeping a healthier weight. Um, they tend to be a little bit more linear, or, and that's the group that actually ends up losing more weight in these, in these um, controlled studies. So um, two, <clears throat> you need to ramp your metabolism up. You know, you've been sleeping for however many hours. Um, your metabolism is basically shut down to nothing. Um, you need to get that thing going again and jump started throughout the day. Um, what happens, and not just with breakfast, but with all your meals throughout the day, if you go and you don't eat, your body starts shutting down. It won't start burning these calories because it goes into energy-saving mode. Like, your body says, hey, you're only going to give me this amount of calories a day. Okay. Well, when you do give it to me, I'm not going to burn it, and I'm going to keep it. I will spy. Right. And then probably what it's going to be stored as is fat. Because really, at rest, and, and you know, aside from high-intensity activity, um, your body burns m mainly fat. And when you're sleeping, we're burning mainly fat. When we're walking around, we're burning mainly fat. And people don't realize this. So what your body tends to store first is fat because that's the nutrient it's going to go to at your most uh, restful state of being, which is typically most of the day when you're just kind of walking around doing normal daily activities and also sleeping, which is a big part of your day. I've always understood that we store fat so easily. Right. I always understood that we store fat because our bodies think, well, you're not going to give me enough. I need to store this fat to save it. But I didn't realize it's because it's what the body burns. It, it is at mainly at, at lower intensity activities, you know, minus your hour long workout, which is, you know, maybe what you what you do during the day. And minus that time in a, in a few hours afterwards, it's it's mainly utilizing fat stores for for energy. So. Now, where do you count sex on this, like, low activity that's, level? That's, I mean, depending, so, like, maybe for me and you, you know, that's a, that's a quick sprint, you know, but maybe for, <laughs> maybe for somebody else, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it could be a little bit longer uh, uh, run, you know, but. Yo, um, dude, for yeah. me, it's a marathon. Yeah, it's a marathon. Okay, it's a marathon. yeah, sure. Got it, it takes that long to get started. <laughs> Got it, okay. <laughs> that's it, man. Yeah, so, anyways, back to it, I, I tell him, hey, man, just eat breakfast, okay? Okay, cool, you went two weeks with, with, uh, with just eating breakfast, okay. Now let's let's focus on um, let's focus on bringing your lunch to work. I want to go back to breakfast. I'm sorry. Okay, come back. Let's I go back to breakfast. Let's take it back. Breakfast. If you don't eat breakfast, screw yourself, dude. Breakfast. I love waking up. And I'm the same food, way, man. Dude. Now here's my problem. I wake up and I want frosted, shredded wheat, like uh, sugary yeah. stuff. I don't need it anymore. Yeah. I, you know, I've come to realize, and oddly enough, many frosted shredded wheat is one of your lower sugar normal cereals, mm -hmm. but its carbs are retardedly high is what I found out. So I actually started managing what cereals I eat. But now, I mean, you saw my breakfast the other morning. I have a little cupcake of egg, bacon, veggies all cooked in. And Nick actually has convinced me for some ideas. I've been doing a, a lot of, of smart kind of keto style breakfasts. What's a good breakfast? People who are listening, what should they be looking for? So this is what I usually tell people. If you're an athlete and I'm a professional athlete. Right. And, and, and in some <laughs> sense, most skydivers are. And I would say, and I would argue, yes, 
But if you're an athlete who's expending a lot of energy, uh, when I say like that, when I say expending a lot of energy, I mean like high intensity weight training, stuff like that, where you need additional nutrients more than just fat and protein to uh, shuttle into your your muscles and your your tissues. Um, I would say yes, okay, good, absolutely eat some, replenish uh, your depleted carbohydrate stores um, with some well, some form of carbohydrates. However, if it's like something like you, okay, I'm a pretty average guy, I just, I just want to lose some weight, I want to get back down to a healthy weight, and I want to feel better about myself, and I want to kind of lean out maybe a little bit more. Um, yeah, just focus on protein and fat. Um, and, I, and I can think that's kind of along the same lines as what you guys are doing, the ketogenic, you start seeing a little bit in the paleo diet, that's what they do. Um, and for me, that's what I did for the longest time. I just focus on protein and fat. My, my breakfast every morning, and I still do this unless I'm really hungry when I wake up from a, a really intense late night training session, I eat chicken, sausage, and eggs, protein and fat. That's all I eat. I might throw a, a bagel in there if I know I'm going to do a hard uh, ruck or swim or something for, for that training iteration that morning. Mm-hmm. But yeah, protein and fats is my staple, and I still do that today. So one of my big breakfasts for the last year is something I've tried to change recently is I would fry an egg, throw some bacon on top of it, put it on a sourdough English muffin. Okay. Not terrible. Um, so you got to be careful with bacon. I love bacon and I, and I don't think, I think saturated fat has gotten a bad rap over the years. It actually can be beneficial to you, especially when you, when you start thinking about building muscle. Um, but if that's what you're eating every morning, you want to really start thinking about getting a leaner source of meat, especially if you're trying to uh, lean up and lose some weight. What about turkey bacon? So Turkey bacon um, is not bad. It, it just depends on your, your train of thought. So He's with that comes my diet, Nick. So with that comes a, a, <laughs> a high increase in sodium. So then you start, okay. so you start worrying about that. Um, and and I hate sweating the details because, like you said, like I don't want to overwhelm somebody. It's like, oh man, I you know I got too much sodium here. I got too much fat here. Like, what do I really eat? And it starts like freaking people out. So, but tonight I want for so for one second I want you to understand tonight I want you to sweat the details a little bit. Okay. Because for me, I'm if you don't realize this, I've been talking with Nick a lot lately. I'm very interested in this conversation. Nick, I think was very excited with this opportunity. But we got a guy named Cody Edgeworth who's watching. You know Cody. Oh, Cody. Cody. The turbulators. Uh, yes, ex- responded yes. <laughs> He'll Cody's laugh about been that only jumping him. <laughs> his ass off. He's killing it. He's crushing it. Um, and I think he's super excited to see this conversation because I'm sure you know he's into health and fitness. Yeah, absolutely. A buddy of ours named Jimmy Wynn, who first of all said, Nick Lott, a man whore, please go on. Take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jimmy has been very recently working on the keto diet and getting into a lot of fitness and health. And there are a lot of people. I think some of our folks listening to this podcast will only want the surface of what we're talking about. And they're going to ignore some of these details. But I okay. think there are people listening to this, and I'm one of them, who sweat the details tonight. Let, okay. let, I want to hear it. Well, I'll try to give you some answers because I'm, I'm one of those guys that hates like when I ask a question. Something like, well, it depends. And it does a lot in nutritional sciences. But I'll, 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 give you a, I'll try to give you guys a pretty solid answer. Just realize, like, hey, it's kind of different for each person, each person's goal. But I'll give you, I, I like to give guys, like, hey, this is what generally will work. And if you do this, you're, you're, you're probably going to be okay. So protein and fats, man, for breakfast, that's, that's a good way to go about eating breakfast. I mean, if you wake up one morning and you're just starving, you're like, okay, maybe I should probably throw in some good complex carbohydrates, maybe a whole grain bagel with some peanut butter. Again, getting the fats and protein, but also you're getting a little bit more satiety from that Sorry, Some sa- more what? Satiety is a uh, real big more, word for just feeling full. Yeah, yeah you just okay. the feeling of fullness. So you're getting a little bit more feeling of fullness from from that bagel than you would just uh, eating like three eggs, maybe. Okay. 
peanut butter is something I recently found out is something that if I smartly choose peanut butter, I can actually eat reasonable. Mm-hmm. And Val and I have found a peanut butter, I can't tell you the name brand, that's just salt and peanuts. It, it, it's, right, and that's, that's, that's good. It's good to go. However, have you, <laughs> you, you really find out how out of touch with reality you are when you actually see a real serving size of peanut butter. So I don't know if you've discovered that yet, but it's it's actually really sad when you it's small. when you look at it. Yeah, so you can you can overdo it just like anything else. So you don't want to eat like a quarter of a jar at a time. But yeah, peanut butter is great, especially the more natural kinds like that. So w- meats, I-, I love eggs. The eggs is good. I need to start trimming down my bacon content a little bit because I think so. Yeah, you if, if your goal life. is if your goal is fat loss, yes, absolutely. And I'm not saying you have to do it all at once. Hey, man, maybe I'm just gonna eat bacon every other day. And then maybe I'm just going to eat it on the weekends. Maybe I'm just going to eat it once a week. So what do I put in instead? Sausage is what you're saying? So I like, I really like chicken sausage, all right? Like, um, chicken sausage. Chicken sausage, yeah. So you go to H-E-B now. Any, pretty much everybody's carrying it now. And uh, so there's a couple different brands. One is uh, Open Nature. Another is uh, Adele's, Adelaide's, something like that. Some with an A. But uh, Open Nature is a really good brand. H-E-B carries them. Kroger carries them. Um, and it's, it's literally just a, a sausage um, link, and it's, but it's chicken sausage, so it's leaner. I'm, I believe it's still in a pork casing, but that casing is not near as bad as eating a, you know, a strip of bacon. Costco's got some that doesn't have uh, the pork casing on it. They do. They're okay, so you know what I'm like talking about. Maple, you know the chicken sausage. Chicken most sausage ketogenic guys, super good, yeah. yeah, most ketogenic paleo guys know all about chicken sausage. That's a staple. So I do that. Um, even just a piece of a lean turkey that you cook with your eggs, you dice it up. Even lean, like 93, 95% ground beef in your eggs, like a little scramble in the morning, that's perfect. So I, I feel like that's, that's a good substitution, um, especially if you want kind of more red meat, like bacon, but you don't want necessarily all the saturated fat that comes with it. Sorry, I feel like I'm in school again. You're saying yeah, write it down, man. Really yeah. important things, and uh, the further I get along in this getting healthy again, the more important it becomes. So yeah, I'm, I am gonna be a little schoolgirl right now and write things down. And one of the things you said is you feel bad, and that's the one thing I noticed. We, we were in a coach course this week, and Monday night or Tuesday night, the first day of the coach course, a buddy of mine calls me up and is like, "Hey, bro, let's go get dinner." I'm like, "Yeah, let's go." And he suggested this little local Mexican joint down the road. And I'm like, you know what? I'll take a cheat night. I, I don't do them often. I don't even do them once a week. I try to just do them on an occasion. F it, man. Dude, I had four different things with a tortilla on it. How You saw me the next day. Yeah. I felt like poop, dude. So check it out. Here's the thing with Mexican food. All right. I love Mexican food. Obviously, I'm from Texas. I, I miss it very, very much right now. So what I do every time I go to Mexican food, and I, have the same, I get the same meal. Order fajitas. Don't get the tortillas. If you do get corn, obviously corn is 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 a little bit better for you than uh, the corn tortillas. A little bit better for you than flour. Yeah, um, I like corn a lot. Corn just take just take well. the tortillas. Get some guacamole. Because what do you got? You got meat and you got veggies. Yeah, they're probably cooked in some oil. You can maybe try to tell them, hey, I maybe don't cook it in in all the oil. But you're gonna get a little bit of grease and oil. Put the uh, guacamole in it. Make a little scramble. Eat it like that. I thought Protein about that. Protein and fats, and and you don't you walk away, you feel full. And you don't feel like crap, you know? Yeah. No matter where you go, like if, if you really are trying to put the effort and energy into sticking to whatever diet you're on, yeah. no matter where you go, you can find something. Oh, I mean, yes. Yeah. I, I was vegan for a really long time, so I got super used to being the shithead that made everyone go to a certain place. <laughs> like we, someone would say, hey, let's go here. And I'd be like, oh, well, I can't eat there. So we have to go to one of these three places, you know? So uh, I was always inconveniencing everyone else with my diet. So after not being vegan now for uh, maybe it's been six years, 
That warms I, my heart, by the way, that you're, you're no longer vegan. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm glad. Mine, mine too. <laughs> we, can, we can talk about that more later, but the, the point for me is I just don't want to be the person who inconveniences everybody else's meal because I think that I should have a special diet. So if I go out to a restaurant, I'm either going to be really good and be a pain in the ass for the uh, for the, the kitchen staff that's there and say, hey, I need X, Y, and Z for my meal or just be smart about what I order. Or that's just when I plan my cheat days. Like if I'm out of town or, uh, you know, it's just not, uh, there's a balance for me of sticking to my diet when it's when it's reasonable and uh, you know times when I'm in town and it's just an, uh, uh, an easier, more responsible thing to do. But sometimes I'm going to blow it out and eat a whole lot of garbage in a day. And mm. uh, I think that's a, a reasonable reward. But I mean, I, I've always had the opposite problem with, uh, with like diet and fitness. I've always been small. Like I've never been overweight. I don't know what that, uh, Fuck what you. trying to, get. <laughs> I don't know what trying to get the number on the scale to be smaller is like, like when, when I started working out, I was, uh, really skinny and I was super depressed. I was really sad. So I was a, almost a full 10 pounds smaller than what my normal weight was. So usually I was about like one, like one twenty five ish was normal for me. And then I was super depressed. And I was actually, the only reason that I knew my uh, weight is because I was having my wisdom teeth taken out. And they had me step on a scale while they're doing the, the physical. And she said, you're, uh, I don't remember if I was 114 or 117, but I just remember it being a shockingly low number. Like I was super skinny. And I think that was, uh, I was going through a breakup at the same point. And I used like being depressed from a breakup as motivation to exercise. You know, I just go to the gym until just wasn't sad anymore. You know, and uh, so it, for me, it's always been trying to put on weight, trying to put in more calories, trying to trying to find uh, extra food. And so uh, I guess I forget where my point was with that, but uh, I don't. Uh, I've never had to avoid anything to keep the the numbers down. You know. And I think for me, my uh, the desire now, like I was vegan for a long time, which shaped my diet. And then uh, I read a book that made me decide to stop being being vegan, and that shaped my diet in a pretty different way. And I think um, I, I've followed as much as what I've understood a healthy diet to be for most of my life, but that definitely changes. And now the the ketosis diet the ketogenic diet is the closest that's the closest thing that i that i stick to you know but even what you guys are saying about breakfast like there there are lots of days where i don't eat a first meal until like four or five o'clock in the day like i just don't i don't do breakfast and uh i think when i am in ketosis and when i'm monitoring my my blood ketones and i know that i'm there i don't know if it's just the mental and psychological boost of knowing that my body's in ketosis and that it's burning fat and that i'm not relying on you know taking in any sugar or anything like that but even even now like i I probably eat maybe a good 30 percent less volume of food than i used to and i weigh exactly the same and i would say uh, as far as how i look in the mirror i definitely look leaner and uh i feel better especially like cognitive function my brain feels better and that's just cutting out uh, a lot of carbohydrates uh grains uh all those sorts of things Cool. So, yeah. And, and I think, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get back to the, uh, the mental aspect of it. But so for somebody like you, obviously, yes, I want to spare as much muscle tissue as possible because I have trouble gaining weight and I want to, you know, get a little bit more on me, you know, cause, uh, you, you mentioned being at those dangerously low levels. So yeah, absolutely. Like you might, uh, you might definitely not want to be skipping breakfast, especially when it comes to protein sparing. And, uh, what I mean by that is, Hey, 
yes, your body will utilize fat if you force it to, but what it also will do is there's a tertiary way to get energy, and that's the breakdown of protein into glucose. And it's a huge, and it's a, it's a real uh, nerdy term called uh, gluconeogenesis. And basically, all that means is, hey, I'm going to, by certain processes in the body, I won't bore you guys with it, but hey, I'm going to take this, this protein, and I'm going to break it down um, and make it into glucose so my body can use it. Because really, glucose is the only energy that your body can use. It doesn't use fat. It doesn't use protein. It breaks those, those down into a glucose molecule, molecule, and that's what it's used for. So yeah, you definitely want to be careful about that. You definitely make sure you get that protein there because you want to spare your protein. Uh, you, you want as much of that for muscle growth. As, as possible. And, right, and I'm not like right now, I'm not actively trying to, to put on weight. Like right now I just, I just exercise and, and maintain and uh, it, it takes a lot. Like I have to really focus on uh, calories if I like, or just a huge volume of food if I want to put weight on my body. But uh, I, I guess I'm, so I'm speaking more towards uh, energy levels and just how my body feels in a normal day. Um, th- that's just something that works really well for me. And I, I think it would be hard for me to, like, it's not something that I even uh, started doing on purpose. It was just, uh, I changed my diet and I noticed that my body felt very different. And then I just started uh, listening to my body. I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't wake up and have breakfast because I thought I was supposed to have breakfast. I just woke up and wasn't hungry and didn't do breakfast. And then by the time I, uh, you know, felt hungry in the middle of the day, it's almost time to go home from work. And then I go home and I usually, usually I'll do one or two big dinners at the end of the day. Like, so maybe when I get home at five o'clock, I'm going to have a really big meal. And then uh, a couple hours goes by and maybe I'm going to have a, a, another big, big meal at like seven thirty, eight o'clock. But then again, I wake up and I feel totally, it seems like I sleep better and I'm uh, ready earlier in the morning. And I don't know if, uh, I don't know how much of that has to do with just different people and different metabolisms, different, uh, you know, like my body might respond totally different to carbohydrates than, than DJ's body. And uh, so I guess just uh, a lot of how I... I never learned nutrition to teach it to somebody else. Like I never had to learn that, uh, you know, uh, anything dietary to give someone advice about how to monitor their weight. So most of what I know, most of what works well for me is pretty anecdotal of I've had a lot of different types of exercise and followed a lot of different, uh, usually pretty strict diets and that uh, I've just stuck with with what works well. So do you, do you have any experience like with fasting or, uh, or anything like that? No, so I, I, I don't. I'm always hungry in the morning, by the way. Yeah. So um, <laughs> and I can't wait to eat breakfast. Yeah, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, the, the energy levels that you expend during the day. You know, and I, every, obviously every day I'm, I'm expending a lot of energy. I'm working out every single day. Um, one, because I have to for my job. And one, because I like it. Um, but so I'm always hungry. So I will, I will eat breakfast. And, and I think you should, whether you're hungry or not, it takes 15 minutes. You know, make a, make a, a throw a piece of fruit in a blender with some protein powder and, and drink that on the way to work. Um, you'd be surprised, even though you don't feel like it, it's necessary, you'll be surprised about just the overall health benefits that you're going to receive from just eating breakfast. That's the one thing I can't stress enough. Um, but yeah, so for I'm me, gonna, what, what does health benefits mean to you? Like, so when you, when you say health benefits, so what does that look like? Not necessarily things that you might, you may, uh, you may feel, but internally it's just, it's, it's a lot better, for you to eat breakfast. It's a, like I said, it's a lot better to ramp up that metabolism. It's a lot better to break the fast, which is, is essentially in the word, you know, you're Break breaking fast, your fasting yeah. state from sleeping. Um, <clears throat> and I think, yes, you feel great. And I think a lot of the reasons that you feel great is probably not because you're skipping breakfast necessary, but it's because you're actually eating foods, um, 
for one, that you're not getting an inflammatory response from carbohydrates. Like right. you said, a lot of people respond to them differently. So, and I think a lot of people that are on the keto diet, the paleo diet, say the same thing. You did, hey man, I sleep a lot better. I feel a lot better. Um, yeah, because the effects of carbs. If you're a true believer in paleo type eating uh, or the like, yeah, I mean they they do cause an, inflama an inflammation response in your body, which is what a lot of people believe is you know the cause of all that so so i, I want to take a quick time out because i'm very i like what i'm hearing but some of our friends listening to this the word paleo and the word ketogenic are words that are just things they hear from idiots who talk about it right so what is <laughs> the paleo diet what is a ketogenic diet yeah and i and i hate the word diet it's just it's honestly the paleo ketogenic really it's just the it's just the nutrition and what it is it's just basic sound proper nutrition hey lean meats fruits and vegetables i mean that you don't have you can call it what you want but that's that's just that's just smart nutrition okay um you can call it you know ke uh, ketogenic paleo atkins all these all these diets that are like hey um you know don't eat bad things don't eat sugars you know don't, or simple sugars you know don't drink sodas uh you know like you said God cut damn, out all I that want stuff. A coke yeah so i mean it's <laughs> just it's just really just sound principles and you can you can you know rebrand it by a thousand different names it doesn't matter but it, the principles remain the same so i don't want guys to get caught up in like oh i got to be on the paleo i got to be on ketogenic or whatever no hey yeah. you need lean meats fruits and vegetables and uh you know sh all that other stuff in moderation you drink plenty of water and and, and you know Things that we've never, uh, that aren't new, you know? I, um, I agree that the, the paleo diet, to me, is a pretty gimmicky thing. Uh, I think it's like a very largely branded thing. The it it can be, yes. I, I, w I would not argue and, that. And the, the only reason that I'm comfortable using the word a ketogenic diet is because you can actually measure your blood ketones and see when your body is in nutritional ketosis. That's the only thing that I... That's why I so, feel okay. like it's just a less, a less douchey word for me to use right, right, than right. it is actually a proper term. So I, I've studied this a little bit, but I won't say it as well as you guys do. Define the word ketones and ketosis. When my body's in ketosis. I, I, I measure my blood ketones. What does that mean for everybody listening? So when you're, when you're in ketosis, it's just a, when your body stores uh, glucose and, and your cells source uh, glycogen. So when you have burned through a sufficient amount of those glycogen stores, now your body starts uh, burning fat and producing these things called ketones, and then it burns the ketones for fuel. So if, you're, if in your blood you have a sufficient amount of ketones, I think the opinion varies about what that number is exactly, but I think it's uh, beyond 0.5 millimolars. Um, and I don't know if that's a percentage. I don't know what that. What's wow. a millimolar? It's when you when you take a. I, I don't know if it's just a system of measurement. Uh -huh. I don't know. I just know that I have a blood ketone meter that measures in millimolars okay. of, of ketones. So it's a unit of measurement. So, yeah, is all exactly. we need to know. So so uh, above above point five millimolars to uh, I think between point five and one point five, they're considering a, a healthy state of ketosis. Okay. Meaning that you're you're no longer burning sugar. You're out of sugar, and your body is. Uh, taking fat from stored fat or from uh, dietary fat and producing ketones, and then you're burning the ketones for fuel as opposed to burning the, the sugars. Okay. So I, I guess I can say in short, for people listening, paleo, uh, ketogenic diets like this, a, a lot of it, it's a focus on what you said, lean meat. Yeah, we're avoiding the bad carbs. Yeah. It, we're avoiding the, the simple sugars. A carbohydrate is essentially just a, a sugar. 
Um, Where do grains fall in this statement? Because, you know, I, we talk about Americans are fat. And, and let's look at, at the world culture. We are large as a world culture goes. And I really believe part of it is is our, our, our dependency and our diet on grains, corn being, uh, being a big part of it. Where do these wheat, grain, uh, rice, uh, flour, well, that's that's something above, but uh, uh, corn. Where does that fall in these diets? Yeah, so or a I'll, smart I'll make diet. it. I'll make it real simple. Um, if you're trying to lose weight, uh, bread and pastas and and the like, um, and I would I would even argue dairy uh, for myself. I know a lot of people will be like, oh, I can never give up dairy, but um, yeah, that's that's not going to help you lose weight. It, um, it's 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 just not, especially around your uh, your midsection um, for various reasons, and uh, so. Are they healthy? Are whole grains healthy? Absolutely. Do they have the vit- certain vitamins and minerals that you need? Absolutely. Um, are they healthy at certain times, say like after a workout, when uh, your body is more readily able to absorb those and use them for fuel or use them for recovery? Absolutely. But as a general rule of thumb, and this is what I used to tell my clients, like, hey, you need to be focusing on the types of carbs you get. It need to be uh, more, more so vegetables than, uh, than those. Or if you're going to eat complex carbohydrates such as whole grains, breads, pastas, rice, um, do them at the right time. One, like I said, after workout, and then also okay. try to choose smarter ones that are lower on the glycemic index. You can Google search glycemic index of foods and it'll bring up this, this huge list of every food and what its glycemic index is. Um, so like say sweet potatoes are a little bit lower in the glycemic index than regular potatoes. So you can make smarter choices than that. I'm not saying these things are bad. I'm not, I'm not carb shaming. I'm not against them at all. Um, <laughs> Is that a term, carb shaming? Yeah, I'm not against them at all. I think especially for athletes like myself, I eat carbs almost with every meal um, it, you know, outside of the vegetable room because I need them. Um, if, if I was trying to lose weight and I was trying to get real, real lean real quick, yeah, I'd probably avoid a lot of, uh, a lot of most of the carbs. So in, in, in real simplistic terms, that's kind of how I think. I, I live in a lifestyle, and I say lifestyle, I don't mean diet. I mean in lifestyle in general, everything in moderation. Moderation is a term that's relative to what that thing is. Mm-hmm. For example, water in moderation, because too much water can kill you, but you need tons of water. Right. Everything in moderation, you need a little bit of protein or a little, little bit of carbs, a bit of protein, a bit of fat. If I'm working out heavy, a lot of protein. The moderation is relevant to what it is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what to you're each, saying. To each person, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So kind of, and I told you these conversations will wander all over the place. Yeah, no worries, man. It's um, good. Breakfast. Breakfast is a huge meal, and, and we really need to get that. Let's change one thing at a time. So the first thing you want me to change is you want to change how I start breakfast. And, Mr. P, I'm going to ask you, every day I see you for the next two weeks, have you eaten breakfast today? <laughs> oh, and I'm going to tell you no. Okay. I mean, I have coffee in the morning. Like, I have coffee with, uh, I mean, my coffee, I guess, itself has a lot of calories. Bulletproof? Like a, yeah, if you want to use that word. Bullet, bulletproof coffee. Bulletproof which, coffee. I, so I do, I do uh, eight ounces of cold brew coffee. Used to be six ounces, but uh, my tolerance is going up, and I knock it up a little bit. So I take I take the coffee. I take about two tablespoons of uh, grass fed butter. I take about two tablespoons of coconut oil or MCT oil, and then I fill up whatever's whatever's left with water. So uh, and the the theory behind it is that the caffeine bonds with the uh, fat molecules, which takes a longer time to metabolize. So you're getting a more sustained buzz from the the caffeine and the and the coffee. And then uh, from a ketogenic standpoint, there's a whole lot of saturated fat in the coconut oil, grass-fed butter. Um, and sometimes I'll put, like, heavy cream or, or something in there as well. Yeah. 
but um, why so, cold coffee? Why cold press coffee? Uh, because I'm lazy and it's <laughs> it comes okay, pre-made. and it, uh, and it tastes better. Yeah, I think it has it's a little good. More a, a good cold brew coffee. I'm a I'm a huge fan. So I'm a huge fan of what you said too. Cold brew coffee. Fat, uh, fatty oils or f- uh, fatty butters in there, like absolutely, you get your I fats. I don't like cold brew coffee. I don't disrespect oh, no, that no you guys have then. bad taste. So, so if, if that counts as breakfast, then I'm a fucking liar because it's I close. have that every. It's every close. Morning. You need protein. You're missing out. I, you got to have protein with every meal. So um, I, I, ha- I get a lot. You should of protein. shoot for protein for like, every meal. I, I, I'll give you protein. Before, I'll be honest. <laughs> we, we we just had so every uh, every week that we do this. The first thing that happens is I and whoever the guest is shows up and DJ and his lovely wife make dinner for us. And it's almost always a tradition that before I come here, because I have some time to burn between the drop zone and showing up here, I always go to Chipotle and I get a salad at Chipotle and like go over a little, like today I went over some notes and came up with some questions. And But uh, I, I do, when I eat, I eat a lot and it's usually uh, not extremely protein dense, but there's not... I. It's really hard for me to. Like, I don't remember the last time I had a meal without meat or eggs in it. So I know that I, I get. Uh, it's you know my, my diet isn't focused on protein, but uh, almost every meal is, is pretty protein dense. Okay, then then that and then that's not wrong. Yeah, absolutely. You should have. I always tell people a good rule of thumb is hey, you need to have protein with every meal. And it doesn't have to be an absorbent amount. Um, you want to. We can get into this this later too. But you know the general rule of thumb is, hey, I want like 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. Mm. So if you average that out for each person, that's roughly 20 grams of protein per meal, which is not hard. That's one chicken breast, you know, uh, really. One chicken titty. Uh, and, 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 uh, like an actual four-ounce chicken breast. Not a <laughs> Did you say a chicken yeah. titty? Chicken titty. Chicken right, titty, like yeah. It. So, you know, um, you're probably getting it. Maybe you're just skipping it at certain meals and making it up for it at other meals, which is still fine. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to sweat the details. Oh, you have to have, because you're, you know, some people believe, hey, my liver can only metabolize X amount per two hours or whatever. But, you know, I, I call BS on that. I think as long as, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter when, so this is, this is what I always use. It doesn't matter when you fill up the tank with gas or it doesn't matter if I go five times a day and fill it up, you know, a fifth at a time or if I just go at once uh, a day and then fill it up all the way, you know. Um, as long as you're getting that, da- that daily allotted uh, protein that you need, it, that's fine. If that's what works for you, man, then that's, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to change it too much, but, um, I would definitely try to eat breakfast most people, and not just most coffee. People should I'm be sticking with that coffee. That's yeah. It. I wouldn't I just, got. and that's an appetite suppressant too. So maybe, so, but you guys put a, a thought process together for me because one of the things I asked about for breakfast is my form of fat where I want to get my fat from. I have a limited source because I want bacon, and you made me mad. <laughs> well, you're an American, and that's your right, you know? Dude, so, but what I just, and tell me if I've, if I've put some thoughts together wrong, um, but what I put together in this conversation is I can go out, I can eat my egg breakfast, I can have my protein, I can put a little bit of something in there, and to get my fat, I can use Bulletproof Coffee, if that's, what again, what you want to title it, the coffee that, that Mr. P over here described. Uh, again, in a hot form, is the same thing. It's just the type of coffee you prefer. Oh, and I, I, I warm my up f- my cold brewed coffee when I when I make that whole concoction. And but I can get my fats that way for my breakfast. Right. Well, think about um, what you're eating. So you are getting fat through your eggs, a, a good amount of it. Fair statement. Yeah. You're also think should be getting fat through. Hey, I cook with coconut oil. I I do 100 percent uh, unrefined coconut oil as my uh, as my oil in the pan. And there you go. There's there's my there's my other source of fat. Hey, I have the Pam coconut oil. I do have regular good uh, right, coconut right. oil, 
And it really makes me think and wonder if I would be better just to use that. Why not? It's not that much harder to scrape a little off the top and throw it in there. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. And I use it in a, you know, I, I don't know too much about the difference in the sprays versus the actual oils. Um, I would say probably the oils are a little bit more natural and, and can, I would you know, agree. Um, so, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to sweat the details. If you want to use the spray, cool, use the spray. Right. But yeah, think about it. Eggs, real high in, uh, in, in fats as well. Um, more, probably more so than actual protein um, if you're eating the whole thing. And then uh, whatever oil you put in there, that's oils are a huge source of fat, and it's easy source of fat because you're going to cook with it anyways. And I and I don't know how many times I've heard Mr. P yell coconut oil at me, not yell, yeah. but coconut oil. And, and I'm a firm believer. So there's two things that you brought up in this breakfast conversation. And Cody Edgeworth actually asked a question, which is which really envelops my other question. So I'll ask Cody's question, but then I'll, I'll frame it with where you came from. Cody says, what's your thought with a bunch of orange or slash apple juice for breakfast? And for me, I love juice, but I have really cut juices out of my diet because there's a lot of sugar and a lot of juices. And earlier you mentioned, hey, man, if nothing else, throw juice and some protein mixed together, mix it up and have that for breakfast. I'm avoiding sugar. And, and I want to hear both your answers because with you and the ketogenic side, I think you have a little bit different viewpoint. And I like the fact that you guys have some disagreements because there's more than one way to live life and you guys can respect that. So so for both of you. I want to have a glass of orange juice for breakfast, a good healthy glass of orange juice, a good size. How does that fit in my diet? So I, I think you're right, too, and uh, you want to avoid a whole lot of, uh, of fruit juices. Uh, fructose is not necessarily bad, especially if you actually eat the fruit and you're getting it. Um, fruit Fructose is literally just fruit sugar. So okay. it's, it's sugar, and, it, and it's, it's, um, it's, it's two sugars. It's sugar and, 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 and fruit, so fructose is going to make up your, uh, your, sim your not simple sugar, um, but... I, I personally would avoid a lot of fruit juices because, like you said, they tend to be real high in sugar. Uh, you don't necessarily want to spike your insulin level like that uh, early in the morning. Maybe so more after a workout, you'd want that spike in insulin um, to help shuttle nutrients through your, your cells into your, uh, your muscle tissue. Um, but what I would do if you like fruit juice and you like fruits, hey, take some frozen fruit maybe um, or add that fruit juice into a blender with some uh, vanilla whey protein, whatever brand you prefer, and get it that way. Um, just drinking the straight fruit juice is not going to do much for you because all you're going to get is simple sugar. You're leaving out the fat and you're leaving out the protein. Um, but hey, if Cody really likes to drink orange juice, that's how he likes to start his morning. Cool. All right. So hey, this is what I would suggest if I was talking to Cody. Like, hey man, let's add some orange or whatever other fruit you like into a, a protein shake with a one little scoop of whey protein and let's get it that way instead of just drinking all that sugar. Um, even though it's fruit sugar, it's still, it still has the same effect on your body when it starts spiking your insulin levels up at the wrong times. Okay. So that makes a little bit more sense to me because if I go to IHOP or Denny's, I get pissed off because they serve me a child-sized cup of orange juice. <laughs> But they're serving those small cups of orange juice because there's a lot of sugar. And if you're smart, and that might not be their reason, but in my intake, I can say, well, that small size is because that's a smart serving for me. Right. A small cup of orange juice in the morning might not be bad, but having a big cup, limiting yeah. the amount of juice in the morning. Yeah, I would, I would definitely watch your serving sizes on fruit juices in, in general. Any sort of juices like that, I would really watch your serving size. And a lot of them depends on your source. I mean, you can go to Whole Foods and get a bunch of like 100% fruit juice and orange juice. I think 
100% orange juice is really good because it's essentially the same thing as eating an orange. Okay, because that's where my fruit juice, just uh, sorry for a little clarification. For me, I get fresh squeezed orange juice from a store that is just purely fresh squeezed orange juice. Right, and you, yeah. So else. you want to read the back. You want to make sure it's not concentrate. No, okay. it's like we watch yeah. them press it. So then that then that's obviously the better option. And that's what I would suggest to people. Hey, if you want a lot of juices like that, make sure it's, um, it's, it's 100%. And also... So Cody, he's a little bit uh, bigger guy. He's a little bit leaner. Um, he probably has a little bit different goals. He probably wants to keep keep his muscle tone. So yeah, he could probably get away with that. Somebody, if I have an overweight client, I'm like, hey, you need to cut out all, almost all sugar, um, all added sugar. I mean, you're going to get some, and your body's going to need some, obviously. But um, like something like that, you can cut that out easily. Um, so I think so your goals. I think coming to you, Mr. P, you have a little bit different viewpoint when it comes to the fruits and the sugars. Well, I. I guess I would wonder what, why are you drinking the juice? Like, is it just it a, is good. It, it's just a taste thing? I dude, I, I I love sweets. Back to I am a fat boy. I want Rocky Road ice cream every day. <laughs> at, at you don't laugh. So if if you were just telling me that you wanted to drink the juice because you wanted something sweet, I would say go without the juice. the 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 thing about there there's a lot of sugar in fruit. Yeah. And the, the reason, I mean, not the reason, but uh, fruit has a lot of fiber in it, and fiber moves things through your body a lot more quickly because your body doesn't do a great job. So of, does coffee. <laughs> so does coffee. <laughs> but your body doesn't do a great job of breaking down the fiber, so that's why taking fiber helps you to have a bowel movement is because your, your body's passing the fiber through you. So by okay. eating something that has a lot of sugar and a lot of fiber in it, now you're getting a lot less of that sugar because your body's passing it, passing it through instead of a, a juice that you're going to soak it up. I think juicing... Like I went through a big juicing phase where I would do a juice fast for you know five days to a week at a time. I would only have juice. And uh, do you know anything about the Gerson diet, the Gerson therapy? No, I, I do not. So no. uh, the Gerson therapy uh, came around in the 1930s. This guy, Doctor Max Gerson, is a they they gave this dude uh, I think he was 500 uncurable tuberculosis patients. This is the 1930s. So these were people who had been sent home to die. And they, they, they were sure that medicine couldn't do anything for these people. And this guy, Max Gerson, came up with this diet that's centered around uh, raw foods, juicing, and a handful of other things. But the, his theory was by juicing fruits and vegetables, you're uh, eliminating the fiber and taking in um, a huge amount of uh, micronutrients through, through this, this natural plant food. And that's what you're getting through the, through the juicing. Um, is you're eliminating the fiber, letting your body absorb, like, I think on the Gerson diet, you're juicing something like 20 pounds of fruits and vegetables every day. And um, the only foods that you're eating are raw fruits and vegetables. And there's uh, smaller meals because you're limiting the fiber so that your body can, uh, I'm paraphrasing a really long book right now, but uh, I think that juicing has its place. 20 pounds of fruits and vegetables. Yeah, that's, I'm that's sorry, a lot. that's fucking it's crazy. Mind. It's crazy. And when I, when I'm, the, the times that I've spent juicing like that, like I'll make, uh, a dozen or more eight ounce mason jars of juice, and that's all I get all day. And it's a ton of work. It's a huge, huge pain. Are you doing all right? I'm doing good. I'm just looking. Okay, sorry. DJ spying over my shoulder. I'm worried. But um, so I think that juice kind of has this maybe not so necessary place in the uh, health food cosmos that maybe uh, 
even though fruits and vegetables do have a lot of nutrients, I think that you can really overdo it by just taking fruit juice. And especially if you're, if you're having uh, concentrated orange juice, something that's super processed that doesn't, that's been sitting on a shelf for a month that has no natural plant life left that has all those tiny little nutrients that you're trying to get to through juicing. Uh, I, I just don't know that that juice has any large place in a, in a healthy diet. So, for me, here's here though. So again, I want both your opinions on this. Here's what it's got too much sugar. Don't do it. And, and I, I, I would <laughs> almost, I, w- I would definitely agree with with him on that. Um, we have glasses. We we have cups in the kitchen. They're as tall as a rock glass. People who are watching this on video can see the glass. People at home, just picture a rock glass that you drink scotch or whiskey in. They're this tall, and they're much smaller in circumference. Mm-hmm. Um, that size glass of orange juice in the morning, fresh squeezed orange juice, not concentrate, not sugars added, just straight orange juice. I have a glass of that every morning. Avoid that idea is what I'm hearing. Um, there, I think that there's a... I, I give myself 25 grams of sugar in a day, and that includes whatever sugar comes from whatever fruit that I eat. So like normal fruit in my diet, I'll have a piece of fruit a couple of times a week. And I mean, just thinking, uh, evolutionarily speaking, uh, there, there are seasons in the year where certain foods are available and where certain, certain foods are not. And like, I love peaches. Like I could eat a whole bucket of peaches every day and feel super good about it. Millions of peaches. Yeah, exactly. That could be, that could be my life. But, um, (laughs) I, I notice when I have a lot of fruit in my diet that I really have a lot more intense sugar cravings and it like, I'll, I'll notice it spike throughout the day that I'm getting kind of grumpy and I can go to the fridge and open, there's this orange peach mango juice from Whole Foods that I love and I can open that and take a little pull off of that juice and I'm good for a while. Like that's my that's my little sugar hit that keeps me that's my little bump that keeps me going and I and I fully notice uh, a difference when when I have that in my diet about the cravings that I get, but uh, your body might be a little more tolerant to it. Uh, I don't know. Every, everybody's a little different that way. But if I'm looking at I'm only going to spend 25 grams of uh, of sugar into my into my body every day. I'm not trying to get 20 grams of that from my first bit of orange juice in the morning. And you're. Similar answer there? Yeah. So, I mean, without beating this up it, really anymore, yeah, if if you, for you, yeah. that's not necessarily a bad thing. If that's, it's, you know, however many grams of sugar that small glass has, it's probably not much. And if that's really all you're doing, then, yeah, I think you're going to be okay. I you, He was a little bit more strict when he said he gave himself 25 grams of sugar. I used to give my clients, hey... I gave him a, a number, hey, 40 grams of sugar or less a day, you're probably doing pretty good. And, um, and you can bust that with like one Coke or one dude, tall 30, glass of sugar. A thing. Coke is 39 grams of sugar. Right, exactly. And uh, I, I did a lot of research and reading on sugar, 37 grams of sugar, depending on your weight. But the mm-hmm. average adult male should uh, consume about a maximum. Right. Not you need to consume, but a maximum right. of 37 grams of sugar. And that's where the, yeah, it's 40, yeah, yeah. it's Roughly the same. And I'm not monitoring monitoring my sugar nearly as well as I probably could right. in other things. For example, my fix, my hit, there's almost always a container of blackberries in my fridge. Mm-hmm. And I can walk by my fridge and have one or two blackberries about three times a day. And that's that's a great fix for me. And for me, that's that's yeah, and that, that probably treat. still keeps you under you know where you need oh, to be. And so I another thing with sugar you, I think I'm pushing twenty grams a day is what I'm pushing right now. Yeah. So another thing with sugar and you, and especially somebody like Cody, who's who's a younger guy, probably wants to maintain some some leanness in the midsection. Like excess sugar, really, like it, it gets stored around the midsection. 
that's that's where it goes. I mean, for and the most part, you know, that's and I that's probably it. where most guys are trying to lose the last little bit. I mean, because you're not you're not a fat, overweight guy by any means. If you want to lose some weight, it's probably going to come from selective areas, say the midsection. It's usually like that for most people, especially yeah. males. Um, so really eliminating that sugar, and I would even argue again dairy, which is, you know, um, another another cause of uh, the midsection. Uh, not being as lean as you would typically want, so we'll get it. That's a whole other conversation. Ice cream, but yeah. dairy, and sugar all at yeah, once. You exactly, just destroy exactly. my life. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, I think we're all in agreement. It's like it's just uh, an absorbent amount of it, not so good. And in moderation, it's it's probably okay as long as you're you're getting it from the the actual source of the fruit itself or 100 percent uh, squeezed juice. So I'm kind of stuck with Cody right now. Cody is is definitely I, I think enjoying that conversation. And Cody, thank you so much for joining us and and taking part of it. What are your thoughts with a small cup of oatmeal before your morning workout and then actually having the breakfast style that we've discussed? Yeah, so I think I think that's actually probably the best idea. Um, small cu- cup of oatmeal, obviously, to provide him with the carbohydrates, the, the, the slower digesting carbohydrates he's probably going to need through the workout. Uh, I would also, um, I'm a huge fan of putting, again, I'll, I'll keep saying this, whey protein powder in that oatmeal after you after you put the uh, put in the microwave or whatever, put the hot water in it, get vanilla. Um, usually vanilla whey protein goes really well with any flavor of oatmeal. You can't really taste it. It gives it a little bit more thickness, and it'll keep you fuller, and it'll also give you your, your needed grams of protein in the morning. It's super easy. Just chunk that uh, scoop in there. And then after he gets done working out, hey, I really want to um, – utilize insulin after I work out. And that's, like I said, I keep saying this, but another topic of conversation, insulin is actually your best friend after a workout because for the main reason, insulin's main job, it's a hormone, right? It shuttles I all did your- that once. It, yeah, it, shuttles, it shuttles all these <laughs> nutrients through the bloodstream and, it, and that's what it Sorry. takes all the nutrients to the cells. So what better time than after workout to actually utilize insulin to take stuff to cells and nutrients to cells? namely muscle cells. So you want that spike in insulin after you'll see a lot of bodybuilders and I know we're not bodybuilders, but you'll see them. Hey, they eat a pack of Skittles or drink a thing of uh, a fruit juice after workout because they want that insulin response. They want that spike in insulin. So yeah, absolutely. After workout, those simple carbohydrates like fruit, that's when you want to get it. So I figured it out. I can have my glass of OJ in the morning. I just got to get off my lazy ass yeah, and work go out. go out there and go do some push-ups or some squats or something, man. And I, I agree with, with most of what you're saying, for sure. But I, I do think that there is a big difference between uh, your average person and what they should do uh, post-workout and someone like a bodybuilder, like a, like someone who's a serious athlete, lots of uh, you know, high-level right, physical right. exertion every day, and what's going what's gonna to work well for them. But yeah, absolutely. That's a good rule of thumb. If you're gonna if you're gonna cheat or have a cheat meal or have anything that might potentially not be uh, not fit in your diet, best time to do is after workout or after some sort of heavy um, exertion activity. Man, do you uh, do you place any value on organic food? Um, I don't buy into it as much, um, and I and this is because of things I've read and, and maybe a little bit more bi- uh, a biased mindset. I don't think you're wrong for eating organic. I don't think it's necessary for you to spend the amount of money to buy organic. Okay. But if you do it, it's not wrong. It's not going to hurt you. Will it possibly be better for you? Yes. Has the research shown that it's actually better for you? Uh, I don't think we're there yet. So I personally don't. I, I know where my, my you know what, uh, what meat I'm buying, where the farms are uh, you know, at, and I, I kind of research that a little bit and make sure they're you know, raising their... Um, their meat or whatever I'm getting, their chickens for the eggs, uh, it, you know, in a, in a proper manner. But yeah, I mean, organic, I think it's, it's kind of along the same lines as, uh, 
like kind of the the diet craze, like the pay, like, oh, you have to eat organic, 100% everything, you know, because of pesticides and what, yada, yada, yada. Our bodies, I think at this point, are so used to to what is sprayed on food, especially in America uh, and all that stuff that uh, I don't think it's as harmful as, as many people would like you to believe. And I think a lot of people, a lot of research has shown the same thing. But hey, man, if you if you like organic, and I do buy organic stuff sometimes because it is better. Um, it's not, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm a bit of a hippie when it comes yeah. to, to not an issue. And and You're not wrong. I mean, <laughs> I think that, uh, have you seen that there's a documentary called the vanishing of the bees? Have you, have you heard of it? No, no, so no. It talks about, uh, the, where can I watch this video? Oh, it was on, uh, it was on Netflix. Okay. Uh, I'm sure it's still around, but the vanishing of the bees talks about the, uh, pesticides, that are put into uh, into the actual seeds of plants that they're that they're farming. So it's like a, a chemical process of I don't know if they're coating the seed or if it's like a genetically I don't know I don't I don't know what all those words actually mean. But there's <laughs> uh, they're 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 making seeds with pesticides already in them. And it's uh, this the the theory the uh, idea behind the movie is they're saying that this is what's causing the death of uh, honeybees in America. Which uh, honeybees are responsible for pollinating all of the you know fruits and vegetables and uh, a lot of the plant life that we eat, and that they did they were using these same chemicals uh, all across Europe. I think uh, I think it was in the '90s, and that they ha- they were seeing the same issue, and then outlawed all of these chemicals and saw that the the, the bees came back. But um, I just worry if uh, you know the, if those chemicals are that strong to have. Uh, such a serious effect on a tiny little bee, how, like how how much over an entire lifetime of, of eating food with those crazy chemicals all over it, and uh, you know the chemicals that are actually becoming part of the plant, what what that might do to me. And I, and I I agree with you that the research isn't there to really say conclusively either way, because I just don't think the research has been done. Mm-hmm. But uh, man, I'm just terrified of chemicals See, in the food. But part of the point you make with that vanishing of the bees, and part of the thing. Then it's just me and organic. Now I'm with you. I do agree with what you say. I don't believe organic has enough proof to be a true advantage, um, but it doesn't hurt to eat organic. It is healthy. The thing that you say that that worries me is all those things that are going on that are non-organic. All these chemicals, all these modification processes, all these things. Not how they affect me as I as I ingest, as I digest, as, as I eat these things. How is it affecting the environment around me? How is it affecting these honeybees? How are these honeybees now in return affecting pollination of my plants? How are the plants in return around me not growing? How in return are these animals not feeding? So for me, I wonder. I, I don't know because I'm clueless. I know how to skydive. I know how to cook tri-tip. And I know how to talk a lot. I don't understand much about those processes, but I do wonder how these chemicals affect my 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 ecosystem, the, my environment. The only thing that I really like about organic food is it's just more. Uh, you sound cool. <laughs> no, no, I fucking hate. I, I hate honestly, organic. Like, I I hate. I hate a lot of things about organic. Like the when I think about someone who's a proponent of organic food and the mentality of that person, I I hate that guy already. And then it's that not, guy, yeah, yeah. I, like I, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I know what you're talking. So exactly you know you're the saying. stigma yeah, around yeah, yeah. it that I that I don't really want to be associated with because I'm just not. I don't like being fanatical about anything really. But um, it's just, just like when when I think about where food came from, how food used to grow. Uh, it just seems a lot more in line with the food that the human body evolved on, right? So, you know, even even fifty, a uh, hundred years ago, 
Uh, our grandparents, they didn't have all of this stuff in their diet. And, you know, the, the human body is insanely adaptive. Like, we uh, get used to things really quickly. But I just don't know. Uh, in my mind, I want to connect the changes in our food and the increased uh, chemical concentration in what goes into our body. I want to connect that to disease and, uh, you know, things like cancer, things that have... Uh, kind of grown alongside those huge uh, kind of industrialized changes Makes that have happened, uh, you know, with, uh, with the development of, uh, of human life and with, with technology. Okay. It's like as, as technology, agricultural technology, as it uh, comes further ahead and they use more industrialized things, uh, I, I don't know if that's a direct correlation to disease or not, but in my brain that's that's how I want to think about it. So it's almost like I want that to be my my life insurance policy. Almost, you know, like yeah. Well, at least I didn't need all this garbage. You know, hopefully, hopefully I'm uh, I'm better for it. And I, and I think you're at the point now in your awareness of, of your diet and, and in your level of uh, of knowledge that yeah, you can worry about that kind of stuff and you can kind of dive into that. And I and I like to just tell people like, hey, like that's just. I keep saying it. That's just one of the, the small details that, yeah, eventually maybe you start kind of getting into that where you're at and in your in like I said in your level of uh, nutrition. Uh, but you got to also be careful because, like you said, there is a time, there's a season for everything, and still in this world, even in the organic world, we have everything available at all times. Yeah. No- if you look at the requirements um, for something to be USDA organic, it's not necessarily 100% natural. They still have to use some pesticides or some sort of chemicals right. to keep that going year round because naturally it wouldn't. If you were if you were 100% natural, like we wouldn't ha- we'd have probably half the stuff we have. Uh, I would actually say we'd lessen that on the you know as far as fruits and vegetables go on the shelf at all times. So. Um, it's not wrong. I think I think there is actually some research to show um, w- the uh, the effects of some pesticides or some of those chemicals on potential um, diseases in the body. So I think, man, you're like you're absolutely right. And like I think at your level, it's good to think about. Um, but I don't. I just I caution and overwhelming certain people about worrying about that y- right now. Right, and that, I mean that's I don't I don't drink. I don't go out. Like I just spend most of the money I make. I spend on food. And I want to think that the expensive food that I'm buying now is hopefully what's going to negate my investment, my, right? My, yeah, my health costs later yeah, on down and, the road. And I, I think that's I think that's a smart decision. And if that's if that's the reasoning, then absolutely, man, 100. percent I'm I'm for it. Um, but I do agree, it's like a douchey, gimmicky, like oh, I eat organic food. <laughs> like, I shop at Whole Foods. Like, spot that's on. I, spot I, on. I do this shit, and I hate that I say it. But like when you go to HEB, you just say, oh, last night I went to the grocery store. But an asshole like me, I'll be like, oh, last night I was at Whole Foods and this thing happened. Like anyone who shops at Whole Foods doesn't call it the grocery store. I shop or, at Kroger. I don't go to HEB. Yeah, but you're not saying that. I'm In better a conversation than that. Me, like, Yeah, I went to the grocery store last night. Yeah. And then I'm going to tell you, I'm be like, yeah, I was at Whole Foods last night. And God damn it, I hate hearing that shit come out of my <laughs> mouth. Dude. Good stuff. Something that, that's <laughs> it's, it's interesting, Hank, uh, Henry Pruitt, Hank, y'all know Hank. Uh, I like organic milk better and bananas. Now, actually, I do uh, drink organic milk over uh, normal milk. And one of the reasons I actually drink organic milk, Hank says he drinks organic milk because he thinks they taste better. And, and if it tastes better to you, then that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. <coughs> the, re- <coughs> the reason I drink organic milk is actually the organic milk I found has a longer shelf life than the milk I buy in the normal dairy section. But the question I wonder is, and because you actually eat more organic than any of us, do you notice a taste difference in organic food? Gosh, I 
would have to say that I share your sentiment of being a chubby little fat girl on the inside. And I love the way the junk food tastes. Uh, as far as organic food, I feel like the the cleaner I eat, like the more conscious I am about what's going into my body, the uh, wider array of food I'm able to enjoy. Like I could I could have something that like when I've been eating really clean with without a lot of sugar, without a lot of uh, uh, when I don't have junk food in my diet, something that might normally taste bland to me tastes really good. Like my uh, my taste buds just become uh, since they're not constantly overwhelmed by these crazy tastes of this crazy amount of sugar it's like i i enjoy uh more food more if that makes any sense yeah, yeah absolutely so uh, i feel the same way it's hard for me like i don't really remember the last time where i had food and was just like oh this isn't good to me yeah so most of the time i mean i, I probably cooked 90 percent of my food maybe more and so uh i have a lot of control over what's going to be on my plate in the first place so i know it's going to be something that i that i like but, uh, so most of my food tastes good, but I think for me, uh, probably a lot of it is psychological because I'm a hippie and I want to have this feel good organic food thing that when I have, you know, Oh, I, I know that there's only so much chemicals in this stuff cause it's all organic and I paid all this good money for this good food at this good grocery store. I know that some of that is bullshit and that, uh, some of that is just psychological. I think it tastes better because, but, uh, in general, when I when I stick to a good diet, all of my food starts to taste good. I think you you make a really valid point. I think this is a topic you can really preach on as well. Is people you'll tell me to eat healthier. You'll tell me to eat healthier, and people, including myself. Now I've eaten vegetarian two or three times in my life where I've been purely vegetarian and people eat vegetarian for different reasons. Sometimes it's a lifestyle. Sometimes it's a health option. Sometimes it's a cruelty to animal. It's whatever. Every time it's been because a girl convinced me because you know, it's, it's for the poo tang. Um, um, in all reality, it's always been a woman involved in my life. Uh, Valerie actually preferred to be vegetarian. We used to cook two meals, every meal, vegetarian and carnivore. And now we actually, she eats meat. I eat vegetarian and we eat both meals. The thing that I hear all the time, like, dude, vegetables are so bland. Vegetables don't taste good. This meal is so bland. This meal is so bland. And I, I believe wholeheartedly you're right. Some of my best meals, and, and you've eaten with us several times now, we eat relatively well. And they're such yummy meals. I think, number one, if you start eating healthy, if you start eating wise, if we start eating the ways that, that Mr. P and Jeremy here are suggesting we eat, then I think very quickly you're going to find your meals taste better uh, because you very quickly acclimate to those meals. But also you learn how to cook better. You know, Valerie and I, we would eat junk meals and we relied on bad meals tasting good to be what it was. And then we started eating vegetables, eating healthy, and it started tasting better in and of itself. But then we started learning how certain spices and certain seasonings work. And my God, I've never eaten better, not healthy better, tasty better than when I eat healthy. When I eat healthy, I eat some of the tastiest foods. Where are you on that? Absolutely. And, and spices and seasoning are fair game. Uh, you really, th there's, there's nothing that's going to be wrong with them. And that's going to be the thing that gets you to eat fruits or not, sorry, not fruits, but vegetables, uh, and more bland tasting stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Spice it up, do whatever you need to do. Um, garlic powder, anything, salt, black yeah, pepper. That's anything, my combo. Yeah. And you, and it could be any, any, 
any combination of anything. Um, and the shelves in the grocery store stock full of different uh, spices. Um, yeah, absolutely. So or, uh, organic milk and mayonnaise, does that taste better to you? Absolutely. I think grass-fed beef and uh, cage-free eggs taste better. I can definitely taste the difference. People will say, hey, bullshit, you can. Like, absolutely, I can. Um, so I'm in the same boat with certain types of food or where it comes from. I prefer its taste. And when I don't get that, I can taste a difference. And to me, it doesn't taste as good. So, hey, if that's what works for you and that's what gets you to eat uh, certain foods, especially healthy ones, yeah, 100%, um, go for it. Do, do you know what he's meaning when he says grass-fed beef? Do you know Do you know what, you know what that is and the difference it makes? So I have two takes on that statement or two takes on what grass-fed beef is because what I want to picture – what I want to believe and what I like is free-range grass-fed beef. To me, when I think grass-fed beef, I want to know they're free-range. I want to know that they're cattle who are roaming fields, who are roaming pastures, who have a reasonable, not necessarily a huge, but a reasonable amount of space, and they're eating grass or eating things where a lot of the cattle, a lot of the beef we, we eat are put in tight confines, tight spaces, yeah, and they're eating grain. And that grain, in return, is what we're eating. And, and so when I picture grass-fed beef, I picture grass, not grain. And when I picture the two versions, it's, it's free-range grass-fed versus uh, confined grass-fed. And I don't know if that's a fair answer or a uh, right you're, answer. You're pretty close to my understanding of it. That uh, I mean, grass-fed. When, when someone's going to the trouble of raising grass-fed beef, there's a really good chance. Like if you look for the the phrase "pasture roaming" or "pasture raised," mm-hmm. that's a really good sign that there are animals who are outside grazing and eating what's what's naturally there. But uh, uh, with the the difference in their, their their bodies aren't really set up to process grain. Um, human bodies are debatably also not set up to process grain i think our, and, our american culture proves that one we eat a lot of grain right but the the reason that cows are fed corn instead is because it's cheap there's a huge yes. uh, surplus of corn and the government subsidizes corn farmers it actually costs more to produce a bushel of corn than a bushel of corn is worth but because uh there, there are tax subsidies they are given extra money to grow that corn um they make that's the, that's where they make the money, right? But because because they're being paid to grow corn, there's a huge surplus of corn, so it's fed to cows because it's a it's a cheap way, and they get fat very quickly. So naturally, it costs more. You said this. Naturally, it costs more to grow a bushel of corn than it costs than to, it sells for on the market. Yeah. But then the tax subsidy. I didn't realize that. And I mean, I lived in Indiana for four years. You straight up skydive in the middle of cornfields. When you land off in Indiana, you land in cornfields. I didn't realize that. But. So they're fed the corn because it's cheap and because yeah. it gets them to their market weight a lot sooner. But it causes all these crazy imbalances in their bodies. One one big thing that carries over to the food that we eat is the omega-3s and 6s yeah. and the way that that balances out and the problems that that can cause in our Valerie body. Valerie preaches that to me regularly. Oh, does she? Awesome. Dude, she's super smart, man. Three to one. She should yep. be here. But okay. she refuses. Let's I, bring her in. Well, people have actually asked, and, and guys, gals, if you listen to this, I, I'll take a sidetrack. I've had a lot of people ask about Valerie being on the podcast, and it's been very interesting because when we first set up the studio, Valerie sat in that chair to do a lot of testing of the equipment, and oh my God, you put a microphone in, va- in front of Valerie, and she turns into Sam effing Kinison, dude. That girl is filthy. <laughs> She's dirty, dude, and she goes. A lot of people have asked, and I think people are interested in Valerie. So if you're listening to this, if you're watching this, I encourage you, send Valerie a Facebook message. Post on her Facebook page. Go to the drop zone and tell her, we want to hear you. We want to see you because actually 
One of the biggest reasons she doesn't do this is she's shy. The other reason is, is who wants to hear from me? Who wants to listen to me? Dude, do you want to listen to DJ and Jeremy Foster or do you want to see Valerie? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that, <laughs> yeah. that was what I was afraid of, but yeah. Uh, but you said you were worried about how this would go, but look how yeah. this, this conversation has been odd because... She this, could be number 10, you know? This week was actually was supposed to happen with somebody else, and our schedule didn't work out. We had some conflicts, and we had to cancel. And, and Nick and I talked about, like, you know what? We had these options, and we decided, let's just take the week off. And when you showed up for your coach course, I've wanted a nutrition conversation for a while. And this was a very throw-together thing. And, I mean, you, the whole time you're like, how's this going to go? How's this going to go? And, and I don't know how you feel about this, Mr. P, but for me, I was really curious at how this was going to go because this was very thrown together. And this is turning into another one of my favorite I'm really enjoying conversations. I'm really happy this has fallen together the way it has. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Is this what you... No, I like it. And I enjoy talking about nutrition. Um, but I think that there's a lot... Like, I think that there's a lot that we would agree on. And probably a few things that we would argue on. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, I think nutrition is a conventional wisdom about nutrition is becoming, uh, it's, they're being aware that it's more and more wrong. Like that you could go and ask the average person, hey, like, what should we do about fat? And they would say, oh, well, eating fat makes you fat. Mm -hmm. And both you and I know that that's not true because there's science that's come out that says, yeah, this, these fats are actually good for your body. It does X, Y, and Z. And uh, for me personally, that right now is the most fat I've ever had in my diet on purpose. It's the first time I've ever really pursued fat, and it's the leanest that my body has ever been. But you could ask all sorts of people shopping over at Walmart or whatever else why why they're buying their low-fat yogurt, and they're going to say, oh, because I'm watching my weight. I'm trying not to gain weight through, through eating fat. And to me, it seems like a lot of those, uh, more and more of those bits of conventional wisdom are being proven wrong or... Uh, being proven that uh, it's just very different from from body to body, from person to person, that um, even two people from the same family can have super, uh, they can react very different to the to the same food. But we, but, we, we keep using the word fat, and, and that's something that's been very interesting to me because you, you've, we've all said it. Valerie is probably actually the first person who made me more aware of fats in my diet and what the word fat means. And then Nick... Um, through the podcasts you and I listen to, and then knowing that you've become educated, I've talked to you, and now you're talking about it. Fat's not as bad of a word, but we have to be careful what type of fats we're looking at because there's saturated fat, there's trans fat, mm-hmm. and I believe trans fat is a word that we have to be careful of. Is that right? Right. I think uh, the general consensus is still, hey, trans fat's bad for you. Saturated fat is good for you if you have certain goals. Say if you want to build some muscle, actually saturated fat can increase testosterone levels. That's been proven. Uh, I've actually not just heard for for building muscle, but I got to look at my age. I'm 43 years old, man. I'm middle age. I've got no problem with that. I don't feel old by any means, but I'm at the point in my life where my T levels, my testosterone levels are going down. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I've been encouraged. Using the right fats is going to help keep testosterone level up. And specifically saturated fats on T levels are, are directly correlated that's um, why she wants me to get so, saturated fats right that's, love so eat that bacon work. man eat it, yeah. <laughs> eat it up. so yeah so the right types of fat mono and polyunsaturated fats um nick's obviously real educated on it you know the omega he's, he brought the omega-6 to omega-3s you want to have that good ratio um by the way it's typically two to one i would even argue most guys would say three to one omega-6 to uh, omega-3 so what we typically get in our diets and uh, i'll just do a little spin off real quick is is probably around a 20 to one 
Um, so where the good, uh, the omega-3s come in is the good, you know, the fish oil pills, which is a, a nutritional supplement, one of the few that I actually recommend. Um, if you don't eat a lot of fish or get a lot of the omega-3s from your oils in your cooking or in your coffee or whatever it may be. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Fats are um, coming so, well, out more on, mainstream on, just I now. The MCT oil does fulfill that. That omega three, uh, yeah, MCT oils. It's a, uh, it's basically coconut oil. That's, uh, God, what's the? There's a word. Like, coconut oil is pretty firm at, at room temperature, and MCT oil is I can't think of the word, but uh, emulsified. I think that keeps it uh, runny. So you could even put it in a in a cold drink. If you put coconut oil in a cold drink, you're just going to have chunks of, of coconut oil in your drink. Mm. But the MCT, uh, it's medium chain triglycerides. Is what MCT stands for, and it's it's really really similar to coconut oil. Okay, but yeah, it's going to get you your fats. Okay, so and, sorry, uh, can also give you diarrhea if you have too yeah. much of it. Twenty to I one. I found out the hard way. Yeah, three to two to one is what we're trying to get to. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that no, no. So twenty to up. one is usually what we're getting. We want to be around the three to one omega six to omega threes. So um, you got to think like a lot of omega sixes uh, come from like eggs and your meats and all that stuff. So stuff we typically eat. Um, but we, we miss out on the omega-3 parts, which is kind of like your, your fish, fishy oils and stuff like that. So um, I personally, uh, I'm a huge proponent of high-dose high, high dose fish oils for that and other reasons. I think there's, I've seen a lot of research in my, in my days in, uh, in school that prove, hey, like it's it got a lot of health benefits, one for your heart and your brain and, and vital organs and such. Um, but yeah, so you want to, um, if you want to supplement uh, those fish oils, that's great if you don't necessarily get it in your diet, which a lot of people don't. Um, I hate fish, so yeah. There you go. Oils, so I then you're the perfect candidate, you know. Yeah, the, you can get like an odorless fish oil supplement pill. Yeah, that, yeah. That super cheap too. One like of the cheapest supplements, you know. I've actually heard people talk about it, and I just thought, you know, like why? So Nobody's I think, told me yeah, why till now. That should definitely be a, a staple um, in, in your diet. That's one of the only. Uh, like I said, one of the only supplements that I do recommend, and it's and it's it's fish oils. And I would even uh, argue to say, like, hey, if they say one one pill is a serving, take two because they're super cheap, and you're not going to hurt yourself by taking twice a serving of fish oils. High dose fish oils actually is going to be uh, really beneficial for you. Cool. It's uh, w- what's almost weird about this conversation is the irony of it. I tell people change small things at a time. So I just start with breakfast. Just change a little thing. And this this breakfast conversation in and of itself has now gone on for like an hour. Okay. So <laughs> and, and so now we're on uh, the lunch. All right. Well, and, and it doesn't matter. You know, it, these go as long as we need to. Um, but let's change one thing at a time. Let's change breakfast. We, we've got a lot of good ideas. And, and it'll actually maybe adjust some of our conversations. Cause I think we've laid a lot of foundation for. Well, I, I guess I was a little selfish in the conversation of thinking I want to talk about like high level nutrition, like debating little things that are probably super inconsequential to most people. So you just, weren't being as selfish. A, as a general rule, I try not to eat processed food. I try and eat a lot of vegetables. Yes. Lots of meat, eggs. I do uh, a fair bit of cheese just because it's got a lot of fat in it. But again, that's super debatable. Uh, I don't notice a difference in my body when I take it out, but uh, some, if it gives you terrible gas and bloating and diarrhea, yes, yeah, probably not something you should uh, you should have in your diet. But uh, a really great simple strategy for anyone that's going to the grocery store is stay on the perimeter of the grocery store. That's where you're going to find meat, eggs, vegetables, yes. and uh, stay out of the aisles where all that processed junk is because that's going to fat you. If right you up. can't read the label, you don't buy it. And first of all, selfish. 
Um, I want to address that statement. I don't think it's been selfish at all. Uh, Nick, you and I have done the math. You maybe do about 30% of, of the co-hosting of this. And before we showed up today, you and I had a conversation. You are much more intelligent on this nutrition information than I am. I'm really here to learn today. So I don't think it's been selfish at all. This, for what I'm hearing from you guys, has been awesome for me. I hope it's been the same for yeah. both of you. Yeah, I'm actually impressed, too. I, he starts throwing out these these terms and these uh, these words. I was like, wow, he's actually... Dude, well, if you I, got Hollister he, he, might know, he might know what he's talking. I mean, <laughs> you know, most of the, the general open. person doesn't know these kind of things. You know? I'm super open to the to the high probability that I'm wrong about a lot of this <laughs> stuff. Because if, if me a year ago would have argued with me today, it would have been a totally different conversation. Yeah. And even me, you know... I could still, I'm not vegan. I was for a really long time. I could still win an argument with most people about why it's beneficial for them to, to be vegan or vegetarian. But uh, that's only because most people know so little about where right. their food comes from. Is that, That's the only reason why I can yeah. argue my way with incorrect information to be, you know, to be victorious in that argument. But um, I was going to talk about uh, being vegetarian. But, uh, one of the problems I see with vegans, and I we have a lot of vegan friends, is one of the things that you just made a point of. Shop on the perimeter of the grocery store. Valerie and I very rarely actually get into the aisles. And when we do, they're for limited things. Cat food, dog food, cat litter. That actually is some of the things we get in the aisles for. And there's other things, you know, coffee, whatever. But if you can't read the label, man, read the label of what you're buying in the store, people. Go to the store and pick up the label and read. Not the nutrition facts. Read the ingredients. And how many... I can't speak that language. <laughs> words are in there. And if you can't read it, they recommend you don't buy it. And you'll eat much healthier. And it's ironic because I know so many vegans who eat a vegan lifestyle because of the respect of animals. And I and, and I won't argue with them on that. You can. I will. Uh, but <laughs> I want to let them be. The ones that kill me are, I know vegans who eat vegan because it's a healthier lifestyle. But all you eat is processed poo, dude. Did, did I tell you my story about being vegan and about not being vegan? I'll no. give you the really short version. So I was vegan for a long time. I was working out at this gym. And um, a, a couple of the girls who... Uh, were attendees of the gym, were being trained by a good friend of mine named Michael. Michael had given him this book called The Vegetarian Myth, who I just uh, barely gave this book to Heidi and Damo. But The Vegetarian Myth, this woman who was a raw uh, food vegan for like 20 years, uh, tells her story about why she stopped being vegan. My plan was I was going to read this book, dispel, or dispel all of this like anti-vegan propaganda, and I was going to prove that it was all incorrect, and I was going to get these girls back on the vegan team, right? So I started reading this book, 30 pages into it, I was like, this this lady is crazy, she doesn't know what she's talking about, she's super biased, and this is all incorrect. And then at about 60 or 70 pages into this book, I was on the couch reading, just crying, because I felt like an idiot. Like, to, to me, the, the best way I can describe it is being, being vegan or being vegetarian makes sense if you look at a really small part of a really big picture. If you're looking at your plate and you think, yeah, nothing died to get that food on your plate... Sure, you can make that make sense until you realize everything that goes into putting that food on your plate, especially really high processed fake meat foods. There's a ton that goes into making that food that uh, most people just aren't uh, accounting for. So uh, I'm pretty confident that uh, given if someone there are just true believers, people who are vegan, who will be vegan no matter what you put in front of them. Just like there are people who are religious fanatics that no matter what, you know, how compelling of an argument you could make against religion, that person is still going to believe in religion at the end of the day. So if you have someone who really is open to the fact that they might be wrong 
and uh, willing to listen with an open mind, I'm pretty sure I could talk most people who are vegan out of being vegan because when you look at all of the information that's out there, it just it just doesn't make that much sense. But uh, sorry, that was a long tangent. I tried to make it short. Yeah, whatever, dude. There's nothing <laughs> short about these conversations. Um, it's interesting because I actually had dinner last night with one of Valerie's best friends. Or there, it's a uh, for those of you who don't skydive, wuffos are people who don't skydive. And what's actually become interesting to me is this podcast is actually starting to be consumed by people who don't skydive. There are more and more non-skydivers listening to this. So you guys, we call you wuffos. Uh, Valerie and I have started to build a group of wuffo friends. I love you skydivers. You are wonderful people. But I hate talking about skydiving all the time. So we found friends who don't want to talk about skydiving who hate if we talk about skydiving. And one of them is a vegan named Penny. And I would actually, and, and Penny is, of. so first of all, I love Penny. She is a sweetheart of a lady. And she's one of these rare vegans who I really enjoy because she doesn't point it out to you. She doesn't announce she's a vegan. She doesn't rub it in your face. She said it Very last rare. night next to Very her husband. Rare. And she goes, yeah, he's a carnivore. We just work together. No big deal. She does. And, and, and one of the reasons I love Joe Rogan's podcast, I think it's a similar reason why a lot of our friends listen to it, uh, like Joe Rogan. And one of the reasons I associate to certain friends is because... I'm going to do me. I'm going to do me the best I know how to, and I'm going to respect you regardless of what your beliefs are. And that's what Penny can do, and Penny's good at that. Despite all that, I would love to sit you and Penny down and have that list. I would love that, to see the I argument will, I will have that conversation for sure. Yeah, and Penny actually might end up being listening to this podcast because her and her husband are large consumers and just found out this podcast exists, and her and Valerie immediately started figuring out how to download my podcast. So, uh, Penny, if you're listening to this, I'm going to get you sitting down with Mr. P, and you guys are going to beat this up. So let's make small changes. Let's. The first thing you say is eat breakfast every day for two weeks. What's the second step I need to do to live a healthier lifestyle? So then we start getting to probably, uh, obviously, then we get into later meals, say lunch, dinner, and then, um, you know, eating smaller meals throughout the day. Um, so however you're breaking your meals down, whether you're eating three meals a day, whether you're eating five or six, which is what I would typically suggest for somebody trying to lose weight. Um, then we go into meal prep because that's really the hardest part. Yes. And I think we can all agree, like that's 70, diet is 78% of, of results. So meal prep is huge part of diet nutrition because without preparation, the same thing with you know. Sorry to talk about skydiving, but yeah, you gotta you gotta prepare for anything, uh, for any any dive, any anything you're doing. So preparation in any sport, any any asset of life uh, or aspect of life is uh, is key. So same thing with diet. Um, so then we start saying, hey, I want you to um, prep lunch every day. So I don't want you to prep every single meal because that's a lot for somebody. To, I, need, I need to prep three meals a day for a week and then do it all over again on Sunday. Like, all right, I just want you to prep seven or sorry, five lunches because you're going to work Monday through Friday. I want you to prep five lunches. All right. And I want you to eat that same thing every day for lunch. Okay. And then figure out what, what then the next week, hey, how could I have made that better? Or what, what can I change? Or if you really want to get into it a little bit more, hey, make five different meals. Okay. So then we start getting into meal prep. So wait a minute. I struggle. So Valerie and I have done this. Uh, minor meal prepping is what I'm going to call what you're describing. Right. Uh, we've done minor meal prepping. And one of the struggles both her and I have is making the same meal meal five times becomes redundant and bland. So one of the things that we've come to find out is make the same meal five times. But today, I'm going to add this little bit of salt and pepper. 
Today, I'm going to add this little bit of sauce and, and be super cognizant of what the sauce is because a lot of sauces are sugar, 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 right. sugar. So you have to be aware of what sauces you're putting on it. Um, people who are thinking meal prep is boring meals, meal prep isn't boring meals, even if it's the same meal five times a day. What else could I do to make the same meal five times a day different besides those two things? So what I typically do is um, <clears throat> I have a lean meat. A vegetable, and then and for me, I have a. a I thought you said alien meat. At first. Uh, I a, thought I heard alien meat. Alien too. meat is lean. <laughs> it actually is lean. <laughs> uh, so yeah, an, a lean meat and uh, some vegetables, and then I I personally have a, 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 a complex carbohydrate. I don't suggest that for certain people trying to lose weight or whatever. But so what I'll do is, hey, I will meal prep a ton of green beans. Then I will meal prep a ton of spinach and I'll have a different container for each. Hey, so Monday I'm going to have green beans as my, as my vegetable. Monday I'm going to have ground beef as my vegetable. Tuesday I'm going to have chicken and my broccoli as my, you know, vegetable. So I'll just switch it up. I'll still have the, the general um, idea is the same. Hey, I have a lean meat, I have a vegetable and I have something else, maybe a fruit. Now to be clear, when you say green beans, I'm going to the produce aisle. I'm buying fresh green Absolutely. beans. You're not talking Absolutely. Del Monte and a can yeah, yeah. So beans. this is how I cook vegetables. And this is, you can do this with, whether it's frozen, whether it's fresh, it doesn't matter. You can believe in, in whatever you want to believe, which one's better. Obviously fresh is, I, I still, I believe is better, but take those whatever it is, get a gallon bag. And this is the best trick I can tell anybody for, for prepping vegetables. Get a gallon uh, plastic Ziploc bag. Throw that entire bag uh, or whatever sack of uh, vegetables that you bought. Dump a bunch of olive oil or whatever oil you want. Olive oil is typically the best and a ton of whatever spice you want, okay? Rub them up in the bag, um, shake them up, and then throw them in a skillet, put a top on, saute them. Or do that same thing, throw them in a a, a a baking pan with foil, cover with foil, put them in the oven, uh, 425 for 30 minutes. Okay, boom. I have. I never really thought to get in cooking tips from Jeremy. Super Jeremy's. easy. That's done. That's fire and forget. It's in the oven. It's in the it's in the pan. You got vegetables for the week. Super easy. Okay. I know that was kind of a side sidebar conversation. No, so yeah. They're all so sidebar. then I then I then I just have I have all that ready, and I say, oh, I'm gonna go to the uh, I'm gonna go to the green bean container today i'm gonna go to the uh spinach container today and, and there it is and it's then that way i'm not eating green beans chicken every day green beans chicken every day you know i'm gonna and make that, val listen to this podcast and that'll like get this. and that'll get people away from their diet when they eat the same thing every day so i'm like yeah. hey yes make the same thing every day this week okay cool now let's do something different oh you've been doing good the last two days okay let's try a different vegetables try a different lean meat make a bunch of different ones try different combinations try different spice combinations i like that you said spices spice and herbs are free um they, they, they don't count for anything. You guys can go crazy. I'm, be careful right. with sauces, the sodium, though, the salt. Sauces, yeah. So sauces are a little bit uh, uh, something you need to look out for. But yeah, um, I don't want to sweat the small details. If that's going to make the food that you need to eat taste good, then absolutely. I, I would, and I would say the same for me, salads, man, that's what rabbits eat. I used to have a rabbit for a pet. So that's what my pet eats. Go screw yourself. You're not, I'm not eating a salad. And for me, like most people... I needed dressing, and I needed tons of dressing to make salads palatable. And now today, I will go to a restaurant, and I will I, I insist, I, I have to. I want my dressing on the side. And it's because the vast majority of people in restaurants put too much dressing mm -hmm. in, in their salad. And now I'll just drizzle like a quarter of what they give me and then go, oh, I put too much dressing. So I, I do believe in using those sauces. And I like what you say. Hey, man, if that's what you got to do to get yourself there, use it. But people, if you're really trying to, to, to meet these extra and these better goals, and then, my God, you know, both of you guys are much better role models. I, I'm the last person I think should be preaching this. I'm, I'm still a little bit chunky, but I'm getting better at it. Um, 
I now, I, I will order a salad at a restaurant, dressing on the side, and I will commonly eat at least half the salad without dressing before I go like, ah, I'll take a drizzle. I, I just, sauces suddenly become not important to me. Now if I put a sauce, um, t- tonight we had chicken, and I would traditionally have used sauces. And now I'm to the point where, man, I want dry rubs. I want dry seasonings. And the sauces have become too rich for my taste buds, if, if that's the right words. Yeah, I agree. I, and I'm a huge fan of the dry rubs, too. That's that's how I how I prepare my meats and my vegetables, too. So I think, I think that's you're on the right track there. Yeah. So now you're saying let's meal prep every day. Let, let's and, and something Valerie and I haven't done with meal prep is we haven't really push I like how you you push that idea of fresh vegetables and having that that rotation of vegetables vegetables available um, she does a lot of all-in-one meals because that is easy um, she does a lot of meals where she can serve the meal all all in, in one container and it's just a mix uh, um, I don't I don't know what to call the, the the food mixed up that way but it just makes it easier for her but then the idea of being able to say you know what let me grab a bunch of green beans today because dang I love me some good green beans right now what do I do? Now now I'm meal prepping. Now I, I've taken this to that next level. So, yeah, so in the, in the meal prep too, it, let me clarify, it happens, you try to do it one day. You don't want to meal prep every single night. So I usually, my meal prep day is Sunday nights. And I got it down now to where I can do it in an hour and I can have everything I need, 90% of what I need throughout the, the week for at least breakfast, or not breakfast, for at least lunch and dinner um, already ready. I cook breakfast fresh every morning because it doesn't take very long, but... Yeah, so just clarify, one day a week, uh, meal prep, and then you have everything ready. And then at the night, the night before, it's just, hey, throw, throw in different things in container mm-hmm. and then bring and, that container with you in the morning. And a lot of people will say, even that's too much, man. I'll tell you, for, for Valerie and I, we've it's been very easy. We actually, you saw this week, we meal prepped breakfast. But for the most part, we don't even do that because breakfast is a very easy meal to cook. For me, I need wake-up time in the morning to be effective to my work day. So I use cooking breakfast as part of my routine to get my mind going. I listen to actually podcasts in the morning. I'm usually listening to some MMA podcast talking about some fight or something. Um, or I'm listening to something else. And a radio lab is something I really got into recently. And I use that to wake up. So... All we meal prep, if we do it and we don't do it enough, is lunch. And if you just meal prep just lunch, like Jeremy is suggesting, cooking dinner is not that hard. Cooking dinner is an easy process. Absolutely. And, you know, God bless uh, people who run delis at Drop Zones. I really appreciate having them there. And, and Gwen is our local Drop Zone uh, deli. And she's a very nice lady. She, she does a nice job. And and I feel bad because I want to support her with the local economy. But I... I eat there in spurts. And when I got up to 200 pounds, I was eating there regularly. Um, Oh, wow. Lo and behold, I stopped eating there and I started eating healthy because I'm meal prepping, because I'm eating smart. And back to without exercise, I've lost 19 pounds. I mean, no, and I don't think that's the right thing. I think exercise is smart. No, actually, no, actually, um, let me stop you there. It is the right thing. So one, yes, lunch is the hardest thing to meal to, to eat throughout the day that, uh, to keep yourself on track. Lunch is definitely the hardest because like you said, breakfast, you can wake up and prep and dinner, you're at home. So you can, you can prep that as well. Um, so yes, absolutely. Start with lunch. And then two, I would say, Hey, when I, when I had clients, especially really obese clients, I mean, you're not in that boat, but, um, I would say, Hey, you know what? I, 
let's not really focus on working out right now because we're going to do more harm than good. Let's get you down to a healthy weight. Let's, let's start with the most important thing first. What's, what's the thing that most people start with when they go on a, a healthy thing? Oh, I'm going to start working out. Like, yeah. How about you just take a month? Let's give it 30 days. Because 30 days is a fair, fair uh, thing to ask for, you know, starting anything new and do anything different mm-hmm. um, to commit to it. So, hey, let's just start a month. Let's just eat healthy. Let's see where you're at. DJ has lost what, almost 20 pounds just eating healthy. Imagine what happens when you start getting to work out. We'll take the same slow process to that, and then it's just going to compound on one another. And then those together are going to give you that the best results and then the finishing touch to where you need to be. And then we're going to get you on that testosterone replacement therapy. Get the you jacked. Bacon. PRT made yeah. me look like Vitor <laughs> Belfort and Joe Rogan had a baby. There you go. Um, I have a really good friend who uh, he runs track competitively, and he just had his uh, testosterone levels checked. And just, uh, I mean, I don't know what the medical levels are for being low testosterone, but he just started doing testosterone replacement therapy. And he says, it's the best thing ever. So uh, I'm pretty sure I got to get on that. <laughs> you got to get on the TRT? Have you, have you ever taken any uh, anything more serious than a supplement? Uh, no, I mean, I guess there, there are testosterone supplements, so you can, you can get those as well. You got to think, um, as far as the actual in- induction of testosterone via, uh, you know, needles, no, um, no. But yeah, obviously, uh, when I was a young kid, you know, we all we, in high school and college we were like, oh, you know, the new test boosters out, you know, uh, let's go well, grab it. It was off the shelf stuff, but no, nothing are medically you morally, prescribed. Uh, by, uh, do you think it's morally objectionable to do such a thing? I think now, now that I, I'm more educated, absolutely, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it unless uh, maybe when I get older. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm 30 right now. I'm probably not too far from where that might happen to me in the future. Did you just yeah. call me older? Yeah. I mean that no no big deal, man. It's okay. I mean you're you're an old soul. You like to get up and uh, eat breakfast. So that's like that was my first that was my first indication that you know like and I'm the same way. I'm an old soul too, Listen man. Listen to him butter this up, man. I, no, I like to do a good breakfast. Job. Come on, you know? No, he turned it well, man. Props. So yeah, I mean I don't think I don't I'm not against it, especially if uh, your medical levels are are low. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's get it. It's gonna it's gonna be beneficial for you. And there's a reason why that exists, and that there's a reason why that exists legally. Yeah. Do, do you have any clients who ever came out to you that they were taking yeah, testosterone? Yeah, absolutely. I, I've had a few males that were that were like that, and they were and they were great, and they usually ended up becoming leaner because obviously the the more lean body mass you have, the more calories you're going to burn at rest, more calories you're going to burn overall. Um, so yeah, it definitely helps them out in their goals. Absolutely. Um, but I wouldn't take it if you don't need it, and that's the thing. Because what's your, what's going to happen is you're actually going to stunt your natural levels because it's going to be dependent on that outside source. So if you don't need it, don't take it. If you need it, absolutely, it's a good thing. It actually. So most of my testosterone studies, most of my TRT things, is coming through professional sports. Not not my activity and my involvement, but back to I listen to podcasts a lot. And at this point right now, my podcast consumption is diversified. But at one point in my life, I listened to approximately 10 hours a week minimum of MMA podcast. And over the last about five years of the MMA community, uh, they've really cleaned up the sport with supplements. They've really cleaned up the sport with testosterone replacement therapy. So I've got, I've got to listen to a lot of studies and to a lot, a lot of science about TRT. And for young folks and for guys who are younger, if you boost your TRT now, the depletion levels come earlier. They become faster. So as much as you think you're helping yourself right now, and I actually have friends at the drop zone who when they walk on the drop zone, I'm looking at them and thinking, Mo, man, the juice is loose, bro. What are you, <laughs> you jabbing some needles I in that I know exactly who you're talking about. I don't think you do, my crazy friend. Yes, you do. <laughs> um, so I, I see this, and, man, I would encourage, 
encourage you through science and through studies, and, and these guys are talking about it, you boost your testosterone right now, now your body goes, oh, I don't need to produce testosterone. Exactly. Since I don't need to produce testosterone, now your body shuts down that possibility or that making. And then when you get off testosterone replacement therapy, when you get off whatever you're using to boost your T levels, your body still doesn't reproduce. It takes a lot for your body to kick back in the ability to produce testosterone. There are actually... Uh, supplements are actually medicines are actually things that people who take testosterone replacement therapy in a, in, a, in a medical situation when you get off trt they actually give you these other medicines to help kickstart your body's process of producing th uh, testosterone so taking it at a young age i agree with you is, is foolish when you need it you want your body to be able to help it, to have it. I have some physical conditions with my knees, and one of the things I, I do is I avoid taking certain things for my knees because the day I need it, I want my body to accept it, not be be uh, uh, bored by it, not be, be, I can't think of the right word, but not be used to it and not just blow it away. So I think it's crazy that, that people want to do that. You bring up something that for me, I have... For me, obesity, obesity is, is a very, very dear topic to me. And I say obesity, I mean severe obesity. And, I, and, and any of my, my in-laws, and this really applies to my in-laws, and not all my in-laws. If any of my in-laws ever decide to listen to this, I hope Tracy is my sister-in-law. You take this with all the love in the world. My sister-in-law, Tracy, is a very, very great lady. But she gets... She's 5'5", five five and she's gotten up to 400 pounds at some point in her life. So she's a very obese lady. And Tracy, it struggles for all of us in the family to see her because we all love Tracy. But the biggest fear every single one of us has is Tracy has a limited life on this planet with us. And we all want to see Tracy get lean. And we've seen her get lean, but she, she goes away at some point. Or, or her, 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 her habits go away and she goes back up in weight. What do you tell people, and this might not be something you have an experience with, but what do you tell people like myself, like Valerie, who deal with obesity within their family? How, how do we help those people? Yeah, so, and I think this, uh, I, this would probably be easier for you, DJ, um, just going through your coach course. You got to find the motivation. Um, you got to find what clicks in that person's mind. Like, what is going to motivate them? to make a change just like, Hey, what is going to motivate that skydiver to, to do this or to learn this way? Or, yeah. um, you know, there's, di there's different types of people and different types of motivation. You know, you talked about the guy who had goals, a thrill seeker or whatever. Um, I know you know what I'm talking about, but yeah. So, and, and for a lot of people, it's super simple. Like, Hey, um, how long do you really want to live? You know? Um, and, and I hate to be so morbid about it, but yeah, obesity is an epidemic that um, will kill you, and, 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 it, and it has, and it and it's led to a lot of other diseases that maybe not the fact of being obese has killed them, but like it's led to other diseases that um, could it's be potentially catalyst. hazardous yeah, to their life. Um, and I think it's funny, I just read a story, or sorry, not a story, but a, a study that was done that said, hey, 80% of the deaths in America, at least, this was an American study, are based off of people's poor nutrition habits. That, that was one thing I was about to, to mention is we talk about, hey, man, you shouldn't drink and drive. And, and I agree, you shouldn't drink and drive. Hey, you shouldn't text and drive. That's going to kill you. You shouldn't do it. And we, we commonly preach to people what you're doing is going to kill you. 
But as a society, and when I say society, we keep coming back to it, man. And I, I love my country. I'm proud of the fact I'm an American. You serve in the armed forces, man. You are an Air Force man. You're a combat uh, controller. You are proud to be an American, and you defend our freedom. But I'm embarrassed of our culture and our society uh, of how we eat. And what we're doing to our body is killing us more. What we're doing to our body as far as food is killing us more than Absolutely. anything else we do. You know, it, it kills me to see people sit there and... and I'll, I'll watch, and, and I've seen this situation go both both ways, and it, it completely cracks me up. I've actually watched a friend sit there and mock a man smoking a cigarette, like, "Bro, you're smoking a cigarette. You know you're killing yourself." While he's eating a candy bar and drinking a soda, I'm like, "Irony, bro, yep. irony." And then I've watched a guy smoking a cigarette turn around and tell a guy eating a candy bar and a soda, "You know you're killing yourself." I'm like, "You guys are both idiots, man." I mean, I really think that that just boils down to a huge lack of awareness about food. And, you know, someone who doesn't realize that we are actually built of the food that we eat. Like, that seems like such a simple thing. Like, you learn as a kid, you are what you eat, right? That's a super simple saying. But I don't think that people realize, you know, those Taco Bell tacos that you eat however many times a week, your body is made up of the same physical molecules as that stuff. And it's like, if if all you're taking in is super processed, chemical-filled nutrition or something that's free of nutrition, like that's what you're built out of. Yeah. And every, uh, you know, uh, immunological function in your body, uh, if you're built from garbage from the ground up, what's, what else is going to happen? I mean, to me, that seems like such an easy understanding of that's, yeah, that's where disease has to come from. Like a lack of nutrition and a, an excess of, of toxic and, and bad things. To me, that seems like really, uh, simple thinking to think, yeah, that's probably a big cause of, of disease. But, uh, I mean, I think cigarettes are really, there's been a cultural revolution around cigarettes and about the way that we view and think about cigarettes. Yeah. And I really think and hope that there will be a similar revolution around food where people just become more aware that uh, just because something is in a package and they call it food doesn't mean that it's, you know, got a whole lot of business uh, being in your body. I think that cultural revolution is happening, and I say that because... I mean, look, we're just three idiots sitting in a room right now, and our goal tonight was to talk about what we're doing, making people more aware, and, and including myself, of nutrition and habit and lifestyle. Something that's become very in vogue today is cord cutting. Valerie and I cut cable out of our life quite a while back, and now we rely on Netflix, we rely on Amazon, we rely on Hulu for any of our, our entertainment. We also have an antenna on top of the roof that gets over the air TV, but so many people are relying on Netflix as their source of entertainment. Guys, gals, go on Amazon, go on Netflix, go on Hulu, and look at their documentaries. Mm -hmm. And the documentaries available on nutrition and food, I think you're right. We are on our way. I think we are starting a, an awareness of better nutrition and better diet. And it's almost weird to say, but cutting cable out of our lives, so many of my friends have done that. They're now becoming more aware because Netflix. I'm watching Netflix, man. Let me watch Iron Fist. I'm watching Netflix. Let me watch Weeds. Let me watch Orange is the New Black, which shows women's titties. So I'm, I'm, I'm into <laughs> Orange is the New Black. How come it always comes back to titties? Um, but I don't know how many documentaries we watch as far as nutrition, as far as health, and some of these ideas that you hear me speak on, not nearly as eloquent or as educated as you guys, I've gotten from some of these documentaries. Also be careful watching these documentaries because obviously any crackpot can produce media. You're looking at two or three of them right now. Any crackpot can produce media. Um, 
so I want to help my sister-in-law. I love my sister-in-law. She, she is, she's a very blessed lady. Anybody who's dealing with obesity in their family, uh, what, what Jeremy's talking about is we, we've done a coach course and, and in coaching and skydiving, we talk about motivation to best coach a skydiver. You need to understand their motivation. Hey, Nick, what got you into skydiving? Hey, Jeremy, what got you into skydiving? And there, there's many motivations in life and self-actualization, becoming better in yourself, awareness, achievement, uh, sensationalism. There, there's so many different versions, but find out what drives and what motivates that person. In, in, in the case of my sister-in-law, the lightest I've seen her is she was getting married. Her motivation was looking her best on her wedding day. And she lost a significant amount of weight. And not only did Tracy look phenomenal on her wedding day, and, and, and I think we always say that because there's that glow and that happiness, but no, man, she looked, oh, I mean, it's the best I've seen her look. But when she was healthier... She's emotionally healthier. And I, I think that's something that we all realize. But when you're dealing with your family members, and that's the part I struggle with, is my sister-in-law is, you know, there's a stereotypical angry fat girl. I think we all understand that statement. And this I know is, that girl. Yeah. And this is, again, Tracy, if you hear this, I love you to death. And I don't mean that disrespectfully, but it comes across that way. Um, when she gets heavier, that girl comes out very quickly. And then as she lightens up and she's in her better health, she's happier. She, she treats everybody better. And I think she treats everybody better because she's happier with herself. And something Hank and I talked about is the awareness of happiness. People constantly chase happiness. People constantly chase happiness. And, and you can't really chase happiness. You create it for yourself. I'm not going to find happiness anywhere I'm going to go. I'm going to be happy but what I do. And, and for me, what I do is the more I make you smile, the more I help people accomplish their goals, the more I make people do things better for their life, the happier it makes me. But sometimes you have to realize, and for me, this is my nutrition fact, and for Tracy, this is my nutrition fact, I have to make myself better to make me happy. Because I, there's no doubt, 19 pounds ago, I was not motivated. 19 pounds ago, I did not feel good. Don't get me wrong, I'll still go bust out a 12-hour gaming session on my PlayStation right now. But that's all I could do 19 pounds ago. I feel much better now. So I want to ask Jeremy, uh, am I interrupting you, DJ? No. Uh, do you enjoy the process of exercise all the time? Uh, yes, I do. I actually enjoy it. And like I said, it's just been a hobby of mine. Um, and, I, and I actually grew up in college competing a little bit in, in Olympic lifting. So yes, I enjoy it. Um, and so that's where a lot of people differ. They don't necessarily enjoy it, but what's, so what's easier for them is to focus on diet. And that's why I say, Hey, that's, that's most of it anyway. So let's do that. And then we, which brings us into where we're kind of leading into is, Hey, so what's next after yeah. those small steps? Um, and then that's like, Hey, okay, now let's start focusing a little bit more on like exactly how we're going to get you there, uh, physically, as far as what we're going to do physically. Um, but yeah, so I, I do enjoy it. Um, well, the, the reason that I asked, I, I can, I can absolutely enjoy being physically active. Like, uh, I love doing handstands. I love, do, like, I love lifting weights, like lifting heavy weights is one of my most favorite things to do. Like, good man. Uh, like deadlift, uh, front squats, uh, like I, I could do, I could front, I could front squat and deadlift all day and be totally happy. But, uh, you guys are idiots running. <laughs> I, I hate running. 
Like right now, I'm trying to. Uh, I want to run a sub 12 second 100 meter, and I've never run before in my life, and it uh, feels so far like a pretty ambitious goal. And I hate the process of doing it, but uh, the reward afterwards of that really sucked, and I did it anyway. Uh, is a huge thing for me with exercise to get through something that I just don't want to do to embrace the shittiness of it and be like, yeah, this, this totally sucks. I really don't want to do this, but man, the, the mental reward afterwards of like, yeah, I hated every second of that. And now I'm stronger because I went through it. I think it, for me is a, is a huge, uh, motivator. And I wonder if, uh, you've seen that at all in, in people that you've trained. Yeah. I mean, obviously, absolutely. Um, you know, when when you start seeing yourself accomplish things that you thought were once impossible, it's it's a huge motivator, um, and that's why we we start them out with baby steps. Hey, like I just want you to, uh, you know, and it it's goes back to goal setting. Like I just want you to uh, be able to run uh, 400 meters, and then I want you to be able to run 800 meters, so forth. And hey, guess what? Now you're running a mile. You didn't think you could run a mile, you know, uh, a couple weeks ago uh, if your life depended on it. And same thing with you. 12 seconds. I mean, that's that's a pretty decent goal for for an average person, you know, who's not a sprinter. He but, called you average, you know. Um, <laughs> and that's you know, twelve seconds the world is, is, is pretty running. tough for for me as well. I mean, like, man, yeah. I don't even know. I, and good thing for you, man, is like I, I don't ever encourage people to do what they don't want to do as far as uh, a mode of exercise. Um, I do think everybody needs to have some sort of resistance training. I think that's super important for muscle growth and bone density. But uh, as far as cardiovascular benefits from running, um, I mean, that's probably a whole other podcast. But yeah, I mean, it's it's if if you don't like to do it, then I would I would suggest we do that last. Let's let's focus on the things that are going to get you in the gym, that are going to get you motiv- uh, moving, um, and actually uh, are going to um, produce results because. If you don't do it, you're not going to get results. But if I if I sit there and make you do something for a week that you don't like, you're not going to want to come back. And then what did I really do for you? You know, uh, I don't know. And I and I get that. I get how that applies to most most people. That most people don't want to do a thing they don't want to do. Yeah, that that makes total sense. But uh, I think for me, just embracing the suck, like embracing the yeah. shitty part. It's of a it. challenge, you know. And, yeah, and that's, and that's like how you got to view it. Overcoming that challenge. Yeah, and think how great it's going to feel when you actually run a, a, a sub twelve. You're gonna Never like, oh, going to well, run again after that. That's, that's going to be it. That's awesome. That's and, the period. And of I guarantee, I guarantee, it's probably you're going to pick a different goal, and it's probably going to be something equally as challenging, if not more. Or maybe it's going to be eleven seconds because you're going to mm. feed off of that success. <laughs> I've never seen, I've never not seen somebody feed off the success of uh, a physical uh, achievement. Success breeds confidence. And success breeds confidence, and fi- and and I would even go even further and say, hey, physical, uh, physical fitness, physical training, just uh, being physical in general breeds confidence. Um, so uh, that's that's kind of the next step is, hey, let's get there, um, let's get there physically. So for guys like you, it's it's I won't say easy, but for guys like you, it's easier because you enjoy working out. But then I, I have to look at the average person, or at least the average American, and let's be real. We're lazy. We're lazy MFers, man. So we don't like to... Yeah, I'm not cussing as much. My sister gave me grief about the amount Did I cussed. Did she? Yeah. She, she didn't give me grief. We do video chats with her baby. She goes, oh, yeah, we're going to see each other soon, and we've got to use nice words. We can't use nearly as many naughty words. Your sister's pretty conservative, I guess? Yeah, dude. If my I Actually, I heard my sister cuss once in the last 10 years, and it blew my mind. Like, I know knew my sister was mad when she cussed like it it, it meant something it's like if Valerie yelled at you you'd be like oh my god what just happened um 
But for the average one of us, it's much harder to work out. And and for me, what the secret for me was easy. When Valerie and I first started dating, and we were living in Indiana, and I was doing a thousand jumps in eight months every every year, a thousand jumps in eight months. Man, you stay fairly fit when you do a thousand jumps in eight months, and you're hustling and you're working and you're moving around, you're doing everything. And in the winter, I would work four straight months. I would do nothing. I made enough money for four straight months that I would sit at home, I would play video games, and I would get inebriated, man. I would just have a good time. It was a four-month party. And I got fat every winter at that point. And so when Valerie and I started dating, we wanted to start working out. And and people, if you, if you don't know what to do to work out, trick yourself into working out. And for Valerie and I, tricking ourselves into working out is we got into climbing. Now, it's Indiana, it's winter, so we did indoor climbing. But indoor climbing, man, we busted out. And I was actually in the indoor gym three-plus days a week regularly. I'd go with Val once or twice, and then during the middle of the week, I was doing nothing. I would go. And then I got these goals like, man, I really want to top out here. I really want to take this route. I really want to do this. And next thing I know, I'm actually trying to pull up, dude. You know, the, the last time I did anything called a push-up, it was a push-up pop from the ice cream man and that rocket pop going on, man. Um, but it tricked me into working out. Uh, golf. I, I really enjoy being bad. Dude, I, I am a horrible golfer. But I enjoy golf. And in golf, what I actually learned to do, and, and Hank really utilizes this. I know with Hank's killer physique, you might be shocked. He likes to walk the golf course, man. Um, and that's something that, that Jay Venendahl actually fight about when we play golf. Uh, everything, Every place we golf comes with a cart. And it's always like, I'll walk to my ball, you take the cart. And after about a month of I'll walk to the ball, you take the cart, we both figured it out. We're fighting over who gets to walk, not over who gets the cart. We keep trying to push it off. So find activities you enjoy that force you to be active. Walking a golf course might not like seem like much, but I couldn't run a mile. Um, I played high school football. I played high school basketball. I went to a private school, so we weren't a bigger or a phenomenal team, but I, I played, and coach would make us run. And I was the kid in the back of the pack who every so often he would pull into the van, let me vomit, kick me back out, and tell me to keep running. I ran the least because I was in the van vomiting the most. I don't like to run. During my physical therapy, I said, I want to learn to run a mile, and I want to get to a decent mile. Man, do what Jeremy just said. Make Walk, get on a treadmill and walk the furthest distance you can on that treadmill until you can't walk any further. And if you think you can't walk any further, keep walking or slow down the pace and keep walking, and you'll be amazed. And for me, it was, I'm going to start jogging until I can't jog anymore, and then I'll walk. Until I can jog again, and then I'll walk. And God, I think it took me less than a week till I could actually jog a mile. And it took me less than two weeks to before I could actually run a mile. Just just taking that bite at a time, taking that step at a time. Like you, you hate running, and we've talked about that. So you just started sprinting short distances. Take a piece at a time and, and see what it gets for you. And, and back to that's what you've suggested. What well, what else can I do to step up that game? Yeah, so it's 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 all about just slow progression. The same thing with, with diet and nutrition is applies to, um, you know, our exercise. So, um, I would suggest, yes, absolutely start off with what you love to do. And then from there we can build upon that and we can say, all right, so now you've done what you've loved. Let's try once a week to do what you, what I need you to do, which is, Hey, so maybe, uh, you only like rock climbing. Okay. That's great. 
but then now we need to start getting the principles of overload. So I, DJ, I need you to start resistance training. Let's just do it once a week. Okay. And then you can do your rock gym, uh, you know, climbing every other day if you want, that's fine. But once a week, I want you to meet with me and let's do resistance training. Okay, cool. We Define did that for a week or two. Training, cause I'm, what's resistance training? Using any external load for, uh, for an exercise. So like weightlifting, weightlifting, right. Okay. So, and then, okay, so next week, hey, DJ, or maybe the next two weeks, depending on what your, what your progress is looking like, hey, let's uh, meet with me twice a week. And then until we eventually build up to where we need to be three to four, maybe five days a week in, on, the, on the back end. And the next thing you know, like, it was an easy transition. I'm st- now I'm just rock climbing for fun. I'm not rock climbing for exercise. I'm actually doing the exercise I need to do to get whatever goal it is. And that's what I suggest with clients. And that's almost brings us to the last bit of, you know, the, the process of getting somebody. Let's come back to resistance training for one second, because when I think resistance training, I've looked at both of your Facebook pages and there are a picture for both of you on Facebook where you've got a barbell with a good, decent amount of plates somewhere on your body, straight over your head. You know, the picture I'm talking about, probably somewhere there's a picture of both of you. So when people, when my average friends look at this and I have a lot of, a lot of buddies listen to this who are more on my side of the world than you resistance training Weight training, when I went through my recovery, weight training, I was barely pushing any weight, but that's where I started. I, I, I'm, let me go back two months, month and a half. I'm 200 pounds. You've got me to the point where I need to start doing resistance training. What kind of weight am I going to be pushing around? So you're going to be pushing around your body. So the reason I use resistance training instead of weight training, most people use them interchangeable, but what else can be resistance? Your own body can be resistance. Push-ups, pull-ups. Right, exactly. So I don't ever encourage anybody to do something they're not – like you have to almost get in shape to work out properly, especially if you've been off of it for so long. And a lot of people don't understand that. Same with running. You need to – most people say, hey, I need to run to get in shape. No, you need to get in shape to run. Because if you're not if you're not where you need to be prior to uh, to engage in any sort of activity like that, it could be more detrimental to your body and it could discourage you. And you're not going to want to come back. If it hurts to run, it hurts to resist uh, to put a bunch of weight over your head with barbells. And hey, man, like cool, I know what you know what you're talking about, but I don't enjoy this. And I'm not paying you for this, or I'm not going to do this anymore. So what I would do is I would be like, hey. Uh, we're going to do some push-ups, and there's variations. We're going to do some pull-ups. Maybe you're not pulling your own body weight. Maybe I have you on bands or whatever, but I slowly progress you, and then eventually your body is no longer a resistance. It no longer produces that stimuli that you need. It no longer produces that overload that you need for your muscle growth or muscle adaptation. So then we start putting the external loads in there. So same thing, same principle. Hey, we're little baby steps at a time to get you where you need to be. And over, I said this at the very beginning, over a year... Look where you're. Look where you're at. You weren't eating anything. You're eating out every day, and now you're working out five days a week, and you're meal prepping every single meal. So going through my shoulder recovery, obviously, uh, it was a shoulder surgery. I had a torn labrum. Um, about seventy percent of my labrum was detached from my shoulder. So pretty, pretty decent surgery. Uh, obviously, a lot more limitations through that. But for people who are listening to this, when when Jeremy's talking about just pushing around your own body weight and just starting with push-ups. I guarantee you right now, some of my friends listening to this can't do a push-up and can't do a pull-up. And I was at that point partially because of my shoulder surgery, and actually that was the only reason. And Juliana was my physical therapist. She just started me with planking on my elbows. Exactly. And that and that's essentially a push-up without the is. push movement. Yeah. Yes. That's still resistance. You're still resisting gravity. So for me, I, I think you're completing thoughts for me, but for anybody listening to this who's intimidated with the idea of like, well, I've got to work out, man, I'll tell you what, you're watching TV tonight, you go home after listening to this podcast, when you're watching TV, every time a commercial comes on, 
or between every show, sit down and do a 30-second, do a minute plank. And when I say 30-second or a minute plank, do what's right for your body. Because some of my friends, 30 seconds is going to whoop your butt. Mm -hmm. And get to the point where you can do a minute plank. And then we have a BOSU ball at the drop zone. You don't know when y'all pulled that BOSU ball out what that did to me. Because me and that BOSU ball have a seven-month relationship. Oh, you were having some flashbacks for you? Dude, I, I can plank, do push-ups, and walk on and off a BOSU ball with my hands through physical therapy. Now, I also got out of a lot of shape since that time. So I see that BOSU ball, and I have bittersweet memories because I got really healthy through it. But n- now, now I can't do the same things. But I always get scared of the word working out. And Juliana, I mean, that, that sh- shoulder surgery is one of the best things that ever happened to me because my awareness of fitness and my awareness of diet through, you know, a, a physical therapist is a high-end personal trainer that cost a ton of money. And I had it for seven straight months through my health insurance. So, so it worked out kind of nice. Um, my awareness of, of how to work out, my awareness of saying, hey, man, resistance training, DJ, all I need you to do is support your own body weight on your elbow for five seconds. My first plank was five seconds. Again, recovering from shoulder surgery. It got to the point where when I went to physical therapy, I was watching guys who, in my physical therapist's office, there were straight-up college and high school athletes. There have been Olympic athletes go through the physical therapist's office I was in. And I actually watched some of these guys and gals training like true athletes. And I'm like, man, I'll never be there. I'll never, because I've never been to that level in my life. And when I left the physical therapist's office, when I had seven months there, um, by the way, just, uh, you know, I love my car. The day I graduated from physical therapy is the day I bought that 67. Oh, is that so? Yeah, that, that was, that was kind of, and it wasn't my gift to myself. It fell into my lap. I really believe that was life's gift to me for saying, for staying faithful, for staying true and for working hard to do what I deserve, because that was a life goal of mine. Um, when I was leaving the physical therapist's office, my last month, uh, the physical therapist would always say, I can't talk about other people's cases. And I would actually be able to say, he has this injury. Because I've been there for seven months, I could learn to diagnose what people were doing based off their workouts. And I actually told the therapist, if anybody ever asks what I'm doing and what I've been doing, tell them everything. Tell them what my injury was. Tell them my progression. Tell them my path. Share my story because I wanted to be an inspiration. And I had several people come up to me and go, dude, you're an athlete, bro. I watch you work out here every day. I watch you carrying things. You're throwing weights around. And I think you remember during my, my recovery of my physical therapy, I got in shape back to, you know, I felt like I developed into a man with those abs, dude. There you go. Um, people, you don't have to, and, and I, that's a good reminder for me as well. I don't have to get out there and do do a bunch of bench presses. I don't have to go out there and do a bunch of uh, 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 squats, maybe body weight squats. Cause dude, if you haven't done a bunch of body weight squats in your life, go do three sets of 10 body weight squats. Go do that once a day. I dare you. I dare you. And Jeremy, what do you think of somebody just starting out with three sets of 10 body weight squats in a day? I mean, yeah, that was, uh, that's exactly where I would, I was going to go next is, Hey, yeah, just use your body weight. Just squat. I mean, you squat on the toilet almost every day, right? A couple of times. Like if you can do that, you can do body weight squats. Um, and then, Hey, next week, 15, next week, 20, so forth. And then we start adding the bar. So, um, yeah, I think that's a, a, a really good option. Just, uh, sit there in front of the TV and, uh, do 20 squats in between commercials or whatever, in between your shows. Um, very, very, very good, uh, train of thought right there, man. What, I, what's your favorite lift to do? Uh, I like the snatch. 
All right. Yeah. You like the snatch. I like the snatch. You I knew, like I knew DJ was going to say something about that, but like yes. I said, classically trained Olympic lifter. I like the Olympic lifts. Uh, I like the snatch and the clean and jerk. Um, but uh, I don't know. What about you? Uh, I really like to snatch a kettlebell. I don't like snatching okay. the bar all that much. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think because I'm a small guy, I'm short, I've always been good at the deadlift, which makes me right. like it even more. What's your deadlift, bro? 405. That's pretty good. That's not, that's not bad, <laughs> dude. Wow. Did you see his eyes yeah, when you that's said four hundred five? I I wasn't I think expecting he has a man over crush. I wasn't expecting over four hundred. That's I, good. I've I've held. I used to pick a, a four forty up off the rack. I'd put it on a squat rack up on the on the pegs and just. I I, I thought that my grip was the was the weakest spot of my deadlift. Mm-hmm. That the weight would fall out of my hands before I had it all the way to the top, but uh, that's not true. I'm just not great at it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm very, I'm very decent would, at it, but I'm not I wouldn't not say that 405 is not great. I, I would say a majority of people can't deadlift over it's, 400 pounds. It's pretty decent for, for yeah. weighing, you know, 140 it's, pounds. Yeah, What's you got to think about that then? too as well. Uh, mine's actually not that that much better. I'm 455, and, uh, you know. Dude, I got the 55 it, part covered. Yeah, okay, well, uh, <laughs> you, you can see guys, and I have a high training age. You can see guys with my training age, maybe a little bit heavier than me, over 500. Um, it's just not one of my strong lifts, but um, it, I wouldn't say it's bad lift. But uh, yeah, man, that's that's good to hear. I didn't, I had no idea you were into uh, into weightlifting like that. So I, I used to be pretty spoiled in the uh, in the world of of the gyms that I got to play at. And do you know what Jim Jones is? I do. Yeah. So I used to get to train at Jim Jones. Oh, Time that's out. unique. I I don't. So you've seen the movie Three Hundred? I have not. You haven't seen Three Hundred? I haven't seen Three Hundred, and I haven't seen Gladiator. Okay, Jason well, Hyder do you, caught me. Do you today. know what the movie Three Hundred is? I do. The super shredded Three Hundred Spartan guys. Yes. So there was a gym responsible for training these guys to appear in that movie and have them look so, so shredded. And okay. this is this gym called Jim Jones. Okay. Do you know who Jim Jones as a as a person is? No. So uh, the Jonestown Master, he was a cult leader. A bunch of people that uh, drank the Kool Aid. Have you heard that phrase, drinking the Kool-Aid? Oh, yeah, yeah. Is the people that drank the Kool-Aid and killed themselves as part of a cult. So that's Jim Jones is the leader of this cult, spelled J-I-M. And so like the person, Jim, Jim Jones. So this facility, this training gym is spelled G-Y-M, Jim Jim Jones, named after uh, this cult leader. I get it. So uh, Jim Jones, it's an invite-only place. And I just happened to meet someone who was a a trainer there who invited me to, to come work out. And uh, it was it was it was great. There's a wealth of knowledge, really, uh, really skilled and experienced people there. But it was also awful. Like that, the mentality there is you just uh, just destroy yourself on on every workout, which I think uh, is mentally beneficial for people that really know how to drive themselves into a hole and keep going. Mm-hmm. But I think the the science is coming out more and more that it's just not super productive uh, and healthy for your body to to really be pushed super super far like push to failure every time your body uh doesn't recover from like your exercise is only beneficial to the point that your body can recover from it right so if you're doing more damage to your body than your body can recover from before the next workout then you've wasted all of that work and you're putting yourself behind a a really well-known ufc fighter and wwe wrestler brock lesnar he suffered from and i can't think of the name of it right now diver Diverticulitis. Diverticulitis. Diverticulitis, yeah. And that is a failure of working out too far, working too much that your body now is starting to collapse and eat itself up. So definitely. Um, 
Is that right? Is that the right word? Diverticulitis. I know that that is indeed a syndrome, but I don't think that. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure. you're thinking right. about rhabdo. Rhabdo. That's yeah, what I'm rhabdo. thinking. I, of, I think yeah. that's what you guys are yeah. going for. Rhabdomyolysis. I know he was. Uh, I know he was di- diagnosed with uh, diverticulitis. Okay. Um, I do know. I that's thought the diverticulitis was something in the intestinal tract, like and pockets for, in the intestinal tract where something's caught. His was part of in the didn't. Uh, I wish I was track. sitting in front of a magical box that could tell me all these. The things. computer and I and dude in my forty three year old brain I could definitely be remembered one hundred percent wrong. As you said earlier, I'm very open to the fact that I'm probably wrong. Um, while you're looking that up and, and while we're going further, I I got to read this question from a couple buddies and and I just I appreciate these guys interacting. Cody Edgeworth, man, Cody, it's I didn't know Cody actually ever listened to what we do and Cody, I'm super stoked to have you out there, um, Cody. And I'm going to have to, I'm going to let you read that. It's the first one right there. Cody, do you like push, pull, something or the other? Uh, yeah. So what he's talking about is um, push, pull, meaning, hey, uh, I'm going to do a, a push, push exercise, a bench press and overhead press, followed by a pull exercise. And those are the, that's the grouping of exercises I'm going to do that day. And then the next day, I'm, which is, Usually predominantly upper body. And then the next day, I'm going to do a lower body exercise. So like maybe bench press and then lat pull downs. Yeah, right. So opposing muscle groups. Um, that sure. way you can do them in, in near rapid succession of one another and not one's not tiring out the other um, in, in theory. And, that, and, that's, and typically, that's, wor- uh, that's what works. And yes, I, I absolutely am a huge fan of push-pull workouts. One, because it saves you time. Um, it'll kind of give you that cardiovascular response to um, resistance training because you're going from one to the other and, you, and it doesn't take as much time. Um, and they are opposing uh, muscle groups, so um, you can do them back-to-back like that. And then, yes, I do agree uh, that it's, it's not a bad idea to train legs on a, on a single day, but I would argue what I do now, and I think this is what works best for myself and most people, is, hey, I start out with a big lift. So I start out with a triple extension exercise. So um, ankles, knees, hips, triple extension. You think squat, you think deadlift, you think any Olympic lift something like that. Um, so I start out with a big triple extension exercise, uh, whether it's a power lift or Olympic lift, and then I go into my push pulls, okay, with maybe some lower body accessories like uh, lunging, stuff like that. Um, so I actually like the idea of push pulls and, and legs being separate, but I put them on the same day. Um, okay. And typically your push pull will be after your big lift, which let's be honest, your big lifts are mainly your lower body lifts, your squats, your deadlifts, your Olympic lifts, and it's real lower body dominant, okay? Um, and then go into your push-pull. I work out five days a week doing that because I've gotten to that point. A lot of people will do three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, with the, the day of rest in between. Um, some people will do four, four days, uh, whatever that works out to be. But yeah, if you're doing one day of all legs and then the next day of push pull and then the next day of all legs, that's not wrong either. I just at my at my level, and I don't know where Cody's at right now. I'm sure he might be there as well. But yeah, you can do it all in the same day too. I uh, back back to most of my massive time in the gym was at seven months through physical therapy, and I, the last five months were intense, like actually getting to work out, like I knew what I was doing. Um, I don't know if it was the right reasons, but I actually did legs every day. Although I did focus leg days where mm-hmm. I would really hit hard and big and I would do push pull. And the reason I, and I don't know if it was right. One of the reasons I like push pull and changing is because it would rest one muscle group while I worked the next muscle group to reinvigorate. Right. Right. So right. I could, is that, was that a good thought process? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, I end up doing some sort of legs every day as well. And it's, it's usually my main lift. And then I do a push pull, maybe two, two push pulls uh, as a superset. Um, and then I do my accessory stuff or my conditioning, yeah. whichever is coming up that day. So yeah, um, that's, that's definitely a way, to, a, a, a good way to do it. I think 
I don't want you to overdo it. I think maybe what Cody is saying is, hey, I'm going to do an entire day of legs and destroy my legs, which is, is, which is a way to do it. And then I'm going to do an entire day of upper body push pulls. And then the next day I'm going to do legs again while my upper body rests. So you can do it that way as well. Or you can just train each one to lower volume each day. And then you get the same amount of work, maybe even actually more if you train them every day, but you don't put as much emphasis on each, each uh, part of your body's volume. So we're talking frequency versus intensity. Yeah, so I, I like, okay, so frequency I would describe as something as like how many days a week you're working out, which kind of plays into volume, but volume is the total number of reps and sets mm-hmm. you're doing in that typical session. Okay. And intensity is the physical amount of weight. So like okay. a max effort lift is really intense, even though the volume's really low because it's only one rep, but it's the most intense rep you're going to do. Yeah. So if you look at it that way, that's kind of how it's, uh, it's kind of defined in the exercise community. Makes, makes total sense. Um, what about ab workouts? Like, hey, uh, how often ab, do you my favorite, recommend my favorite. workouts? So now we're getting in the wheelhouse. Uh, I only have a minor in nutrition, so I'm actually better at, at speaking in, in, you know, physical performance and, and physical. Uh, well, look at you, man! You're so, a specimen. Well, yeah, I wouldn't. I, your words, not mine. So, <laughs> do, do you agree with the statement? Abs are made in the kitchen. Abs. I know. So he hit it right on the head. Yeah, absolutely. Abs are mostly diet, and but. You can, you can believe that to a, a point, but at the same time, yes, the abs are a muscle group and a very big and important muscle group. So yes, you do have to train them. I would not train them to get abs. I would train them um, to get a better core, which is going to translate into other lifts. And it's also going to keep you safer, keep you away from things like lower back problems. So I would train them for that regard, not to be able to see a six pack. I would eat well to be able to see a six pack. Um, and I would and I would exercise to burn calories to be able to see a six pack, but I wouldn't do direct ab work. And I rarely do direct ab work. If I do, it's planks. It's stuff. It's stability, not uh, not strength Horse exercise. Strength. Yeah. So anything. So I define stability ab work as anything where the spine's not moving. So you're resisting movement. So you take an external load and you move it to the side of your body or around your body while maintaining a, a neutral mm-hmm. spine. Um, you're in a plank, you're maintain, you're resisting gravity that wants to bend you down and, and take you to the floor. Um, and then I would define ab strengthening exercise, which they all kind of strengthen them, but I would define that as actual movement, crunching of the abs, movement, side movement, um, whatever it may be. Uh, and you got to think your abs are a muscle too. Okay. So you see a lot of bodybuilders with these distended bellies. They just a big ball full of abs because their abs are so big. Yeah. They're also 5% body fat. So you can see them. But they're really, really big ball full of abs. And, and you, it's more prevalent in the off-season than when they're actually on stage because they're so dehydrated. But, um, yeah, so I would focus more so on not necessarily putting a lot of resistance to it, but actually just doing more stability exercises. If you want to do a few resistance uh, exercises, that's, that's not a bad thing. But, yeah, so stability before resistance. And if you do do resistance, don't put a whole lot of resistance on it because until you lose that layer of fat through nutrition, um, it's just going to really make that – that piece a little bit bigger on your body because you're going to grow. They're going to grow just like any other muscle with resistance. But if you have that layer of fat where you can't see them, it's just going to make it that layer of fat appear bigger. So that's why sometimes you see a really big, uh, not, uh, well, bodybuilder yeah. who's not looking for muscle as far as definition, but you see a really big bodybuilder who looks fat. Yeah. He's got really good abs and he can probably, he's probably got a really strong core, but he's been really focused on getting that crunch, getting that, that ab, uh, that, that muscular contraction in his abs to build his abs, but he's really just doing more harm than good. So I, I love what you say because it, it reinforces my mindset is when my six pack showed up, the majority of what I did 
for ab workout was core strength. You know, a lot of planking, a lot of push-ups, a lot of stability drills stability, where my core, yeah. core would stay still. I did crunches some, but not yeah. much. You don't and, need them. Yeah. yeah. And for me, abs, I, I don't want abs. I don't want to see my abs because I think they look good. I want to see my abs because it means I'm working hard. It exactly. means I'm earning. You're, you're at a leaner weight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I and sorry I, I keep looking at the screen because I'm actually reading some of these questions. So Kevin Craig is my buddy who keeps who's asking about the ab workout stuff. So he's asking high reps. Yeah. So uh, typically that's how it's uh, how you're going to elicit a response with with abdominal muscles. So I wouldn't, especially if you're doing just your body weight. Yes, you're going to have to do high reps. If I have say a 25 pound plate on me when I'm doing crunches, yeah, I'm probably going to do a little bit lower reps. Because I have that external load. But if I'm holding a plank for a minute, yes, that's good. If I'm holding a plank with a 45-pound plate on me, can I necessarily do that for a minute? I can work up to it. But I'm going to start out at a lower, lower uh, time frame or lower reps. Um, I would caution you to do a lot of high-rep ab movements. because, And here's why. For the reason I said before, the muscle can grow. But what happens when you do high-rep activities in the muscle group, you're starting to elicit a hypertrophy response. And if people have heard this word before, hypertrophy, what does that mean? It means muscle growth. So typically what's associated with hy muscle hypertrophy is higher reps, the, the 12 plus rep range, um, not the five to six, or sorry, the um, three to five, which is more muscle strength, overall weight you can lift. So if you start doing high repetition weighted abs, you're, you're even accentuating that process of muscle growth. So, hey, um, what, what was your friend's name? Kevin. Kevin. So if Kevin is already there where he can see a six pack and he's, he's already at probably 10% or less body fat where he can really get a defined six pack. Sure. Go ahead and pop those abs. But if you're not there, you can't really see it too much. Like that's not, that is not what's going to get you there. It's like I said, it's, it's proper nutrition and, and other things first and foremost. But once you're there, absolutely, you know, weight those abs, get them to pop, get them to, to stand out. Um, Get them at, pop. at that point, yeah. It's it a, sounds sexy, man. It's my uh, super, uh, you know, technical term, but yeah. So um, I hope that answers this question. At a point, yes, but initially, no. I would not do a whole lot of heavy weighted abdominal exercises. And that's so backwards to conventional thought. Now you have an educated thought, but most of my friends, if I were to talk to my average friend, I bet you they would argue that and say backwards. They also aren't educated and don't know what they're talking about. So it's, it's interesting to hear that because I wouldn't have thought that outside of back to man. If you ever listen to me talk about working out, the person I will quote the most is Juliana. Back to my physical therapist. I learned so much about proper training, about proper choices of exercises, about proper technique, about how much weight to use or not use. And that, and that was really the big thing, how much weight to not use. If, if you can't keep your form while working out, then you're probably using too much. And you need to keep that form because I shouldn't be stressing my core. I should be strengthening my core. Absolutely. I think that's, that's, um, that's pretty spot on right there, yeah. Oh, I said something smart about you about working out. <laughs> but you stole it from somebody else. So. Uh, dude, you, she, she has her... Uh, Don't we all, though? She had her doctorate in uh, physical therapy, so she's right. very smart yeah. and very sexy physical therapist. I didn't need to go to physical therapy for seven months. She's a hot blonde, so I went to physical therapy for seven months. Cool. Uh, <laughs> just a smart way to do it. Uh, working out, is, so as important as working out is... This is my biggest downside. So is important to stretching. And I kind of want to, one of my goals with this is always to bring this back to skydiving. And, and I'll bring it back to a skydiving story. 
Uh, I've always encouraged and talked about stretching. I do it much less than I probably should, so I'm a huge hypocrite to that. Uh, good night, Cody. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Cody is just saying thanks and everything. Um, stretching is super important, and, and one of the places... I think it's obvious skydiving will help in stretching, but we had a friend show up to the drop zone, uh, Valerie, and I don't know if you know this story. This is a pretty fun story for us, Baby Gap. Mm. Valerie, I'm the chief instructor at Skydive Spaceland at the time. My wife is helping run the STP program, the student program, and she, she's crushing it. She's really the key on the weekends. On weekdays, I do the job. And I'm working with a student, and Valerie comes up, and she, she waits. She's just standing there. I'm like, yeah, dear, what can I do for you? She goes, I need to talk to you about a student. Do you have a moment? I'm like, absolutely, I can come help you. If you don't mind, give me a little bit of a sneak peek so when I come over, I know what to expect. I got a student who can't touch his main handle, and that's all she tells me. And I'm thinking, what kind of girly man, what kind of wuss can't touch his handle? And I mean, I, in my mind, tore this dude down. So I take about two more minutes to finish my debrief. Hey, such and such, you have a great night, you know, a great day. It was great jumping with you. I'll catch up with you next week. And I walk up, and in my mind, I'm once again thinking, what kind of little girly man wears a skirt and can't touch his main handle? And for you non-skydivers, people who don't, who don't jump, basically to deploy my main parachute, my main handle is on the bottom of my rig. My rig is a giant backpack or a small backpack, depending on what size parachute you jump. And that handle is basically, if you were to put your wallet in your back right pocket, that's where your parachute handle is. Reach back to your back right pocket where you keep your wallet, and that's what you got to touch. Who can't grab their wallet, right? I walk up, and I see this kid named Patrick Howell who is yoked. <laughs> I mean, the kid's like, okay, I'm no longer going to make fun of him for being a girly man. And I introduce myself. I'm like, let me see you touch your handle. And he's like, and, and stresses. I'm like, okay. Cool, meet him. I find out, actually, he's your friend at that point, and actually, you're also his trainer. Uh, he trains train with, me. with me. Yeah, okay, so he was in a physical trainer, too. Yeah, so I actually look at him. I say, how often does Jeremy give you grief about not stretching after working out? All the time. And I'm like, so do you get that you need to stretch before and after every workout? Yeah. And oddly enough, or, or awesomely enough, is he couldn't even come close, man. He wasn't within a foot. Not even within a foot. He might have been two feet away from his handle. Dude, you saw, you remember how yoked he was. Easy to believe. He came back one week later and he could touch his handle. Not only could he touch his handle, I actually tried to take away from him. He could touch it. And that shows how flexible we can become quickly if we focus on stretching. How important is stretching to pre and post workout? Um, I think it's way more important post, especially static stretching. We talk about holding a position for a prolonged period of time. Um, I think warming up, um, active movement is the most important prior to working out. So I, when so I was actively at, moving your body. It's called dynamic stretching. Dynamic stretching is, is another word for it, yeah. So when I was working out and when I was going to the gym uh, three or four times a week, I would actually do a light one-mile jog to warm up. I was told you don't want to push your run hard at the beginning. You want to use it to have that dynamic stretch, that movement. Right. You want to warm warm the, the body up. You want to yeah. warm the muscles up, warm the tissue up, and get the central nervous system firing, ready to move yeah. move whatever it is you're going to do. So I worked out now, and, and I worked out whether it's Braden or Bill, Big Smitty. Big Smitty would work out for about 12 hours straight if he could help it, man. You'd love Braden, dude. I One day, I hope you both are in town together. He is dynamite. Big Smitty is actually the guy who does the voiceovers for Gravity Lab Introduction. 
So when you hear uh, Gravity Lab Radio with DJ Marvin and Nick Lott, that that is Braden Smith. That's Big Smitty. That's the guy behind Mr. P. Uh, how long or how much should I stretch post-workout? So what I do, and this is what I, I, and over the years, this is what I found has worked well because you could spend an hour in the gym, right? And most people spend about an hour and they want to go home. They don't want to spend any more time there. So that's where stretching usually gets neglected, not because they don't want to, because they're just tired and they want to go home. And I'm the, and I fall in the same, uh, the same boat sometimes. So what I do is I have stretching. If, if I, if I can, I have it as a separate, uh, session close to when I get home, but maybe after my meal. Um, if you can and, and you have the discipline to stay in the gym uh, and drink your protein shake right there um, because post-workout nutrition is really important, um, and then also stretch, and absolutely. Um, I would spend, and it depends on your age, um, they say for every decade you have to spend five minutes. That, and that's a good rule of thumb. So every decade, so if you're 40 years old, you spend 20 minutes post-workout stretching. Right? Thanks, because I was doing the math and right? not getting there. So Yeah, so right. Don't uh, worry, it's just because you're old. Yeah, he's like, uh, 60, huh? 60, say? 60, carry Speak the two. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I would say, uh, typically you got to spend 15 to 20 minutes for the, for most people. Um, I would say static stretching is, is, is a good way to go. People like the foam roller thing. Um, and we're starting to learn now that used to be like the thing to do. But now that's more so a thing to do to warm up and, uh, not so much as important. I don't think a static stretching because what we really want to do is we really want to increase the resting length of a muscle because a, uh, a more it is because it gives it its uh, most efficiency at its at its resting uh, natural length so more efficient muscle also is a stronger muscle a healthy healthier muscle you can kind of see how that makes sense right so real quick I just want want to be clear back to not everybody understands these words static stretching that's yep. So holding a position for a prolonged period of time so touching your toes and holding it for t- you know 30 seconds to a minute or whatever it may be Keep going. Sorry. So, okay. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. So static stretching is, I think, is super important. Um, I typically spend about five minutes on the foam roller, the the little rolling device that yeah. rolls out your uh, your fascia tissue, um, on the muscle groups that I worked that day, and only on the muscle groups that I worked that day. If they're sore from the the previous day, I'll, I'll maybe hit those as well. It just depends. And then I'll spend the seventy five percent of the time, majority of the time, doing static stretching because I want to increase the resting length of that muscle. Because one, it's going to be more efficient. It's going to be able to allow me to lift more weight. It's going to keep me safer, which is a huge thing. Um, and it's going to help for me. It's going to. It's it's also going to help with the way the muscle looks and develops. Um, a, a much longer, leaner muscle is going to be um, a, a lot better looking, especially if. if um, you're a lean person, then um, a, a real, this kind of doesn't make sense because if you think about a balled up muscle, you know, maybe that makes you look bigger. But no, it's not, um, it's going to give that muscle shape a, uh, or that muscle a little bit better shape. No, it makes total sense because I, I'll look at a bodybuilder, I'll look at somebody working out, and when they flex and they're showing me their biceps, when their bicep looks like a giant fist on their arm, it looks unhealthy. It looks weird, it right? It looks unnatural. Yeah. So if I look at that guy, I could safely assume that he possibly doesn't stretch or lengthen those muscles enough, um, and he might enough for his style. But for what you're talking about, because I look at your muscles, I look at your biceps, and I notice your bicep encompasses your your whole upper arm. Your humerus is covered in a bicep, where that guy's just a portion of his humerus is covered in a bicep. Right. So stretching is important to, to length of muscle then. Absolutely, yeah. So um, one for safety and, and, and one for efficiency, you know, and then... What about everyday stretching? Like how important is everyday stretching? I know, uh, Mr. P, you love yoga, mainly because you go there for the tight yoga pants. 
No, I go there so I can wear tight yoga pants. That, that's yeah. 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 This dude wears yoga pants more than any girl I know. Yeah. That's not true. I did go through a pretty serious... Not anymore. There was probably a, a time where that was pretty uh, pretty accurate. With the yoga pants part? Oh, yeah. Actually, you haven't been wearing your Yeah, I haven't toes. been in the stretchy pants phase. Hasn't or, been happening. Yeah. What I'm, happened? I don't know. I, uh... Dignity, maybe? Maybe I developed some? I don't know. <laughs> you you saw Stock and Lululemon go down? I mean, is oh, that... Oh, did that happen? I don't know. I don't know, man. Lululemon, man. All right. Yeah. Oh, dude, Lululemon, man. This is that the hotness of the job zone now? Uh, I don't own a single pair of Lululemon, but I see it all the time. Yeah, it's everywhere. It's so ridiculously overpriced, yeah. and it's so made in China right like everything else. It's insane. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a name brand. It's something somebody sells. Yeah. Um, you you love yoga. What what first of all, what do you think about just everyday stretching and what I should do in everyday stretching? And then I want to lead that conversation into where yoga lives in, in, in as far as a stretching lifestyle. And Jimmy Wynn says, Bring it back. Jimmy Wynn wants to see you in tight girly pants. <laughs> Jimmy, keep dreaming, brother. Uh, hey, I got I have one good uh pair of stretchy pants I like right now. So maybe maybe you'll see them a little more often. Yeah. Where well, where does stretching sit in our everyday lifestyle? So I'm a huge fan of yoga uh, as well. I don't do it as much as I should, but uh, I think it's 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 a great form of static stretching as well as some dynamic work. Um, it increases your proprioception, which is basically your awareness of where you're at in space, and so does weightlifting. But yoga is really good about that too. So I think yoga is good. If that's the way you're going to get your stretching in. Absolutely, it's one of the better ways. Um, and and two, because somebody's telling you what to do, or you're or at least looking at an instructional video, or you're following a routine on paper, whatever it yeah. is. Um, it, it's going to get you stretching. And that's essentially what yoga is. It's a form of stretching. Um, yeah, some people might argue the mental benefits as well, but that's, you know, for me, I, I use it for the, the, and that's the stretching something aspect. I think people need to understand. There is a mental and a philosophical and a religious viewpoint to yoga, and there is to anything else. And anybody who's going to get caught up on that part, and when I say caught up, the people who believe that, I respect that, and I have no issues. But the people who say, well, I can't do yoga because of... Take away from yoga what you need to take away from. If my friend has a religious, a spiritual, a philosophical, a mental, uh, wh whatever release from yoga, good for them. But for all of us, yoga is a, a healthy thing. And I've only done yoga two or three times. Valerie has convinced me to, we have a bunch of yoga training videos. I, I think um, Netflix or Hulu, I think it's Netflix. Um, and, and not even there. I know there's websites that have tons of free yeah. yoga workouts and they have yoga workouts for YouTube. beginner yeah. YouTube I mean it, it, it's unbelievable the resource and I like what you said is I've been led through because I'm not I don't understand these workouts I don't understand a good flow I don't have the discipline for timing I don't have the understanding I can follow these yoga workouts and dude if you don't think yoga is a workout go do a 30 minute yoga workout what do you think of that statement oh yoga is absolutely a workout I think when, when I uh, I got talked the first uh, yoga class I went to I got talked into uh, you know I used to do body piercing for a long time yes sir a couple girl clients of mine drug me along to a yoga class and I thought it was I, I was lifting a lot of weights at the time and not stretching like I was the absolute like definition of I'm you were baby gap I was yeah I was totally stiff I couldn't move I couldn't touch my toes uh, there was nothing functional about uh, about the shape of my body I looked uh, I looked good without a shirt on but that's that's like that's all I had but so these <laughs> these girls I, I was talking to them and I said yeah I can't touch my toes They're like, oh come come with us to this yoga class so I went and I checked it out and um, it was cool it was enjoyable uh, there were parts of it that I liked and parts of it that I didn't like and I think that I uh, maybe I went for two months and then uh just quit going and then i didn't pick yoga back up until i moved here and uh there's a place called big yoga that's on uh 
Oh god, it's just off of Allen Parkway and uh, by the Montrose uh, area. But uh, big yoga was awesome, and I and I fell super in love with it. And uh, I don't really enjoy the spiritual aspect of it. It doesn't really do very much for me. It felt uh, it took me a little while to realize that I was just at somebody else's church. But instead of uh, praying to <laughs> God on the cross, you were praying to the to the Lululemon pants, right? <laughs> yes. But uh, I, I think there was for me. I just was very aware of this uh, dissonance between the message that the person at the front was trying to deliver, the spiritual mumbo jumbo coming from a nineteen year old girl, compared to how they actually live their lives. You know, they're talking about all this being free from judgment and blah blah blah. None of this stuff really matters and community and it's like well bitch if, if all that is true what are you doing in a 200 dollar pair of like stretchy pants besides looking good up? yeah sure they're looking good but it's just in complete contradiction to to this message that they're trying to pass off so sure. so i stopped going for a while because i just couldn't handle uh i couldn't handle the message that was coming with it. not that the, the message was necessarily bad they're you know they're preaching good stuff but I don't know that they practice what they preach, and I just don't know that if if, I, the if I'm looking for moral lessons, that's not where I'm going for it, you know? Yeah. But as far as just the exercise of yoga, I think it's great. It's awesome. It uh, increases range of motion, increases strength throughout those different ranges of motion. Like you kind of, for me anyway, I would get access to strengths in different uh, parts of different movements that I just didn't have before if I was if I was just weightlifting. And especially for overhead lifts, it really opened up my shoulders a lot, gave me a lot more... Um, uh, not mobility. That's not the right word. But there, there were more lifts I could do comfortably and could do more weight without it causing pressure in, in, in certain parts of my body. So I like it. I love doing handstands. I love, uh, it's you know, it's a, it's to me, it just feels like playing until the person at the front of the room tries to get too uh, too deep with what they're saying. I just don't like it. So uh, as an activity, love it. As a spiritual uh, activity, it's it's not for me. How much should I stretch on any given day? Like, I'm not working out at all right now. How much should I stretch on any given day? Do you still go with that same decade, five minutes? So on my off days, yeah, I stretch uh, for probably about 30 minutes. So, yeah, I would say if you want to start getting to that spot where you need to be, it's a good thing to do it prior to you actually engaging in sort of resistance training because then you'll be ahead of the curve. So, yeah, I would say uh, five minutes per decade is a a good call, and you can do that while sitting in front of Netflix. And just watching your favorite show and sit on the, sit on the living room floor and, and do some static stretching. And the next thing you know, it's it's over like that. Um, and you didn't really take any extra time from your day. That's the best way I've found to get it in uh, while watching a TV or, a po- or listening to a podcast or whatever it may be. Um, I think that's a good rule. And then obviously the more you start working out, you might have to increase that certain days other than, you know, um, over others when, you know, say you have a, a more uh, tough workout and you, and you really need that extra stretching. So back to yoga real quick. That's also another good way uh, for clients to start getting that body weight resistance training. Um, I didn't mention that earlier, but Nick reminded me of it. Like, absolutely, yeah, it could be considered a workout, especially for um, somebody who's very new to any sort of lifting or, or working out in general. Like, it's going to really tax them to move around their body like that. And that's, you know they're focused on their nutrition and, and yoga is easy. They don't feel like they're working out. I think that was a part, one thing that I was shocked about when I first went to yoga is there were, there was a woman next to me that she was probably in her sixties, really thin, someone who I looked at and didn't think that this was an athletic person, you know, but, uh, she did really well all through the, the class and I was struggling, like struggling is an understatement. I was, you know, I, I would stumble, I'm dripping sweat. I'm a huge mess. 
and this 60 year old thin lady is just going through the movements like it's like it's not a big deal so i think that body type and uh previous fitness level probably plays of the what are you looking at over here Sorry, DJ's over my shoulder again. It's freaking me out. But, uh, you know, your, your previous fitness is probably going to make a big difference with how challenging yoga is. Like tiny little skinny girls who are already flexible. Like my girlfriend's a perfect example. She's 95 pounds and is super limber. And yoga is her favorite thing. And I can go to... Dude, to a, they met doing a handstand off at the drop zone. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. I won. And I rub it in her face at every opportunity. But, uh, <laughs> no, she... Like, I can do a yoga class next to her. And I mean, sure, it's still difficult for her in the sense that, you know, static hold is just difficult. But like for me, I feel like my hamstrings are going to bust out of the backs of my <laughs> legs. And I know that she's not having that feeling. And it's like my shoulders just they just don't do like she can do a standing split with her foot straight up in the air. Yeah. And she's got a totally normal look on her face like it's not a big deal. You know, I'm just chilling. I'm, yeah, I'm trying to push my. Heel but she up. can't deadlift 405. She, you she know? definitely so there cannot you go. do that. There you go. <laughs> There's the trade-off. She does carry about 140 pounds of dead weight every day, though. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about only... So I'm going to get back to that question here in a second, Brooke. Mr. P, I'm going to have to answer your question. So people more than once now, I think twice now, when the camera has been on Mr. P, I've actually snuck myself around the corner and I'm looking at monitors. So what I'm actually doing is, as you know, I have... You got the, the mobile version over there. I got the mobile version yep. of the feed over here and I get to see all the questions we have going on. The thing that I don't like about having this over here is I want to be able to share this with the guest because I want to be able to point out the questions to him as well. Oh, gotcha. So what I figured out tonight is the first time I came over, I looked at the production monitor, the monitor with OBS, the, yep, the, the broadcast gotcha. software. And I looked at the Facebook feed to see what kind of comments I can see, and we don't see anything on that one. Right, yeah, and I'm looking on, I have my personal Facebook up right here on this guy. And when uh, I looked at that one, this. what I noticed is how the questions are listed and how the comments are listed. So what I have figured out is I actually have a another monitor sitting behind you in that closet. And I think what I'm going to try in the future is I'm actually going to put a little monitor right here between us and the camera. So the guests and I, and, and, and Jeremy, I kind of, since you're kind of that guest, I want to get your feedback on this idea. What do you, would it help you if you could see a monitor to see what's going on? Because I can see when the camera's on Nick and not on us. Yeah, I think so. And it would kind of drive a little bit of my conversation towards what, uh, what people are asking too, to kind of remind yeah. me to bring up some points. So yeah, absolutely. I think that'd be a good cool. idea. So that's, that's what I was looking at. I've noticed you have an HDMI port in the back of your computer. I have a monitor with an HDMI input. Oh, let's hook it up. And yeah, we'll, so next podcast, we'll set that up, which can we just keep making this more complicated every single time sure, I do yeah. it? Give me more buttons. I don't give a shit. The good news is that will give us nothing extra, just just another cable plug-in. So I want to go back to Brooke Fleming. Brooke is a skydiver, really, really sweetheart of a girl. She teaches yoga as she well. She is a yogi, yes, absolutely, and is what she does for a job now. What about only yoga? Would you say that's enough of a workout? So... I, I don't know Brooke, so I don't know what her goals are, and I don't know like what her body composition uh, necessarily is, or, or where she wants to be at. But skinny fit girl. Okay, and, and most most yoga teachers are, so that's what I that's what I figured. But it depend depending on the goal, at some point, yoga is always going to be good, and it's always going to be something for her to fall back on, and it's never bad to to just only do that. But at some point. What are her goals? Does she want to increase her lean body mass, um, her lean tissue, meaning she wants to get a little bit, I use lean because that's what usually what, or tone, because that's what females typically like to say. Like, I want to tone up. Like, well, look, at some yeah, point, girl. at some point, you're going to have to add some extra external resistance than just your body. 
Okay, now great, you got the stretching aspect and you got the proprioception, the balance, and you got some workout from yoga, but how long has she been doing? How many sessions a week does she do? She's probably done hundreds and hundreds of yoga sessions if that's what she teaches. Um, her body's adapted. I hate to say it. Your body, you might get a good workout every time, but your body internally has adapted to that, to your own body weight. And, it's, and eventually you're going to have to introduce external loads to get that. Well, it's one of the principles of exercise and that's progr uh, progressive overload in order to elicit a response, elicit growth, elicit all that stuff that you need to increase your lean body mass. So eventually, yes, if that's your goal, um, if your goal is to continue to be flexible and just be good at yoga and, and, that, and that's, that's perfectly fine. And if you're at a healthy weight and you are happy with where you're at, absolutely. But Hey, uh, I'm, I'm this yoga instructor and I really want to lose like maybe five more pounds. I just can't seem to get it off. Well, probably because your body is not, it's, it's not getting anything out of yoga anymore. Like you are, yes, you're getting something out, but you're not eliciting any sort of overload response. You're not eliciting any sort of new introduction to your body. So it's not, it's, it's not going to work as hard as you would think. It's not going to work as hard as somebody like say Nick, who goes in yoga for the first time is absolutely crushed by it, you know, because it's a new modality. It's a new, it's a new stressor on his body to her. That's to her body. That's normal. It's like, ah, oh, no big deal. Another yoga session. Yeah. I'll sweat a little bit, but uh, so is that's that, my answer to that, depending on your goals. Is that true True of all workouts, you know, and so I do just yoga. At some point, it's not going to have as much benefit as it does early on, and I need to change Absolutely. the workout. Absolutely, and, and especially, uh, I, I wouldn't say so much with yoga because, like I said, yoga is also a form of stretching, so that's always good no matter what. But you start thinking about resistance training, and you start doing the same thing, same thing over again. Let's just take, say, for example, bodyweight squats and push-ups, as we were talking about earlier. If all I do is bodyweight squats and push-ups, and I do the same number the same amount of sets every day, eventually it's actually going to become counterproductive to me because my body is going to get so used to that volume and intensity that those same parameters every day that in fact, it's not going to elicit a response anymore when you do it. So essentially what you're doing is you're, you're, you're kind of, you're not wasting your time. I hate to say that, but yeah, you're not, you're not doing what you need to do. Not as productive. Uh, you're not as productive. You're not as, you're, your body's just so efficient at that right there. It's, it's main, your body's always maintaining a balance. It's always struggling to maintain homeostasis. So just a, a state of balance, a state of, of, uh, balance within your body. So yeah, eventually you're going to have to introduce, uh, whether it's more volume, more intensity, combination of both external loads. So for yoga, yeah, maybe she can do an uh, additional session or, I mean, I don't know, maybe you can put a weight vest on for yoga, but additionally, you know, uh, she's going to have to start doing some sort of a, uh, another form of exercise. And I would suggest and maybe some form of resistance training. I'm obviously a big advocate for that. But again, depending on your goals, um, if she's happy where she's at and yoga has been working for her and, and she's exactly where she needs to be, then yeah. don't, don't mess with a good thing. But if you, if she has additional goals then there's probably going to be something else she needs to do. other than See, just I mean, yoga. I've known Brooke since before she started doing yoga and she's always been like, she's had a really great female shape to her body. Like she's got, She's sexy, dude. You said it, not me. That's, dude. That's a married lady. You're a married man. You can get away I'm with a married it. man. She's a married lady. Brooke is a sexy... If you like tone-fit women, Brooke is a sexy but lady. She already had How a really doing, great build for yoga just to make her body more flexible. And one thing that I've noticed in, in my own experience of doing yoga is, for me, it's just... It's, it's always been hard because it's always a struggle for me to go further into a stretch because it's... There's not. It doesn't take very much for me to be uh, exerting myself uh, pretty substantially in, in a stretch, where you know as as you get better, now you can go deeper into into those stretches and uh, you can kind of push yourself 
that way. But uh, for someone like Brooke, let's say that Brooke didn't have a butt or didn't have you know a shape to her shoulders or something like that. I uh, I think that is probably what she's going to get a lot more out of when, when you're talking about resistance training mm-hmm. is if there's something that you want to change about the look and, and shape and build to your body, I think that's where uh, resistance training would, would benefit someone like Brooke if she didn't already have that butt. Right, she, absolutely. And, and, and also, I, like I said... <laughs> I said she's sexy. You're talking about her butt. Hey, I'm just being specific. Right. right. So I that. Like so, so okay. So that too, and and I'll get to my last point here. So that too. Um, yes, absolutely. What what also we need to consider is what what's what's her weight goal? I mean, is she where she needs to be? I don't know. You guys probably can answer yeah, this she's, better. She's uh, so no no. Yeah. She doesn't need to gain. She's, she's not trying to lose okay, weight. No, cool. None of that. So perfect perfect scenario. Brooks Brooks exactly where she should be. She's 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 in really good shape. Okay, so now I would I would argue to Brooke as uh, as a as a exercise physiologist say, hey, you're a female, right? What is a common, you know, um, I guess hazard to just being a, a female as you get older is and it's osteoporosis. So uh, a, a common trend you see is is women tend to be more susceptible to osteoporosis than than men, and it's it's real prevalent in females. So what is the one way um, to combat that? And that's increase your bone density, right? Um, how do you increase your bone density? Well, you resistance. use resistance training. I learned something. So, and then this is like, okay, so maybe you're not doing it for goals. Let's just get off that then. You're doing it for other reasons too. So, and I don't, I'm not saying she has to go be a bodybuilder. Maybe once a week for a couple of months and maybe twice a week. And then maybe she's doing three, three 30-minute sessions three times a week and that's all she ever does. But that right there is going gonna, is gonna to eliminate a potential health hazard in the future. Not saying that's ever going to happen or hoping does, it doesn't. Um, but, you know, there's other benefits than just say, I want to just increase my butt size, my shoulder size, or I want to get, you know, uh, a little bit of weight loss out of it. So things to consider. Hopefully not the case, but... I want to kind of take in, and, and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm learning through this process, but I want to address Brooke's question to the average person, because we've addressed it to Brooke, who is a very fit person. But I would say the average person, and back to, again, particularly the imagine, um, average American, and oddly enough, we don't have just an American audience. Uh, if you look at the st- st- statistics of who downloads from the UK, who downloads from Australia, we have a lot of Australian friends. It's actually amazing. We have a decent number of people downloading in foreign countries. Canada, UK, uh, Australia are three of the dominant ones. Worldwide. Uh, worldwide. 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 <laughs> Prestige. Prestige. Worldwide. <laughs> um, isn't that... Uh, That's Step Brothers. Okay. No, I was, I was actually thinking of somebody else. I think it was, uh, I was thinking Tom Halford. Uh, Tom Halford is from Parks and Rec. It yeah, is yeah, yeah. Uh, Aziz Ansari. Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, you, you caught me there. Um, the average person is going to not be in the shape, is not going to be the in condition Brooke is in. And I do know a lot of people who think and are relying on yoga specifically for their uh, for their fitness goals. So if I were to take what you just told me, what I believe, or at least what I've interpreted is, is for the average person who's looking for weight loss, the average person who's looking for toning, the average person who's looking for building, that yoga is a great part of the process they should be on. It's not the only thing they should be doing. Right. And uh, so that brings me to the quote of everything works well at the beginning, but not everything will work well forever. So any, I can have a, 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 somebody who's never worked out in their life and I haven't tied their shoes for a week and they'll lose weight. Okay. But eventually they're going to stop losing weight. Um, if they don't, then I mean, they're a rarity. So eventually somebody can start out doing yoga and lose a ton of weight and get all these benefits out of it. And it's great. And then they're going to, st- and then eventually they're going to get to a point where they stop. Um, 
the, the responses are going to slow down or they're going to stop all, all together. And then that's when you got to consider other forms um, while continuing to do the yoga as well, because it is beneficial and maybe they like it. But you got you to start considering that eventually it, it, the results may slow down and, and they probably will. It's for me like a relationship. It's if Valerie and I were to get together and do the same things and only the same things we did fresh in our relationship, it would only be exciting for so right. long. And eventually that relationship would be stagnant and would die. And you've been in both of you and, and a lot of our friends have been around Valerie and I and, and people mock us. You're like little junior high kids. How do you keep that passion? How do you keep that love? How do you guys are? How are you so lovey dovey? And it's vomiting. That's that's for episode 10 when, that's when for episode Val, 10. Val comes on. Yeah. And <laughs> For, for I think both of us, a big part of it is not just communication, but it associates to this workout idea is we're always trying to not become stagnant. When things become stagnant in relationships, when things become stagnant in workout, they are no longer productive. You don't need to necessarily abandon the things you've been doing, but you need to build on that relationship, that relationship with a woman, that relationship with a man, uh, that relationship with a workout routine. It, it, it growth happens because of building, not because of sitting still. And and I don't know if it's necessarily a fair analogy, but my brain works in fun ways, especially after I've been having a good night drinking scotch. Um, thankfully, I, I quit early tonight. Um, there was one night I drank a little more than I probably should have, and I don't remember. And we it. talked about Pornhub a lot that night. What? what so, <laughs> what's that? Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, all I will tell you is VR goggles. And Pornhub. <laughs> Here we go. I, I took it down the I wrong think, road. I think I'm that's sorry. a new thing. Yeah, yeah. Dude, yeah. go get a pair of VR goggles, <laughs> put your cell phone in it, and go to Pornhub.com VR section. I don't. Hank doesn't like porn. Jason Hyder doesn't like porn, and they're both sold. Now, I've actually only seen this once. I'm sold just because I want to experience that for the first time, whether I like it or not. I got to try it. <laughs> Nick's got an extra cell phone sitting right there, and there's a pair of VR goggles conveniently sitting oh, over gosh. here. Oh, so, Lord. <laughs> um, also saved for episode 10. All right. We'll, so we'll let we'll, Valerie check it out. Pornhub with Valerie. Awesome. Um, I'm actually hoping episode 10 is is going to be Raul. A few people know we're trying to get Raul. Raul is a Venezuelan buddy of ours. And we really want to talk about what's going on in Venezuela with the politics and, and with what's going on with the presidency there. And, and right now, Madero, they're trying to make a lot of changes. They're actually... Uh, in, in Venezuela, Madero is actually trying to create what I would almost call an electoral college. Is he's trying to create a, a panel of like 300 people who are voted in by the people and are representatives of the people. But their elections have been fixed time and time again. So I, I don't know how true it is. I'm going to be curious to hear Raul's take. Do you really believe this election of 300 people who are going to run the elections, who are going to be the people who vote people in the power, are really going to be truly open voted? Or you think this is going to be a fixed thing? So whole nother conversation. Yeah. Episode 10, hopefully Raul can confirm he's got a very busy life with wife and kids. So we're trying to get that. Uh, back to skydiving. How important is it to skydiving? So I do a lot of coaching and skydiving. Uh, I'm constantly canopy coaching, which, I mean, first of all, people, I'm not trying to pimp my services here. Get canopy coaching. When you're skydiving, free fall is just for fun. Landing is saving your life. And it's amazing because I watch people get coaching in the wind tunnel. I watch people get coaching in free fall, and I am not telling you to stop that. Get coaching. But like you said, with yoga, diversify. Your skydiving is going to grow with good coaching in every aspect. And get canopy coaching. And the thing that I see when I'm coaching... We just did a coach course together for three days. 
when I'm coaching people on Canopy or Freefall or whatever it is, people get caught up with what they're doing and they don't feed their body. And, and Google this, folks. Look at what the caloric burn is. Look at how many calories you burn just by thinking and learning new information. It is so important to your learning process to fuel that body. Talk to me about nutrition pre, during, post skydiving. Um, yeah, so I would say that I most people at the job zone neglect the uh, the nutrition because you get caught up in skydiving all day. You're you're going around. You're maybe on a team and you're doing all these jumps, and you don't necessarily think about what you're eating. In fact, you're you're just slamming Red Bulls, and then next thing you know, it's at the end of the day, and you're like, oh crap, I haven't eaten anything. Um, so one. Being properly fueled is is gonna is gonna help with your your brain function. Okay, so your brain is is a tissue just like anything else. It's it's an organ uh, with tissue just like anything else, um, and it requires nutrients, um, nutrients to maintain function, nutrients to maintain, uh, you know, the, uh, the walls of the cells and stuff like that in the brain and and, and all that good stuff. So, uh, you don't feed the brain the proper nutrition, it's not gonna work as efficiently. Same thing with the muscles. Um, so pre is very important during is probably the most boring. That's the most neglected. And I would also say with like things like water consumption, um, cause what you typically see is a bunch of people just running around with Red Bulls, um, not properly hydrating. And then, I mean, you don't see any, and I, I say this term, like you're, you're Scott, you're, whether you're on a team or not, you're, you're some sort of athlete. Like it's, it's a sport. So you're it's some variation of an athlete in the sport of skydiving. Um, and you don't see any other athlete of any other sport not not take care of their nutrition, especially professional athletes, especially um, you guys who work in the industry, and then other and other guys who are competing. Like you guys are professionals of some sort in in the sport of skydiving. So, you know, why would you not take the uh, aspect of nutrition and taking care of yourself to be better at that sport? Um, uh, it just doesn't make sense to me. So, yeah, it's super important. Um, post not so much as the during um, for skydiving in general. Obviously, you want to keep the post going just because you want to maintain that healthy lifestyle. But I would say for skydiving in particular, um, pre and during is, is you got to be really cognizant of what you're doing during the day. And what I would suggest to people and what I did when I would show up at the drop zone all day is I would have my three or four meals already prepped and I would have small snacks in between every jump or every two jumps or whatever I'm doing that day. And I would just constantly be fueled and then um, like you said, I hate to say it, try to stay away from the deli, try to stay away from the gas station and the corner store, um, bring your own food, um, prep just like you would prep your gear prior, prep your food. I want, That's I want, simple. I want to talk a little bit about the food choices because for, for a long time, I've always believed in what we're talking about here with nutrition and, and eating while I'm skydiving. And for a long time, I actually relied on nutrition bars, you know, cliff bars, lower bars, things like that. And when I started becoming more aware of my sugar intake, I started looking at the nutrition label of everything. And the first thing today I still look at is sugar. And then I go from there to protein, to fats and stuff like that. But sugar is one of the first things I look at. And it amazes me at how much sugar things have. Alora Bar, who's super well known for being very nutritious and very healthy, has near the same amount of sugar as some Snicker bars. So as the Snicker bars does. Um, so these energy bars, these, these meal supplement bars, these uh, other bars, I I don't think they're necessarily bad. I mean, it's better than not eating. There's no doubt mm-hmm. about that. 
but I, I don't, and please tell me if I'm wrong, I don't necessarily believe they're right, and they're the best for you. And Nick, actually, you introduced me to a brand called Quest Bars, Q-U-E-S-T. I love Quest Bars. Um, I actually love Quest Bars. And Nick, by the way, the banana nut bread one. Yeah, pretty on point. The Breakfast. bomb. Have you had the mint chocolate chunk? I have not. I had the, the chocolate chunk. Yeah, the double chocolate chunk is pretty that good. That was okay. The mint chocolate chunk I really like. There's, uh, I think, like strawberry cheesecake or something. I saw that. also pretty good. Yeah. I, today yes. I had the banana nut bread, and dude, banana nut bread Quest Bar in my quiver now, dude. I will have, have you heated it up food. yet? <laughs> See, I discovered heating it up Shut on accident. Shut your mouth. Because dude, I, I'm about I, to take your Quest Bar game to the whole new level. Wait a minute. Heat how do you heat those things up? up? 10 to 15 seconds in the microwave on a paper towel. See, I, I, had, I did mine on accident. I had it, Don't in, do my, it too long. in my back pocket and was sitting on it. Working on my computer for an hour, I was like, "Oh yeah. fuck, my Quest Bar!" and pulled it out, and it was all mushy and oh, from man. from being sat on. And, he, and it'll change. It'll heat. change your world. Mine was yeah. up the Quest Bar today. It wasn't as solid as it would normally be, so it was a little bit, but it wasn't like what you're talking about. Yeah. And I will definitely say a a room temperature warm Quest Bar was much better than just a a normal because it, it, it it softens up, like you said, mushy, makes it easier to digest because they are very dense yeah. uh, Quest Bars. Absolutely love it. So, so back to the idea. The question is: people look at some of these ideas, and, and I don't think having a Cliff Bar is bad. I think it's better than not eating anything. But man, realize what you're putting in your body. So, if I show up to the drop zone today, um, what should I be eating? And I'll tell you some of the things I'm doing. I commonly have for that regular frequent snack nuts. I love nuts in my mouth. <laughs> What? Who um, doesn't? You who know? doesn't, man? Who doesn't? Um, now, I also go, I, I highly prefer salted nuts, but I actually commonly go with unsalted nuts just because I try to maintain or, 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 or moderate the amount of sodium in my diet, and, and I just have to be careful of that. Uh, salads are, are very common. I like to have a lot of greens, vegetables. Uh, Nick doesn't always get excited about this next one. I regularly have an apple around, a fruit. I really like having... See, I, I don't mind a piece of fruit. And I do half of my diet used to be fruit. That was a really hard thing yeah. for me to to give up when I started trying to do the, the low-sugar, low-carb deal. That, uh, you know, I, honestly, everything that I would eat up until I went home, almost all of it was fruit. And I thought, oh, this is... A, it's, it's raw fruit. It's all, you know, it's natural. It's organic. It's whatever... But uh, I, I do notice a difference, uh, especially with my digestion, not having that stuff. Okay, so on that. Sorry, <laughs> another tangent, sorry. Yeah, no, no. Um, yeah, so uh, if you, uh, you know, fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. You, you guys have heard that. So you have to prepare. And what I would prepare, um, and I wouldn't treat it any differently than another day at the office. I, I would bring my lunch. I would bring my, uh, you know, Tupperware of whatever it is you know, your meats and your vegetables and or whatever your carb. And, uh, I would have a, a plastic fork and I would eat that. And that's super easy to eat. There's, there's microwaves at the drop zone. Um, sometimes you don't even have to heat them up. Um, bars are okay. If you get the right ones, I'm a huge fan of quest bars, but like you're, like you said, you gotta be real cognizant of what's in them. Um, and even if you're there all day, two meals, bring two Tupperware containers. Don't, don't think of like, Hey, I have to have snacks throughout the day. Cause it's really, what, what's the difference between a snack and a meal? You know, it's, they're all meals. You know, just think, just think I need to have, I'm going to be there for 12 hours this Saturday. I'm going to be there 14 hours, whatever it is. I'm probably going to need to eat every three to four hours. So I'm going to need like three meals, right? So I'm going to bring three Tupperware containers and then I'll maybe bring some small quote unquote snacks, like a, a bag of nuts or uh, a Quest bar, just in case in between I get even more hungry or maybe I'm, I'm not able to eat that meal because I'm on back to back to back 20 minute calls um, and I could shove that Quest bar in my mouth real quick. Um, but when you do have time, try to eat, try to eat the whole meal. 
don't think of I, I can only eat snacks because then you start to undereat. And again, that can be worse. Like we talked about earlier, you start to undereat and then, then, you know, your body starts holding on to stuff. So I would say don't treat it any different. Don't complicate things, you know? It's, uh, that makes me feel a little bit better about what I'm thinking. I'm going to ask you, uh, Jimmy Wynn asks a question. I'm going to try to answer the question for you. I'm, I'm going to be Jeremy for one moment. What supplements do you take, Jeremy? Ooh, fish oil. Supplements. Fish oil. I knew this was coming up too. And I'm, and I'm a huge proponent for, of supplements. And here's what I, and here's what I tell people. All right. <clears throat> if you can't floss your teeth once a day, for an entire week, don't ask me about supplements. Not not knocking on this guy, but everybody asks me, hey, what supplements do you take? What supplements should I take? I'm like, hey, man, do you floss your teeth every day? No, who does that? If you don't have the discipline to floss your teeth every day, then you don't have the discipline to probably have a good diet, and that's 95% of it. Supplements are a very, very, very small piece of the, the, the entire pie. So while I agree supplements are great and we should definitely take advantage of the modern uh, advancements in supplements and, and the technology that's come out um, and, and the research that's been done over the years. Um, so yeah, so think about that first, but I will go ahead and provide an answer. Um, fish oils, I think, is, is a huge one. Um, absolutely avoid multivitamins like the plague. And, and if we want to discuss that later, we can get into it. Um, they don't do anything for you. And I think by this point, there's so much research out there and you can just Google search um, why multivitamins are bad or you can just Google search multivitamins. You don't have to put a biased statement in there and you'll probably get more often than not um, research, peer-reviewed, you know, legitimate research that says, hey, they really don't do much for you. In fact, a lot of them are bad for various reasons. One being it's too much. And you are, if you eat properly, you're going to get all the, the vitamins and minerals you need in your food. And two, they're so convoluted with all these different vitamins and minerals that actually most of them work against each other when ingested together. So you're really not doing much. All right. So, and you also end up pissing out a lot. Really, of and you're pissing out most of it too. So is it necessarily a bad thing? I think it could actually be more harmful than good. I used to say, tell clients, hey, man, if you feel like you're missing some nutrients in your, in your diet and you want to take a multivitamin, it can't hurt you. But now I'm starting to believe like, man, maybe it could actually potentially be more harmful than good. It's, there's no excuse for actually getting your, 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 multivi your vitamins and minerals through, through actual food. So um, fish oils, um, if you're working out and you actually want to increase your, uh, you know, your muscle size and muscle growth. I think creatine monohydrate is a huge one. I know it's got a bad rap. And for people who don't understand it, they're like, oh, creatine, isn't that what, you know, what people have killed people before? Like, well, not necessarily. Um, creatine monohydrate is the most highly researched performance enhancing supplement out there today. The monohydrate version. There's many different versions, but particularly monohydrate. Five grams throughout the day. Doesn't matter pre, post, during, doesn't matter. Um, for You can honestly be on it for almost entire year round. I would I'd discourage that because then what you can end up being is what we call a non-responder. So you won't respond to it. But I stay on it for about three months at a time, maybe get off for a couple weeks to a month and I, and I get back on it. Um, super great supplement. Um, I'm a huge fan of whey protein when I, especially when I can't get the protein, just basic whey protein powder. doesn't matter the brand, whatever, uh, whatever flavor you guys prefer. Um, and then, uh, I take, uh, me personally, I take ZMA, zinc magnesium acetate, which is a, uh, a amino acid pill that kind of helps uh, me sleep at night. It's it magnesium is really good for muscle growth and repair, and uh, those together really uh, kind of act like a neurotransmitter. So they help you sleep. Um, it's a little bit better, especially if you're having trouble sleeping. It's a better supplement than like say melatonin or uh, any other uh, like substances. So those four um, are really highly researched. Oh, and caffeine. So not the pill form, but 
as Nick likes uh, coffee. So those I, I consider caffeine a supplement. Um, so those five are my big five, and I, I usually try to stick to those five and only those five um, because they have been highly researched and because they are proven to work, and they work for me. And I would suggest anybody, like I said, who has their diet in check already, then go ahead and go to the last phase, which is supplementation. That's, that's super interesting because people, just in my observations, do that absolutely ass backwards to what you just exactly. said. Exactly. Yep. Supplements first, diet last. You mean I can't eat McDonald's every day and make yeah. up for my nutrition with yeah. popping a handful of pills? Dude, I, man, Damn I'm it. out, man. Me and Billy Whitaker, Mickey D's for life. <laughs> this really, so I wanted to learn a lot tonight, and here's one thing I've learned. I'm actually not nearly as stupid about this as I thought. Right. I'm not nearly as educated as you guys are, but it sounds like the path and the journey I'm trying to take and the path I've set ahead of myself is I'm at least traveling in the right direction. I need to continue this path. I, I've learned a lot of things I need to do tonight, um, but it makes me feel better about what I'm doing, and I hope other people listening are doing this. Uh, Brooke, our yogi, does have one other question, and it seems pertinent to her next few days. No meat and no microwave. I'm outside on the lake for the next three days. What should I pack? And this is talking about just meals and eating. Uh, yeah, so then, then we get into, uh, like I said, supplementation of whey protein can be really good for that. Um, little shaker cup. I don't know if she can bring like a little Nutribullet blender, but a, a piece of fruit or frozen fruit if she has a refrigerator out there at the lake house uh, or a freezer and blend those together and you got a protein shake, you got your fruits, so you got your, your carbohydrates and you got your protein, um, nuts, seeds, uh, things of the like, uh, quest bars, you know, go, go give them a shot. Uh, real simple things. I would stay away from like most people like, oh, beef jerky, I can I can substitute. And some are good, like turkey jerky. Some leaner jerkies are good, but then you got other things that come along with that, like sodium and stuff, and then you don't want to overeat that. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I think whey protein is my go-to. I don't know, if, Nick, if you got anything else that you like to do. I'm super uh, simple, so I don't overthink things, really. I mean, I, I would probably just take a trip down the uh, the the bulk foods aisle and find some dried fruit, nuts. That That's what that would be my go-to. Yeah, so uh, I think she's more, yeah, they need to conserve the protein so the nuts will be good. But then you can overeat nuts, you know, just like you can do anything else. You do too much of it, too much fat, and you, um, I don't want to get into that because it's, you know, might, might end up confusing people. Um, but, yeah, so <clears throat> I would say the whey protein is probably going to be uh, her, her best friend um, as far as supplementation goes to just to get that protein while she's gone. And you say beef jerky, so it brings up another question in my mind. Recently, eating more of that ketogenic style, again, not the diet, but just at least going that direction. One of the things that I've been using a lot lately are meat bars. Do you know what I mean when I say meat bars? I do not know what you mean. Like the Epic bars, the, the Mighty Ep Bar. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah, essentially beef jerky, yeah, kind of like beef jerky. Yeah. 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 Uh, so like the Ostrom bars. The what? Ostrom. Have you ever heard of Ostrom? No, they're I They're huge not. on military bases. I don't mm. know why. I guess they're not. Okay. It's basically like ostrich and beef meat mixed together. It sounds kind of weird, but it's actually pretty good. Ostrich meat's pretty lean. I try yeah, it, dude. I mean, it's, Whatever, it's pretty man. good. It doesn't doesn't taste like ostrich, I guess. But anyways, yeah. What's so, ostrich taste like? Yeah, exactly. So it tastes more like a beef bar. But yeah, so um, those are fine. And in, in like say, hey, you're on a road trip and you're and you're driving a lot and you, you go to a gas station. That's that's your main source of lean protein, right? Mm -hmm. Is it, beef jerky or one of those bars i'm um, absolutely at the right place right time they're not bad i wouldn't make them a staple in your diet as your meat source though but for somebody like brooke in this situation or for somebody like you um if you're at the drop zone and that's 
that's your way to get your 20 grams of protein? Like, absolutely. Like, you, you know, I've been I'd looking at using them about two to three days a week as one of my meals. You know, you eat a few meals mm-hmm. a day. Yeah. Uh, eat a few healthy meals a day is what I've been trying to yeah. do. And you saw me eat this week. Every break, I would eat something, yep. sometimes a snack or, or that small little between, but usually a meal. And about three times a week, um, Epic Bar is one you introduced me to. I, I wish I could remember the name of the other one. The one that Mighty Bar is one. Th- there's one I uh, showed makes you. Makes one the Warrior Bar. And I think those are better than traditional beef jerky okay, packs. So, so yes, I would question. say I would say those are probably better. You know, just like the Quest yeah. Bars are a better version of you know traditional bars. Okay. Um, but so yeah. they're not as bad. No, they're not as bad. They're usually made. And and like I said, that's just coming with the the times that we're in. And most people are starting to get more interested in like where their food's coming from and the healthier options. So yeah, these companies come out like, hey, here's a healthier beef jerky option. Essentially, what it is. Yes. Um. You know, here's the healthier option. So yeah, I don't I don't uh, disagree with that. In a um, that used to be one of my go tos. That and a bag of nuts, and you got your protein and fats right there. If you got a fridge, uh, man, hard boiled eggs are great. Oh yes, pickles. Uh, do you know what Baby Bell cheese is? Yes, I we I have a bunch of Baby, Baby Bell, Bell cheese. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's one of my I find myself snacking on those a lot. So what about hemp? You know, you Brick asked the question, and you and you encourage uh, whey protein. She uses hemp. I mean, the last time I checked, hemp is what I smoke to get high. Yeah. I mean, so what's, what's what's hemp in as far as diet? I would goes? encourage her to to just do a quick Google search on the quality of proteins, and what you're going to find is whey protein is is the highest quality, most biologically sound protein to ingest um, in your body um, as a, as far as an outside s- supplement source. Um, I think hemp is pretty low on the list. Um, don't quote me on it because I haven't really done a whole lot of research into hemp. But there has been a ton of research into whey protein. I um, think there is some good stuff about the uh, like amino ch- amino acid profile in yeah. hemp protein. So I'm not sure but if it's, it's considered it's a, a long complete protein, which it has all the essential you know amino acids to make up a complete. But I would encourage her to do that, and I and I don't want to misspeak, and that's why I encourage her to to kind of just do that Google search on the uh, biologic quality of uh, of that that type of protein, but. Typically, whey protein is what you want to go. Whey and casein protein is what you want to go with. Um, if hemp's if hemp's what you prefer and that's what's going to get you the protein, then absolutely not against it at all. It's not. It's that. It's not going to hurt. The only thing I discourage is soy protein. Dude, I am blown away back to the, this whole idea of the nutrition podcast. Is something I really wanted to do. Is something I wanted to bring together. And I, I was curious to actually how much. I could get out of a productive conversation of this. I knew you had a good education on this. I haven't got a third of the way through the things I want to ask and talk about tonight. <laughs> um, well, we've only been talking for three hours and 15 minutes. So. Yeah. So, so we're almost, quick. yeah, pushing three and a half hours into it. And, and just being that little bit of late, uh, you and I both have an early morning with coach course jumps going on tomorrow. Uh, we all have a little bit of work to go. So I, I kind of want to start pushing towards wrapping this up. And hopefully next time you're in town, and hopefully it is sooner than later, we can get together. We can do something like this again because I, I did have a whole list of military questions to oh, ask. Oh man, you. we didn't even I, dive into that yet. Yeah, my uh, <laughs> I had a way I was going to segue into this, but I'll just go short. My brother's a marine, or was a marine. He's not in the marines anymore. Always and a marine. Once a marine, still, always a marine. Still a marine. Yeah. marine. Dallas, buddy. And so I asked him, "Hey, if I was going to uh, interview someone with a big military background, what are some good questions that you, that that I should ask?" So I had a whole list. And uh, half of them involved making fun of you for being in the Air Force oh, because nice. he's a Marine. Obviously. <laughs> but uh, Air Force, the highest cloud, of the, uh, highest uh, branch of the armed services, they always have their heads in the cloud. Yep. You guys are suffering. some of us. Yeah. But so, <laughs> what do you do for the Air Force? Because, uh, you know, we think Air Force, we think guys who look all schmancy fancy, pilots, you know, people don't traditionally think, what do you do? 
Uh, so I'm a combat controller, and most people don't really know what that means. Um, it's our version of uh, special tactics, special operations, whatever you want to call it. If you wanted um, to be cool, they would call you an operator. Yeah. So and and that's the and that's the kind of mainstream like cool guy term is operator. Um, I don't I'm really an buy into it, but bro. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, essentially, what we do is it's just, it's a specialized mission. We're the air, air to ground. Uh, liaisons between the the birds in the sky, any Air Force asset and uh, or in, any DoD asset really, and uh, the uh, the troops on the ground. So we provide uh, close air support um, for uh, for ground troops. We also do other things like uh, airfield surveys, airfield seizures. Um, we work a lot with uh, the FAA. We're actually all FAA air, uh, certified FAA air traffic controllers, um, but it's more so battlefield air traffic control than traditional tower work. Um, a lot of reconnaissance, things of that nature. So anything really air and airfield related to include close air support, which is where we've made our bread and butter over the last, uh, man, 16 years now in, in the Middle East. Uh, yeah, so that's essentially what we do in a nutshell. So one of the things you do as a combat controller, one of, one of I think, your specialties is you're a skydiver. And you guys actually use skydiving as part of your job. Yep. So we're all military free fall qualified, just like any uh, any other uh, soft force uh, dive demo, all that all that good soft jazz. Soft force. Yeah, I've heard special you... operations force. Sorry. Okay. Cool. Special operations force force. Yeah. Okay. Double negative there. Um, <laughs> yeah. So and, and it was good having a background in uh, in skydiving. It was good uh, coming in with that because then I just had a leg up, and now uh, now I'm actually I just finished the jump master course, so I'm a static line MFF jump master for uh, for my unit there, and. Uh, actually learned a lot of good things to this coach course to bring back for our transition. We're starting now to use non-traditional parachutes in some of our training, not necessarily missions, but um, for, for training. We say non-traditional, which is for skydivers traditional. Okay, that's uh, commercial, what I want to Commercial off-the-shelf, uh, you know, uh, javelins with what we have silhouettes in our uh, rigs. I didn't pick them. Um, I don't think M- silhouettes Do you have MSs, that. military silhouettes? Uh, no, they're actually just commercial Civilian silhouettes. silhouettes. Yeah, okay. so um, they're military equipment because we bought them, but they're essentially anything that you or me could have bought uh, off the shelf. Um, yeah, so I'm bringing a lot of that knowledge back. Hopefully I can write some some programs for us to get us uh, doing it safely and effectively. Where, where are you stationed at right now? So I'm in Okinawa, which is Japan. Yeah, which... I, it was, Donji's homeland. Hi, domo arigato, <laughs> Mr. Robato. Um, uh, it's so funny because you joke it's my homeland. And it's some of the Japanese folks I know, there's a strife between Okinawa and Japan in general for some mm-hmm. people where Okinawans say, right, we're not Japanese, we're from o- Okinawa. And Japan's like, shut up, you're our little brothers. <laughs> um, and I'm sure you've heard some of that yeah. from some of those, yeah, from some of the... Uh, Gosh, I keep wanting to say um, I can't think of the right indigenous people there. I don't know why, but I can't think of the word I really want. The to locals, use. the locals. Yeah, there's an easy word for it. Um, how long have you been in the Air Force now? Six years. Six Not years. too long. So back Still to baby. Back to that's where where we began. Is like, man, when I met Jeremy Foster, dude, I want to be Special Forces, brah. <laughs> and so, how, how many times in skydiving, Nick, have you heard somebody go, "I want to be a SEAL"? I hear it. All the time from students like I oh. wanted to be a seal at one point. I yeah, mean, who doesn't? Actually, that was one of your first who, statements. Who doesn't want to be a seal? But These I guys hear, are hot. I hear so many young jumpers. <laughs> I know enough seals. I've been really good friends with all seals. I, I was I started skydiving in San Diego at a place called Air Adventures. They move locations. They're now called Skydive San Diego. A uh, seal school is out. Buds, uh, basic underwater demolition school, is based out there, San Diego. They they work out Strand, 
And so we had tons of the SEALs who would actually recreational skydive skydive with us. It was really interesting because the admiral for the SEALs at the time was Admiral Worthington, super nice dude. I got to hang out with a lot of them. And no, they're a bunch of idiots. I'm <laughs> kidding. Any of my SEAL friends don't sneak into my house and kill me tonight. Uh, you actually said, I want to be special forces. I want to be SEALs. I want to be this fitness guy. And dude, it is so impressive to watch you today because you've accomplished these goals you want. And not only are you doing and living your dream, you're excelling at your dream. People out there today, every day at the drop zone, tell me I have a dream. Everybody's Martin Luther King. They've got these dreams. What would you tell somebody who has a dream and somebody has a goal? Because you had some lofty ones and you're oh, working man. them. Uh, I, I'm definitely not the uh, motivational speaker or the, uh, the orator when it comes to that uh, kind of stuff. But I mean, yeah, you I, motivate people to get in a yeah. better shape. You motivate people to get healthy. So you can't say that. You are. Yeah, I mean, I, and I guess I can be as cliche as I want about it. But, you know, if, if that's what you want, you have to go for it. Otherwise, you're just never going to be happy. And that was what was me. It's like I was happy, but I was I always felt like there was something missing. And until you actually, like, try to do that, like, you're not – you're just always going to feel that way. And that's how I felt. And uh, I, I encourage anybody who has has – aspirations to do anything whether it's military or otherwise like hey if you don't do it then you're just always going to feel that way and that's the definition of insanity right like just continuing to, to do the same thing over and over again expect different results so um just kind of living your life hoping for that and never actually pursuing it that's just kind of insane to me so yeah uh go out there and get it you know <laughs> so with all these things done do you have any other military questions you wanted to bring uh, i stole that it actually kind of connected back to a, a fitness question i had for you if you had any clients any people that you trained who were if someone stands out in your mind as a really whiny person during during their oh, workouts yeah. yeah plenty and so <laughs> what and what do you think that that mentality does for those people uh like that i'm a victim like that yeah, I, it's harder for me and because i think that's a huge uh that's a huge mistake people make and that's a huge uh, problem facing any sort of uh, any, anybody who wants to get results and they always make excuses and I see this and they always play the victim and I'm glad you brought that up because you're really in direct control of your life. Um, you may not be in direct control of your circumstances, but you're definitely in direct control of how you react to that and your attitude towards it. And that's really, and let's be honest, that's really the only thing we can control is our attitude um, towards what's going on around us in the world because everything else has a say. Um, so, you know, your job, your, you know, other things that increase your stress level and, your, and take up your time. But, hey, um, as long as you have a good attitude towards it and you don't let it bother you, then you can still be successful. And I think those types of people don't think that way and they don't in, in, in compartmentalize things and, and think about the bigger picture and they just play the victim. And I think that really hampers results. And, th and those are typically the people who aren't having fun too. So those are typically people who don't come back after their sessions expire. So um, there's usually a direct correlation between people who whine. Some people whine just for, for fun but always come back because they like it. But some people are legitimately, you're right, are just, hey, I'm a victim. Like, I can't do this or, you know, I, I can't squat that low or I can't, I can't prep my meals. I don't have time. It's like, well, it's probably just not a priority. More than likely. People say, but I'm a product of, of my environment, and it's, it's due to my environment. And I do agree. You are 100%, and I think you kind of touched on this statement. You are a product of, an, of your environment, but you're also the producer of your environment. You can affect the change you need to make. You can affect the change you want to make. And Hank and I were talking last week, and, and, and over the years, I love Hank, and I think Hank is one of the most foolish men I've ever met in my life because he comes to me for personal life advice all the time. That's what makes him foolish. And one, one of 
So one of the things I've always told Hank over time is, Hank, when you ask me for advice, I don't tell you what I think you should do. When you ask me for advice, I think what would be best for me and what's the best advice I can give myself, and you actually get to hear my own advice for me. Doing these things, people, if you've got a goal, if you've got a dream, you've got an idea, tell yourself what's the best thing you could do. Think about, man, my friend Jeremy is in this situation. If I wanted to be able to touch my toes better, if I want to be able to lose 30 pounds, if I wanted to be able to to be a, a combat controller, if I want to do whatever it is I wanted to do, what would I tell my boy Jeremy? but make Jeremy you who you're talking to, and then follow that advice. How many of us have such great ideas and such sound advice? I think most of us do. How many of us follow our own advice? I don't think many of us do. I really don't. And I think that's why you're very successful at what you do. I think that's what's allowed you to become who you are. And Nick, I, I think you'll disagree with this next statement, but I think you're a very successful man. I think you've accomplished with what you choose to do. And I think that's the reason you are, is because you set advice in front of yourself and you actually follow it. Man, if you've got dreams, guys, if you've got goals, listen to the advice you give yourself. Say, I want to do this. And I think that's what you just said. Then get up and do it, man. Don't be afraid of failure. Right now, I, I just picked up wingsuiting again. I've only done two wingsuit jumps recently. I now have 14. I was talking with a guy I'm jumping with, Kimball. I want to, I'm not sold if I want a wingsuit or not. And I think one of the reasons I'm not sold is because I'm not having fun. And I'm not having fun because I'm not any good at it. So failure sucks. So what Kimball and I talked about and what I want to do is I want to get out until I can actually do certain things in wingsuit. So I've actually set goals in front of myself. You said goal setting earlier. Set a goal, and no matter how much it sucks, no matter how much it's horrible, no matter how hard it is to get your sub-12 second 100 meter. Did I say that right? Yeah, that's, you nailed it. Yeah. No matter how it sucks, keep going till you accomplish that goal. And you said it. You'll probably go, oh, my God, let me set a better goal. Yeah. Um, do you have any other military things you wanted to ask him about? Uh, probably not that aren't uh, pretty long uh, yeah. questions. We'll bring you back, hopefully, for more. Um, I want to ask you one more question while we're getting at it. Your best life accomplishment. If there's one thing in your life that stands out oh, to God. you, I actually have my opinion of what I think the best thing you've ever done in your life is. Yeah, is and, and, and obviously I'll give you, I, I think this is probably what you would expect, but I mean, honestly, serving my country, and I, I wanted to go... Um, I grew up watching this war kind of happen. I was in uh, seventh grade, or sorry, eighth grade when uh, when September 11th uh, happened. God damn! So I I grew up watching this war, and I've always like kind of deep down, I was like, I want to get out there, I want to get out there, like I want to do my part. And like finally, like uh, in 2014 was my first deployment, and I was like, when I finally got there, I was like, yes, like this is this is it, like this is this is me doing what I've wanted to do all these years. So I would say something like that would probably be my biggest accomplishment. Um, was actually getting to serve my country in the capacity that I wanted to. Um, I know it's a super military answer, but uh, you know I think that's one of the ones that obviously becoming a combat controller is, is one I'm really proud of. It was a, you know almost a three-year pipeline, but I think in, in, if I had to pick one, it was it was just actually getting out there and being able to serve my country. So I am um, not actually where I, where I would go with it, but. So I'm biased. My dad was a Marine for 28 and a half years. My dad served the United States Marine Corps. I grew up the son of a Marine. My first job I ever had in my life, I worked for four years in a Marine Corps mess hall in the scullery. For those who don't know what that is, I washed dishes in a Marine Corps mess hall for four years. I worked in a carrier field team for a company called DynCorp. We were a ground support equipment team who worked with military aircraft and aircraft support equipment. I have worked around military my whole life. 
I have a huge belief that there are two people in my life who are highly underpaid and highly underappreciated. Our military and our school teachers. Our school teachers make and mold our future. We don't pay them enough. I almost don't want us to pay our school teachers too much because then they start doing it for the money and not for the passion of teaching. But I believe they should be paid a little bit more. Our, our school teachers make our future. Our military protects our future. And, and again, I don't know if I want them to overpay the military because of what's going on, but I, I wish that you guys were better appreciated, not necessarily financially, but emotionally. And people who sit there and, and they don't agree with the war, and I don't care what you think about any conflict. I don't care what you think about any war that exists. Don't hold it against this man sitting in the room with me. There are wars that are being fought that politically we do or don't agree with. But the fact is, is this man is laying his life on the line, dude. I, I lost my dad multiple times. Hey, son, hey, ma, or hey, honey, his wife, I'm leaving for two weeks on a fact-finding mission. I'll be back in two weeks. Three months later, we get a phone call. I can't tell you where I'm at. I can't tell you what I'm doing. I'm just telling you I'm okay. And I'm sure you've probably been on his side of those kind of phone calls. People, if you see what these guys are doing, I don't care if you agree or disagree with the conflicts. Appreciate the man. Don't necessarily appreciate the job he's doing, but appreciate where he's at. For me, one of your greatest achievements, one of your greatest accomplishments is you will live on for longer than your life. Tomorrow you may die. 50 years from now you may die. But when we die, what do we leave behind? And this is kind of sappy, but there is a young man in this world named Foster. Who is Foster? So Foster is uh, one of our good friends, uh, uh, Trent Alcax. It's his, uh, his son. And very, very honored. Uh, what happened was he ended up naming him Foster, which is my last name. And uh, yeah, and, and I... I was, like I said, really taken back by it, really honored. Um, don't, don't think I can live up to that, but, uh, you know, obviously I'm, I'm trying. Uh, so yeah, I, I would, I would agree with you, DJ. That's probably up there. Um, it, you know, in, in probably my greatest accomplishment. So, um, yeah, I agree. It's, 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 uh, it kind of leaves me speechless cause I don't know what to say to it because I didn't think obviously I was deserving of it, but, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's probably, probably one of them. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, it, it touches me. I, I, I feel a little bit of a connection because my best friend, a guy named Eric Clayton, named his son after me. Now, it's his middle name. His name is Anthony Donji. And actually, um, my father's first name is Anthony, oddly enough. But love my boy Eric. Uh, he's he's black fella. Has nothing to do with it. But his name's not Donji. It's Donji. Donji. Uh, I don't know why they mispronounce it. A-A-Ron. Yeah, A-A-Ron. <laughs> um, but... They, it, it really came across as a joke. His his girlfriend at the time, Yolanda, myself, and Eric are sitting at a, at a at a uh, Ryan Steakhouse or something like that. And her little son, Taihi, Taihi has never spoke one word in his life. And I'm visiting them for two weeks, and I said, Yolanda, you gotta name your kid after me. And Eric's like, Honey, DJ and Donji, and, and a lot of my friends don't know my given name is Donji, not DJ. Uh, you actually keep referring to me as Donji, and, and you know I do not mind it one bit. Uh, Stephen Boyd calls me Donji, and, and I, I, do, I love my name. I embrace my name. I'm named after my grandfather who passed away shortly after I was born. So there, there, there is a little bit of, when you say my real name, there's a little bit of a touching of my heart you do there. Eric's like, honey, we got to name the kid Donji. I mean, it, it means a lot to me. We were boys. We grew up together. And I told Yolanda, I'll tell you what, Yolanda, 
if Taihee says my name the two weeks I'm here, you have to name your kid Donji. She goes, deal. Kids never spoke a word in his life. I look straight at him and go, Taihee, say Donji. And that little boy looking went, Donji? His nice. first words were my Dude, <laughs> Eric fell out of his chair. But they ended up naming Ty, uh, uh, Anthony, Anthony Donji. And the idea that somebody's carrying your name around, you know, um, I actually keep really close track of Anthony now. I know where he's at in college. I know where he goes to school. I, I know about everything about him, man. I'm a creepy old stalker man at this point. But it, it's so inspiring that somebody thinks so much of you. And, and I really think Anthony being named Donji doesn't have nearly the prestige that I think Foster being named after you. I think there's a lot more respect in that version of it. Um, I think it's awesome that Trent, Trenton, would uh, <laughs> go out there and, and name your kid Foster. And I love that he did because every time I see Foster, I think of you. And, and no matter how long you live, every time people see that name Foster, he will have a story to why his name's Foster. Not everybody will ask him. But somebody like, well, what, where's the name Foster come from? Man, there's this really cool combat controller skydiver dude who was cut, man. Y'all's words, not mine. Y'all's words, man. Not <laughs> I mean, mine. I do think it, it speaks a lot coming from someone like Trent, who's just oh, a notorious yeah. asshole, which is one thing that I love about Trent. And, and something that I love about getting compliments from Trent. Like, uh, a lot of the videos that I make, a lot of people will mention something to me, like, hey, that video was great. Oh, I like that story, whatever. But when Trent says something about it, like, hey, man, that was super cool, it's like, all right, I know I did something wait, good. Wait, what's wrong? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Trent does not hand out compliments for no yeah. reason. But so so I, I think that coming from someone like Trent, I think that's got to be uh, a pretty flattering thing because he's absolutely, uh, not, absolutely. not someone to do something uh, uh, not, not uh, genuinely. Yeah. Man, I really appreciate it. Um, we really last second through this podcast together. We really last second started talking about this. And, dude, I, I couldn't thank you for being here enough. It's been a pleasure, man. I, I'm glad we had uh, enough to talk about. Yeah. Um, just having your presence in your company. We still have to do dinner while you're in town. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk to Valerie. Let's do the speakeasy next Wednesday night. You said you want to go. Yeah, I do. Let's do the speakeasy Absolutely. next Wednesday night. Perfect. Let's do this. Let's take five people to the speakeasy next Wednesday night. Damn it, you're out of town next Wednesday night. Am I? What the hell do I have going next Wednesday? What is it? No, it's the Wednesday after that. It's the 17th. The... Is a, the 11th or the, let's see, yeah, it'd be the 11th? No, the 10th. Hold on. Today's Thursday. We'll figure this I out. I think I'm free on the 10th. We'll figure this out, but here's my goal. I would love to like get us more time together. So let's get Sam if she's available. Let's get you. Let's get the five of us. Maybe you bring somebody with you, but let's see if we can set up next Wednesday night. Let's go hit the speakeasy and uh, have a little good dinner together, guys. Let's do it. That sounds great, man. Deal. Cool, man. Anything else you want to say as we close this out, brother? No, I got nothing, man. It's been great being here. Nick, I want to remind you there's two tracks. Hey, two tracks. I'm already all over it, all right? <laughs> I, I, I've like, seen I'm, you. Looking at, I'm looking at outro right now. I've seen you actually prep that about five times now just to make sure. Well, I'm not fucking it up then. Cool, man. Go ahead and hit the music, hey, my don't friend. don't tell me what to do. I'm the technician sitting over hit here. The music, you don't know. Man. So, hey, guys, I really appreciate Jeremy. Thank you for being here. Mr. P, as always, thank you for killing it on the other side of the desk. Till then, guys, I'm DJ. This is Jeremy. That's Nick. Blue Skies, we are out.